Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Oz Network as we continue anniversary month as we go over Mrs. Doubtfire, the 1993 box office comedy hit starring everybody's favourite actor, Matthew Lawrence, also featuring Mara Wilson, Lisa Jacob, Polly Holiday's in it, Harvey Feinstein's in it. I also think there's a couple of other actors by the names of Robin Williams, Sally Field and Pierce Brosnan, but they never amounted to anything, so we oh. don't really need to talk about them. And I'm so so excited to talk about this film that made my top 50 movies of all time, because as always, it's all about me and what <laughs> I like and celebrating an iconic film. Uh, but I think it's time to get into it. Please welcome Ben Brownosaurus. I eat wood. It tastes good. No meat. Big feet. I eat wood. And my name is Colin. And look at me right now, Ben. I want to undo that bull and get to know you. <laughs> I cannot choose just from one. Can we just sit here and quote everything? I you know host <laughs> podcast. <laughs> You know, it's so funny because that, that I eat wood when I was watching the movie, I'm like, oh, this would be a good opening quote. And then I didn't even plan on an opening quote until we literally sat down. I'm like, this is not going to be a challenge. Just scroll and pick one. I like, I wrote so many down, but then I'm like, no, I'm going to do that one. Or I'm a raptor going to do it. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not writing that down. There's got to be a script online for Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> so that's how I did that. But there's just so many things to quote from this movie. Um, I had this at number 20 on my 50 greatest movies of all time. Did you have this in your top 50? No. Um, Get off and, my and podcast. We, <laughs> well, I mean, we, we've been talking about this month, like how you have like uh, two movies, three movies from your top 50 in here. And I had one American Graffiti, but like Truman Show was one where I was like, oh, I was really close to making that in my top 50. But I remember when we did that and you had Mrs. Doubtfire, my thought was like, wow, I can't believe I forgot Mrs. Delphire. So, I mean, it's one of these things that if we redid it, it probably would make my list. I mean, who didn't see this movie a million times growing up? I guess to see. I, I thought uh, this would be the highest of the three movies this month, but uh, Truman Show, I have it number 15, so there you go. Um, but, yeah, I, God, I, I wish I had an amazing story about the first time I saw this. I legitimately can't remember the first time I saw this. I wouldn't have seen it at the cinema. I'm pretty sure that. But it would have been a mum and dad rented it, at Video City in Hobart, we watched it, or it was just one of these ones that I got on a weekly rental. But I can tell you from that point on, this would be a, I'm getting this pretty much once a year to watch it religiously. Because I don't know about you, like how your video stores work there, but we kind of had the two chains in Hobart. There was a national chain and a local chain. 
So you had Video City, which was the local statewide chain, which talked to Noah about fond memories of Video City, and then Video Easy, E-Z-Y, which was like the national chain. And how it would, like, there was a weird way of the reasons why we chose which chain we did. Video Easy, when you rented a video, you had to pay for it up front. So you would pay for it, and then here you go, here's your video for the week or your new release overnight, whatever it was. Video City, you would go there, here's your videos, and you would pay for them when you return them. So that meant... that so like a library. Kind of, yeah. So like little old, you know, 10-year-old Ben, who didn't have a job, child labor laws, <laughs> illegal in Hobart in 1997, um... I would be able to go down there and every school holiday, they'd usually have like the special, like five videos for $7 or seven videos for $5, something like that. And so dad would be like, okay, Lindsay, Ben, Monday morning, walk down to the video store. Cause it was like a 10 minute walk from our house and we'd go do that. So always, you know, we'd have at that time, it was what June, September school holidays. It was like a week break for Easter. And I swear at least not any school holiday break or at least once a year, Mrs. Doubtfire was always in that handful and I would just watch it to death. I would just, I swear, twice a day, as you do. And we've talked about this when you're a kid. You watch these movies like twice, three times a day in the school holidays. I had no friends. I didn't do anything in the school holidays. My parents didn't give, didn't give a shit about me going outside and playing. That's why I got fat. I was just watching <laughs> videos. So I got so obsessed with this film. And I remember finally buying it on DVD when DVDs became a thing. And that's when the first time I ever owned it. And again, you just, you, you watched it all the time. This is just a movie that I think similar to you, you just watch all the time. It's just, it's an easy watch. It's fun. But one thing I'll say, and I think we've got to point this out, this movie is deep. This movie is a little yeah. bit dark. This movie is a little bit ahead of its time, if you want to say the issue it's tackling in this film. And I'm saying this now, movie robbed of an Oscar nomination. This should have been nominated for Best Picture. In 2023, this would have been nominated for Best Picture. I think we can all, we can all agree on that. Um, this movie, and it holds up very well. There's maybe an issue yeah. or two in this film where I'm like, mm, that judge is a bit of a dick. Uh, <laughs> Sally Field, mm, is she a nice person? <laughs> um, but like, outside of that, Pierce Brosnan, mm, Robin Williams, <laughs> what mm, Mara Wilson. <laughs> You're not a fan of hers? Uh, she annoys me in this movie. I like her as an actress oh. and other things. Like Matilda, she was great and other things I've seen her, but there's always been something in this movie she kind of almost fits in that annoying little child character. Uh, but again, I think the overall feel of this movie cancels that out for me. I'm not going to sit here and go, ah, she's the worst thing ever. She's only got a few lines that really piss me off in this film. But other than that, she's fine. It's, it's funny because I mean, she's not I, Matthew I Lawrence. We're like, well, we're not going to have like strong disagreements on this movie, but I, I feel like I'm going to be very much a defender of Sally Field's character in this movie, now having children myself. Uh, and I think that's, that's kind well, of become a popular I'm going to be on the other side now being a product of nearly divorce myself. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, there's a couple of parallels here, I guess. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because there's this thing I've seen multiple times, uh, people posting like these memes about, you know, when I was a kid, Sally Field was like the, the, the movie's greatest villain. And now that I'm an adult and have children, I'm like, he brought a pony into the house of pity. <laughs> like, I really do see it from Sally Field's he point sold of view. it. All right. I'm on board. I'm on board with Miranda Hiller. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Uh, but I mean, the flip the flip side of that is I, ever since I saw this movie the first time, Mara Wilson was the one kid that I actually could stand in this movie. It was the other two where I'm like, oh, oh they're the worst. I had a crush on Lisa uh, Jacob growing up. Oh, was that this or Independence Day more? 
Um, both. I mean, they, I used to love both as a kid. It's kind of like one of those actresses who just, it's like children actors. She only of, did two movies. That's what I'm saying. Like in the 90s, I swear there was like four child actors and they were in all the movies and now they've done nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, my, my story with this is very similar to yours. Like I don't remember my first time seeing this. Uh, it would have been the same thing. Like you know, it came out on video, rented it. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure we did own this movie just basically the amount of times that I watched this. So uh, we probably rented this and then bought it not so long after that or, or legally recorded it. Yeah. Uh, not off TV. I think I might have recorded <laughs> off TV at one point. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I, I could, I can remember the, the summer of 94. Like I hadn't even seen, we talked about in the Jurassic Park recap. I didn't even get to see Jurassic Park until it was like a few weeks before it came out on video, which was after this was already out on video. So my summer of 94, not being able to go to the movies myself and all the movies I was interested in seeing were things like, speed you know and uh clear and present danger like i i I didn't really have uh maybe the flintstones was something that i was able to see but that summer 94 was just made up of stay inside and watch mrs doubtfire two three times a day so the earliest memory i have of this is probably knowing the movie by heart and just seeing it constantly and you're completely right like this movie holds up so well it it's something where I probably would go back to and watch every couple of years. And every time I would watch, it would be like, wow, like I would have expected a movie from 1993 with a plot like this to maybe be a little bit cliched now. Mm -hmm. And then every time I'd watch it, it would be like, this movie holds up. And it was only within last year where we, Jamie and I watched this when they added onto Disney plus. And I, again, was completely blown away. And it's the same thing now, like whether or not this could have gotten in 1993, I think it was maybe not the best year for movies. So it definitely could have gotten a best picture nomination, but Robin Williams not getting a Best Actor nomination. The thing that was most surprising to me just in kind of researching this episode is that he had been nominated for Best Actor three times already. Wow. By the time this movie came out. Huh. And you you could say, okay, well, this is just uh, more of a comedy. But I mean, from what I remember about Good Morning Vietnam, that was kind of like a Truman Show thing where it's like, yes, it's a drama, but Robin Williams is being himself. He's still funny in the movie. He's still doing his act, even though it is a dramatic movie this movie might be the greatest performance of Robin Williams' career. And, I'm not, I, and I've seen Goodwill Hunting many times. That's the one he won for. This should have been his Oscar nomination. But on the page, when you're when you're watching this movie and analyzing some of the best dramatic scenes, like some of the, the like you said, darker stuff and more dramatic stuff between him and Sally Field, like the script could have been performed by two other actors and just been a cliched, you know, parents going through a divorce movie. But you put Sally Field and Robin Williams in this movie and like you feel for both of these characters, like you really feel more than you should. And then I kind of read up that like Robin Williams was kind of drawing on his own divorce from a few years earlier when he was making this movie. And Sally Field turned the movie down originally because she was in the middle of a divorce and thought this would be too personal for her. But they obviously had enough experience where they brought something to the table. And I, I still I would struggle to think about even that that marriage story with Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. I don't know if the marriage story got like this divorce scenario in such a realistic and relatable way. I mean, even as somebody who hasn't been divorced, you know, I've had a mother who got divorced a couple times. You feel it every uh, day. <laughs> <laughs> but but literally every day with my mom, with the amount of time she was divorced. I was going to say, you watch this movie going, God, they're lucky. Saturday <laughs> visits with children supervised. Oh Only my God. Only once a week. Heaven. <laughs> Get to dress as a woman. This is every dream I've had. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan. Actually, before, just so I don't forget it, I want to read when I was reading through the trivia of this movie. IMDb trivia actually has this in there. 
Chris Columbus said the movie gave a lot of women hope that Piers Brosnan would walk into their lives. And that is a trivia <laughs> point on this Only movie. women? Sexist, Christopher <laughs> Columbus. I'm like, that was now. definitely <laughs> That was definitely my mom. I think that the only real memories I have about seeing this movie for the first time was my mom going on and on about this guy. I loved him on Birmingham Steel. And, and her even saying, I have always thought this guy would be James Bond. And of course, two years later... <laughs> He ends up as James Bond, and she's like, "See, I told you that guy from Mrs. Doubtfire that I love. He's, I said he would be James Bond. He is. That might be the best, be the best trivia I've ever heard on IMTV. Christopher Columbus thought <laughs> women might think Pierce Brosnan will walk into their lives. There's women in 1993. Oh, when will Pierce walk into my house? Oh, I, I wonder if it shows on here. Let me see. You know how I have how many people found this." Uh, 85 of 104 <laughs> found this interesting. Ah, what's wrong with those 19 people? Like those that other comment. 19 people, rethink your life. Um, a couple of things. It's look, I, I've got to, we'll talk about Sally Field's character. I think, y- you know, different lives, different perspectives, right? Um, because there are definitely things in this film where I'm like, okay, I understand. But there are also moments where you, even I'm sure you're like, she's gone a bit far there. Like, this guy isn't like bashing her or anything. Um, but uh, just a couple of things. I did note here that apparently Tim Allen was offered the role yeah. of both Daniel Hillard and Stu. Now, <laughs> I no disrespect to Tim Allen. I can see him maybe as Mr. Doubtfire, but can we see him as Pierce Brosnan's character well, in this film? So, so the, the second part of that is that this movie, the original script is very, like, obviously there's a lot of Robin Williams improv, but like, as far as the story goes, the original script that was written that Chris Columbus signed on to was what we got in the end here. But then the studio said, this isn't a happy ending. We want you to rewrite this. So they basically fired the screenwriter, hired another one, said, rewrite this where the parents get back together, rewrite it where Stu is a bad guy. And at the time Tim Allen was being approached for this movie, it was that version of the movie. And what it came down to is that he uh, he didn't think he could fit this in with the, the very short layoff he had in between home improvement seasons. So that's when they said, okay, well, if you don't want to do Mrs. Delphire and you don't have this much time, would you be interested in playing Stu? And that was the bad guy version of Stu that they ended up ditching and going back to the original concept, which is where Piers Brosnan came in. So, But I like, I, I, I could totally see him as Mrs. Delphire. It's funny because I was telling that to Jamie and she's like, I don't know if I could see him do that. The guy who dressed up in the Santa Claus for mm. like the last 30 years, you could see doing Mrs. Delphire, yeah. the shaggy dog, you know, everything else. Oh, often uh, compared. But, but, when I think about him as bad guy version of Stu, I'm like that I could see a little bit more, but definitely not, you know, Oh, uh, the, the, the perfect physical specimen, uh, you know, uh, that water must be very cold. <laughs> That's what you call liposuction. Like, no, that wouldn't have been Tim Allen. That, that must <laughs> but he's got the chest air for it. I guess it must be Colin's dream to have Tim Allen and Pierce Brosnan fighting over something. Not him though. Oh, uh, <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> uh, also seeing that Blake Lively, uh, auditioned for the role of Natalie. Yeah. That'd have been interesting. And Warren Beatty was, uh, and fine. The author of the book, first choice for Daniel Hillard. So this was, I didn't realize this actually was a book. Um, so uh, Madame Dis- And a foreign film, wasn't it? Was uh, it a, a, a oh, remake of something? Maybe, I didn't know that. Madame Doubtfire by Anne Fine, released the year I was born. Um, that's actually, I, I didn't even realize that Robin Williams had been nominated that many times for an Oscar. I thought he just got his yeah. one nod that he won. Um, but like, yeah, it's just, it's fascinating because this might have been the first time I'd watched it in maybe a year or two. So it'd been a couple of years, maybe the longest I've ever gone without watching it. But just because you're right, you touch on a point like we, we always look back in these movies in the 90s that we watch as a kid. And, you know, most of the they, they always go through that period, right, where it's like they're released. 
like, yeah, they do okay critically. Then maybe like 10 years later, they date a little bit. And you're like, oh, no, that doesn't really hold up very well. But then all of a sudden you hit the nostalgia goggles and like, boom, wow, how amazing yeah. is that? Like there was definitely a period in the 2000s where Jurassic Park was kind of looked down upon in terms of critically. Yeah. Like, oh, the acting in this is bad and the story doesn't hold up. Like I remember when like Jurassic Park 3 and then Jurassic World came out, there was that period where everybody almost was ripping on Jurassic Park except for its special effects. Now when it's 30th anniversary, it's like they finally joined my bandwagon. It's like the greatest film of all time. But, I mean, just this movie, like, saying it's ahead of its time, I know Kramer vs. Kramer was sort of really the one of the first sort of mainstream films to look at, like, divorce and almost from the male perspective. But, like, it feels weird saying, like, this film about almost men's rights is a little bit ahead of its time because you even get a line in this film in the court scene when basically the guy's like, yeah, we know that generally uh, custody proceedings always favour the women, but sometimes nowadays yeah, we, must, we often look at the men. And, like, I think this is, like, an important thing to kind of look at with this type of stuff. Like, yeah, it's done in the guise of a comedy, but this is legitimately an issue that still to this day is one of the rare things out there that genuinely favours women, that men are kind of almost yeah. discriminated against. And it's the, the childhood custody and a divorce and things like that. And you think about this was 30 years ago, and even today it's kind of still very taboo to talk about, quote, men's rights and this is still something that was looked upon. And again, it's done in the disguise of a comedy. It's a man dressing as a woman. So like, oh, okay, ha, 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 hilarious. But this is deep. Like the scenes, mm-hmm. are, I, I'm on board with a lot of what you're saying about one of his best roles because just the stuff that he shares in this and that, oh my God, that speech at the end. I know we're like well ahead of ourselves, but I was crying watching that last night. It's just the way it's all put together. And it's also... I'm glad they didn't go with that Hollywood ending because I think one thing that is so great about this film, it it's realistic in the way that it ends and that that mm-hmm. speech kind of adds to that. And this is sort of in that time when we're, what, we're a few years out of the Simpsons where sort of we'd shifted away from that Hollywood portrayal of like the classic American family of a mom and a dad and a great family, like dysfunctional family. Like the nineties was the Simpsons and married with children and, you know, all these type of families where they're dysfunctional. So you kind of have this level of divorce and childhood custody and everything that you just mix it up with this legend that is Robin Williams, who is going to do his thing, dress as a woman, a woman and make it sort of fun. So I don't know, like there's just so many layers to this film that make it a a hilarious movie, a a deep movie, a sad movie, a, a ahead of its time movie. And again, I'm looking at 1993. You say not a very good year for film, but like, look at the films that were nominated. I mean, Schindler's List, hilarious. Uh, obviously won it. The Fugitive, great film. Uh, the Piano, I remember watching that as a kid. Uh, and then two films that I don't think I've ever heard of, uh, In the Name of the Father and The Remains of the Day were the other ones that oh. were nominated for, for Best Picture that year. No, Jurassic Park. I, I'll take out In the Name of the Father and The Remains of the Day and put in Mrs. Doubtfire and Jurassic Park in that category. Well, I... I, I forgot that in the name of father was this year that is that's an amazing movie daniel day lewis he passed away um it's like a father and son who spent uh years in prison together uh but but i i still wouldn't fight uh that hard to keep it over Jurassic park and mrs delphire because this is like a couple of years before the oscars really started to get over that prejudice like when we did raiders of the lost ark last month we talked about that era of jaws to et where they said it's okay to have a fun movie and it still is best picture worthy. And then from E.T. to, 
I don't know, Lord of the Rings, it, it was, we have to take everything seriously. And I think that was, it's an unfortunate thing with this and Jurassic Park fell into that era where they're like, well, we can't nominate a blockbuster, even though these movies are probably worthy. Uh, just quickly on Jurassic Park, because uh, uh, our good uh, co-host of the show, Rocky, sent me something this past week where they have the official Jurassic Park store for the 30th anniversary has like the original cast sponsored merchandise. Mm, I saw that. I saw uh, Sam Neill sharing yeah, that this week. Yeah. Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum, and Laura Dern. Laura Dern's got a shirt with her face on it. It says Clever Girl. Oh, <laughs> I didn't say that they're, one. <laughs> they're selling a replica of Nedry's raincoat, which oh. I'm like, oh, that's great. <laughs> I, I don't I don't ever need a raincoat. I don't I don't care if I get wet in the rain, but like if I had to buy a raincoat, it would be Nedry's raincoat. Uh, but yeah, I mean, with this movie, like how deep it is, it's funny because I don't feel like this movie gets as deep as you would if you released this today. Today, you mm. would almost go too far. Yeah. And this is no knock against something like Marriage Story or Kramer versus Kramer because those were dramas. But those movies would take the littlest things in this movie and blow it out of proportion in a way that works for a drama, but not for a comedy like this. The way that the Miranda and Daniel relationship is in this movie was one of the most interesting things I found analyzing, rewatching at this time, because you don't really get that they want to get back together. And even though there's things yeah. on the surface where Robin Williams is like, oh, this guy's trying to move it on my face. It's, it's not never about his getting his wife back. He has a brief moment in this movie where he's, like, oh, my marriage isn't over. It's just on hiatus. But then after that, you get that he has no interest in reuniting with her. And I think that's where this movie works is that she has that speech earlier on where she wants a divorce and he's saying, no, no, no. And then even she says, I think you would be happier on your own. And they don't feel the need to address in this movie. It's like the guy is better off on his own. And I think he even knows that. It's more just about, I don't want to lose my family. He's worried about, you know, losing everything else he has. And it's more about the kids. And I think that's why this movie with the, you know, father's rights and everything where they, they address in this movie, Th this movie, again, not going as far as you would in something like marriage story or Kramer versus Kramer, but it is about not whether or not this guy is capable of supporting all his kids. Cause let's be honest, if we're looking at traditional, you know, divorce settlements and uh, child custody rights, traditionally, it doesn't matter who is able to financially support. The mother is the one who gets the custody even if it means she's not working and the father pays the child support, you could have gone the other way. It, it, he's irresponsible in other areas, which is maybe why they were with the custody. But this is less about can you support the family, which is the restrictions they place on this guy. And it ends up being just about, okay, are, are you the best father for your kids? Are you going to take care of them? Are you going to care about them? Are you going to love them? Yeah. And that's why I feel like it works so well. The one time where Sally Field, in my opinion, or I'll, I'll get to close to the end of this movie, the one time I feel Sally Field is in the wrong in this movie, they get that in this movie. The point of the movie is not crammed down your throat, but they get she does one thing wrong in this movie, and that is the point of the movie. There is a great point you make because I think you think I'm, trying, I'm off the top of my head. You think about there were a lot of divorce films in the 90s, like there were a lot of parents are separated. Yeah, and they're generally focused around, like, the male character. Sexist 90s movies. And for the most part of the ones that I'm thinking of, it always ends with the child trying to get them back together or them ending back together. The weird ones I'm thinking yeah. of, Jungle to Jungle. When they end up in the jungle at the end and she's got the pot, like, trying to get the woman back, Tim Allen. Uh, liar, Liar. You know, the wish. And it's yeah. like, did, did you wish for your mum and I to get back together? Uh, the Parent Trap's an obvious one. I mean, the whole movie is about them trying to get their parents back together. You know, you think about these sort of movies where that is always what they're trying to do. It's kind of almost like this, 
let's sugarcoat the fact that the 90s are the decade of divorce. It's Divorce is not taboo anymore. Parents are getting divorced left, right, and center. So let's try and, you know, give this Hollywood ending that, yeah, your parents can get back together. But you're right. Like, there's, there's nothing in this movie that's implied that these two are going to get together. And I think... Mm-hmm. You maybe you're always, almost getting me around on Sally Field, and we barely even talked about it. But like, there's there's the, the aspect around like their relate. Like, even I think there's that level of realism around their relationship ending because it's sort of it's not like he's cheated. It's not like she's cheated. Well, or is she? Um, you, you know, there's not those levels of things. But like, it's kind of just that after 14 years, sometimes you just it just ends. Like sometimes relationships mm-hmm. just end. One person's not happy, they walk away. So you know, there's those levels where. Whereas, like, in, I think, Lie Lie doesn't, like, Jim Carrey's character Fletcher cheat. And, like, you know, like, they always yeah. cheat. They're always, the man's always a cheater because it's always the man in the marriage that cheats, never the woman. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, that's kind of some realism along that, which we'll, we'll talk about. We'll talk about. I wanted to just quickly touch on Christopher Columbus because I'm so glad he discovered America so we could get this film. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hang on. Are we allowed? Can we check with our lawyers? Are we allowed to talk about him anymore? Didn't he get cancelled a couple of years ago? Columbus Day, not a thing anymore. Um as in the, the discoverer, not the director. I'm sure oh, he, okay. he, he, hasn't <laughs> Who did he, mas- he hasn't masturbated Lisa in public. Aramara or Matthew. <laughs> but look, I mean, his resume at this point in terms of just oh, yeah. directing. Now, can't say I'd ever seen Adventures in Babysitting or Heartbreak Hotel. But of course, did Home Alone. Can't say I've seen Only the Lonely. But then Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, my favorite of the Home Alone franchise. Mrs. Doubtfire, Nine Months. Stepmom, underrated gem of the nineties. Do you remember Stepmom? Love that movie. I've never seen it, but I know you talk it up and Jamie talks it up a lot. It's so a I'll great get film. To it. I think you'd like it. I think you'd like it. Uh, Bicentennial Man often get confused with artificial intelligence, but that's one with Robin Williams in it that I watched more than artificial intelligence, and I like that. We had we had to do. I did drama in high school, and we had to like recreate like the death scene in that film, like for drama. I don't know why we had to do Bicentennial Man, but sure. Then obviously the first two Harry Potter films. And then, really, from there, he did Rent. I love you, Beth Cooper. Percy, Christmas with the Crank. Oh, he, he just didn't. Wrote he Christmas he the yeah, didn't direct that one. Um, Percy Jackson, the Olympians, the Lightning Thief, Pixels, which that probably killed his career. Uh, and then the Christmas Chronicles too. So he had a pretty good streak, as you said. Producer, like he worked on Jingle All the Way, worked on Gremlins, The Goonies. Goonies. Um, I mean, what a what a resume he had. But like, he was really peak Christopher Columbus at this point. Only mm. a few years removed from Home Alone, and then. Home Alone 2 obviously did great guns, not as beloved as the first one. But, I mean, were you... Because I, I remember when he got announced as the director of the Harry Potter films, how big of a deal that was, because he was still yeah. peak Christopher Columbus at the time. So uh, I don't think sometimes people might realise just how powerful this guy was and what great films he had in the 90s. Yeah, he's sort of one of those forgotten directors because uh, we've talked about in a couple episodes recently, that, especially on the Indiana Jones, like very few directors have that name value uh where you could sell a movie like you could sell a movie now a quentin tarantino film you could sell a movie a uh, christopher nolan movie but it's still a struggle even now for usually it ends up being from the director who brought you because people don't even care enough to know these people's names yeah in, in the 90s it was probably even more so than that like there's nobody other than like steven spielberg but like if you saw chris columbus's name on a movie you immediately thought of home alone you immediately thought of mrs doubtfire you know uh, and, and then I remember nine months when that came out, wanting to see it partly because, oh, the guy who did Mrs. Delphire is doing this. So he was huge. And, and there, there really are very few directors who had a run of movies, even if nine months, you know, I think it made like $100 million. It wasn't quite the level of Mrs. Delphire. But you look at that first half of the, the 90s, 
two Home Alone movies, Mrs. Doubtfire in nine months, and then you move on to like Stepmom and Bicentennial Man and Harry Potter. I mean, this guy's swimming in cash by the end of the decade. I, I was just trying to see. There's a bit of a trend, I think, around uh, every 10 years we seem to have a movie about a man dressing as a woman. So Tootsie came out in 1982, 1983, whatever you sort of in that period of time. I've never seen Tootsie. Is it good? Have you seen it? Yeah, I saw it once, like when I was a teen, probably not long after uh, Mrs. Well, it would have been a little while after Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, but uh, it, it's a good movie. Like, I, I I don't know if this is where you're going with it, but the, the controversy of, oh, this is, you know, uh, it, it's against transgender people and stuff. To me, if you're going to do a movie like Tootsie or a movie like this, it's not about them trying to be women. It's not them making fun of that. They are doing it for the purpose. I think Tootsie is maybe considered a little bit more controversial because it's like, oh, how hard it must be to be a white male in Hollywood, you know, whereas Mrs. Doubtfire, like, I don't know how anybody could have a problem with this. This guy is down on his luck. This guy kind of does need to do this. I actually wasn't going that direction, but I'm glad you brought it up. Oh, there, there you few, go. Well, I mean, there are a few things in this film which, I don't know, like, I don't think this movie does anything in this film to disparage that part of the community. Not at all. I think it, yeah. there's, there's, there's a couple of lines in this film that I think they would do it differently today. But other than mm-hmm. that, it holds up. I, I mean, Tootsie, what, Best Picture nominee? Didn't get, like, uh, yeah. uh, What's-His-Face get nominated Justin for an Oscar as well. The, the other way I was going with that, though, is I'm just I'm going the tears of the men dressing as women movies. So you've got the first one. I mean, there are others. We know that. But, like, Tootsie, Best Picture nominee, Best Actor nominee. Mrs. Doubtfire, beloved comedy, should have been nominated, should have this. Then 11 years later, your favourite, White Chicks. Um, <laughs> 2004's White Chicks. Which, shut up, it's a great movie. Um, when are we doing White Chicks? I love that film. But that is the one that maybe doesn't hold out well. Them, And that's mainly for racial reasons, not really uh, dressing up as women reasons. Yeah. Um, so there you go. And this is, is this our first Oz Network Pierce Brosnan movie, right? Uh, yeah. And, and really our first Robin Williams too, which is crazy. We talked about like, we've only done one Jim Carrey movie Mm. and there'll be even more next year, but like, we've never done a Robin Williams movie. We've never done a Pierce Brosnan movie. I guess we technically did the review of Eurovision here as well. Didn't we? But, um, in terms of like like for a recap, no. Yeah. That's a strange one. When, I mean, when Robin Williams died, like that, that was, that was one of those deaths where you are taken aback. You know, mm. the guy wasn't exactly young, but he wasn't really old either. And it was just the manner in which he died as well. But like, that was a where were you moment. And yeah. I think I, as soon as he died, I, I downloaded, I think every single film of his, and I still haven't watched this day, but you know, there was a lot of films that he's famous. I've never seen Good Morning Vietnam. I've never seen Good Will Hunting. I've never seen the Robin Williams good films, apparently. Um, <laughs> but like, like random films of his. That, You've like, seen RV? <laughs> I haven't seen RV. That's got Jojo in it though. I used to love Jojo <laughs> as a kid. Um, Jack, you and I have talked about Jack, this, this oh, yeah. underrated gem of it. Like, yeah, you said we're going to do a lot of Jim Carrey films actually, but we could easily do a Robin Williams month because there are films of his. Oh, yeah. There was that weird one he did where he became the president, which like started off really good and then it went oh, really weird um, at the end. Like Lauren Linney yeah, in it, I think, it didn't it? Here. Uh, I'm trying to find it. The can. Uh, he was like a late night host that became man of the year. Man of the year. Yeah. Man that of the was, year. Yeah. It was odd, but it was decent. Um, trying to think uh uh there's a reference to it in this film uh dead poet society that was one that you watched mm-hmm. in high school which you used to love uh, i was gonna say finding forester that was sean connery <laughs> often the confused bird cage? the birdcage yes madonna madonna i just want to do that so i can quote that, that now that's when they would probably be canceled today i don't know if they'd let them do the birdcage now uh well at least not with the same cast yeah i think you would you would hire obviously probably actually out men 
Uh, I mean, Nathan yeah. Lane's There was out. one in there. Uh, yeah, exactly. I think they did. And then nine, month, nine months, too. He's I mean, a doctor, he a supporting he? role, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he had a, obviously a great streak. I mean, I know you hate Patch Adams, and it's a generally hated movie, but I used to watch Patch Adams all the time. Loved Patch Adams as a kid. Flubber? We didn't like Flubber. Um, oh, that was okay. Yeah. Jumanji. I mean, come on. How are we not touching on Jumanji? We, we've we've done Aladdin, oh, so yeah. we have done a Robin Williams film. Um, so you, we did the original Aladdin. Yeah, we did before the because uh, remember that was Disney Live Action Month. We did it before because we only had the three live action ones, and we didn't. No, I thought that was just the Lion King we did. No, we did. We did Aladdin. We we. It, no, I'm pretty sure we you, did. You're a liar. Did we? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to look it up, though. We've done too many. Uh, we've done too many. No, we didn't do it. Maybe I just watched it before it came out. <laughs> the Lion King, you're right. I don't know. That was like four years ago. A lot's happened in my life since then. Um, <laughs> download our hidden Aladdin. Maybe I did that with Rocky and I didn't tell you. <laughs> anyway, let's get into this film because I feel this is it could go wild just because we're going to be talking this up so much. But uh, another one of my lines I was nearly going to start off with was I was going to go, <laughs> this great opening sequence with him doing the voice of this pudgy, the parakeet or whatever it is. So this was after Aladdin. So this is what a year removed yeah. from Aladdin. And of course, we know that Robin Williams kind of started that trend of big name actors being in Disney movies. That wasn't really a thing until Robin Williams did Aladdin. So I, I don't know if this is in the book or if this is just like a... Hey, let's let's get him being a voice actor. Um, but I, look, I, I was reading a fair bit about all these improvisations that he does in this film, so I don't know if there's others that I haven't really touched on. But like some of the some of it just feels improvised. Like you just kind of assume that Robin Williams is going to improvise this. But I love this when he basically stops doing it when it's like the cigarette. And he's like, "Oh, big cancer! <coughs> oh no!" And they're all kind of like, "Oh, what are you doing, Dan? Like this isn't in the script." He's like, oh, this is disgusting. Like, you know, we should be sending a message to the children. He's like, don't you think? Like, what do the writers think? That'd be anti-smoking, wouldn't they? <laughs> Cut to the writers' room and these three guys are just smoking. And they're like, mm, well, the 90s when everybody's just that, sitting around smoking in a room. <laughs> that director also is like, we're not making an Oprah Winfrey special yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> but so basically he's standing up to his beliefs here, Dan. You know, we're liking him already. He's not wanting to sell the kids a message and... The director guy's like, look, if you if you don't voice this, you, you, you're fired. You know, stop being Gandhi here. And Robert Williams, well, then I've got to do what I've got to do. <laughs> Again, that's not being offensive. That's him. It's a quote from the movie. Um, and so then he leaves. And then we also get the first of... I feel this would have been more in the movie, this kind of like line of ugh, actors. So basically, because he's being difficult. So the director's like, ugh, actors. We're going to get it from Liddy here in a minute. Ugh, actors. And we also get the, oh, you know, if you leave, you're never coming back. You're not going to, well, then piss off, Lou. So basically, he's not being fired. I guess he's technically quit. So sure. So he's off to pick his kids up from school. Remember remember Boytown? Picking the kids up from school. Watching the old mom's drool. If Tim Allen was in this role, we know that would have been the case. No disrespect <laughs> to the looks of Robin Williams. He's an attractive man. Uh, does, what does Jamie think of Robin Williams? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think she thinks uh, she likes his comedy. I don't think she's looking at him in that way. Come though. on. You, you, I mean, the guy's that funny that he adds like an extra, like out of a 10, he maybe well, is a four, but like he's that funny. But, he's at least an eight. Yeah, I can't remember who it was. It wasn't Robin Williams. Um, but there was somebody recently we were watching where she was saying, you know, this guy, you look at him, it's like, 
never would go there, but he's funny enough that I totally do. <laughs> me. It was me. That was, that was you? <laughs> I thought it was Rocky. <laughs> well, I mean, we're talking funny here. Uh, <laughs> but so, uh, and again, if you're listening to us for the first time, welcome to the Oz Network. We generally don't refer to people by their actual character names. They're just the actor. So Robin Williams is picking up the kids from school. This is just a documentary. Uh, so we meet the three children here, played by the esteemed Matthew Lawrence, Lisa Jacob, and the one who actually went on to do things, Mara Wilson, who she, she like retired though, didn't she, when she got to a certain age? Yeah. So, whereas I think Lisa Jacob and Matthew Lawrence continue to do things. Like, doesn't Lisa Jacob still do stuff? Well, Matthew Lawrence, I saw him in something very recently. Um, not, no, maybe I didn't see him in, so maybe he's promoting Money playing, double threat, <laughs> my Santa. Uh, he was a contestant on the worst cooks in America recently. Uh, but, uh, I mean, he had done a lot during the, I actually think that he might've done the most during the nineties. Um, like as far as just volume, cause he had that show with his other brothers, brotherly love, but then he was on boy meets world. I don't know if you ever got that, but that was like a huge yeah. show here. And he was one of the main characters for a few seasons. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it is, we joked about it, but it's kind of a thing of the nineties where I feel there was only like a couple of actors that just did everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mara Wilson. Yeah. I mean, she was a huge name in the nineties. I think. Was yeah. this, this would have been before Matilda, wouldn't it? So uh, Miracle on 34th yeah, Street. Matilda was two years later. Well, this was the same. So Miracle on 34th Street would have come out probably almost the exact same time as this, like within a month or two. Yeah, and I think, she, hasn't she gone on to do like a lot of web stuff now? Like I think she's um, like done a fair bit. And she, like I was watching a Roundtable 25 reunion. I think they didn't like the Today Show or something. So it had Pierce Brosnan and the three kids basically. Um, can I just say, Pierce Brosnan, just in real life, what a man. Like, he's his suave, sophia. he played James Bond, but he's just like the, the the nice old uncle who's just sitting there in a chair going, I remember beating you three as we went into the restaurant. Oh, that was a lovely time. And Robin's character, oh, wasn't he a bit of a silly one? Like, he just, he's so opposite to what he was like in the 90s, but I love it. Like, he's just, yeah. he's so charming and debonair, even as an old grey Colonel Sanders he's- lookalike. He's got a new movie that just came out too. It's like um, the in-laws or the outlaws or something the like that. Outlaws, yeah. Yeah, I saw I saw a trailer. I get that confused because didn't wasn't there some other Netflix movie just released with like Seth Rogen and David Duchovny about the in-laws or something like that as well? So oh, I don't know that. I one. think this is like the the late nineties. There's two films about the same thing, but they've got like different <laughs> actors in it. I'm pretty sure there is. Um. So anyway, we're we're picking the kids up from school. Uh, we find out it's all like oh, like it's it's my birthday. So what's what's his name? Chris. Uh, Matthew Lawrence is definitely Matthew. Chris. Uh, so it's his birthday. So Rob Williams is like, hey, got to have a surprise plan for you. Chris is such a bee. Strippers? No. Two strippers? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely me. Uh, but no, it's like, oh, we're going to have a party. And it's all like, no, mum wouldn't allow this. You know, it's like, oh, mum's not going to be home for four hours now, is she? <laughs> So, obviously, we're starting to get a bit of a line that the mum's a bit of a hard ass. Now, again, this is where I feel like as much as I dislike her character for most of this movie, I feel like I'm going to be easily sold on the positives. I think you're going to do a good job here because, like, right away, it's like she's a hard ass. Like, kid can't even have a birthday party. Like, come on. Like, really? Like, what, his 12th birthday, 13th birthday? Let him have a party, all right? But also at the same time, can we fault the writers? Because this is something that you and I don't really talk about, but it is a thing. Like women were written a certain way for a lot of this time. And it's kind of like, oh, the hard ass mum who's the villain. Mm. Like at the end of the day, she's just. Dad's the fun one. Yeah. Like she's just being a mum. Like 
she's got a very hard job. <laughs> like it's yeah. a, again, ahead of its time. She's out getting a career while the man's off, you know, goofing around. So again, it's easy to paint that brush of she's a bitch while everyone else is fun. So maybe I'm already being sold on my own points here, but at the same time, screw her. Why can't he have a party? Um, which then we see their house for the first time. I've seen this house. I did a city tour of San Francisco and part of that was we're going to drive past the Mrs. Doubtfire house. So this is a real house in like downtown San Francisco. Um, but I've got a question. Like, sure, he's the fun-loving dad, but Colin, as a 12-year-old, do you want a petting zoo at your house? Like, I'm all for animals, but as a 12-year-old boy, do you really want like I- barnyard animals at your house? <laughs> I thought about that too when I was watching this, but then I'm thinking like, oh, I don't know what I would have wanted for my 12th birthday, but I'm like, 10 minutes ago, he was 11. And it's one of these things where it's like, it makes sense for an 11 year old, maybe not for a 12 year old. Yeah. Like you literally but see it, him. Matthew Lawrence isn't really playing with the animals either. He's inside dancing on a table. Well, well he is. At one point he's being like a teenage boy. He's squirting a sheep in the face with milk. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's what teenage boys would do. They're going to be like, oh, no, I'm going to do shit to you, you stupid sheep. <laughs> like That's like the one bit where I say, and even like his friends, like, like oh, squirt the sheep. So like, I get this scene. I get what it's trying to do. But even I'm going like, dad, like I'm 13. Like I don't want barnyard animals in my house. Like <laughs> even when I would go to the, like the local show and I'm like, oh, cool. It's a horse. Like <laughs> where's the clown too? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, um, again, I'm bringing up liar, liar here apparently, but that's the one where Jim Carrey's character misses the thing. And you've got that clown where he's like, what's his face? Little old, um, not Jake Lloyd, the other famous little boy from the 90s. <laughs> um, <laughs> not Jake Lloyd, not Haley Joel Osment, the other one. Yeah, the one who was in, um, oh, what was he in? Oh, he's like, it, he's, I always got them confused. That was the same. <laughs> you know the boy I'm talking about. He was in other movies. Um, so anyway, we've got these sheep and horses taking over downtown San Francisco. You've got the neighbor. Ah, what, what's her name? Mrs. Nosy brown face. Um, <laughs> this is brown face. What you ate my pergolas? That's what we're gonna get. <laughs> but she's all like, "Oh, shoo, shoo!" So she calls up uh, Sally Field because it's all like, "Hey, get here, hurry up! Your place has been taken over by animals." Did you ever watch the deleted scenes from this film? I remember once upon a time. So the, I don't the, remember them that one. The one I remember that there was a whole storyline involving the neighbor and Robin Williams, if you remember, because I remember on that on the DVD. So basically, because he wanted revenge against her for this, he would like walk past her house as Mrs. Doubtfire, and she was all like, "Oh, hello, old lady. You must be their new housekeeper." So anyway, Mrs. Doubtfire, like Robin Williams, basically like was talking to her about gardening, and because he hated her so much, he was all like. Oh, I've got some advice for you. If you want your flowers to grow, an old chip from England, I used to get my own urine and spray it on it, and that would make them grow. So by the end of the film, like basically her flowers are dead, her beloved like rose bush here, and then you see like Robin Williams after he's been caught as Mr. Doubtfire going like, because she's all like, oh, what sort of man would do that to her baby, you know, dress as a woman to see his baby? He's like, what sort of woman would piss on her flowers? So, like, it was this whole, like, deleted, you know, storyline, which is funny. If people uh, have got the DVD, go back and watch it. So, anyway, party's happening. Sally Field gets a phone call. Hi, I'm Sally Field. This is what I do. I'm a strong businesswoman. Um, love Sally Field. I'm Academy Award winner Sally Field. <laughs> <sighs> love this woman to death. Seriously. She she hasn't been in much recently. She, she's got to be getting on a little bit old Sally, wouldn't she? Oh. Is Jamie happy with Sally Field? <laughs> I heard her scream, Woo! Sally Field! Uh, he's taking the headphones off so you know something real is happening. Um, 
So she's all like, oh, yep, I'm Sally Field. <laughs> it's so distracting watching Colin have a conversation. I just might wait here. He's going to miss my jokes. He's back. Are we, are we good? <laughs> oh, good one, Ben. Oh, <laughs> killing it again. <laughs> Comedy goals from Ben Waterworth. Oh, glad I didn't miss that one. <laughs> Can I use that as a sound clip? Uh, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> For now, when I tell a joke, I'm just going to press, ah, comedy goal from Ben <laughs> Oh, okay. Um, I actually, uh, I, I need to work on my comedy now that I've got pressure of uh, that sound clip. Um, so I don't, the one thing I don't get here when, when old neighbor nose, no, nose face here is rung up. <laughs> Brow face. <laughs> Why not? It's the nineties. <laughs> um, <laughs> why she's rung up here, Miranda, and she's like in the room going like, I want the cushions. I want the, the, the drapes. I want this. I want that. And then, so then you've got old, um, secretary guy here, boss guy here. He's off things that the, her oh. associate. Her, yeah. Her boss. Um, I know this guy was on Roseanne. Like I wasn't a huge Roseanne fan, sure. but like, he was on that show a lot. Uh, Clue, he was he played Colonel Mustard in the movie Clue, which Rocky did. and I covered a few Jingle All the Way, he played DJ. He was he was the DJ. Oh, the yeah, yeah. yeah. All the way. <laughs> that's a bomb. What's that? A sick people in this country. Sick. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's who he is. Um, but I love how like he's all like, hey, so uh Stu wants to get in contact. Stu, ah uh, and then like so the neighbor's been on the phone for how long before the secretary passes on the message? Because yeah. she's been there for five minutes. Now, this is a bit of a problem. Like, I know your marriage is in a bit of trouble and you're maybe not in love with Robin Williams anymore, but stop getting moist in the nether regions over Pierce Brosnan because you're still married, woman. Um, which, I mean, let's be honest, we'd all get moist in the nether regions if Stu showed up. <laughs> it's a pretty shitty name, though, isn't it? Stu. Like, you meet someone called Stu, they're going to be a douche. It's what well, it was. It's more of a thick soup. Is yeah. that what the line was later? <laughs> more of a thick soup. Um, <laughs> she gets a phone call. She comes home. Uh, they're jumping around a house of pain. You know, it's 1993 when you got house of pain. Jump around. Jump happening. around. <laughs> Jump around. Great song though. Uh, were you were you yeah. one of these early 90s kids who were into early 90s hip hop? Uh, I mean, hip hop, especially here in Canada, it didn't really get a lot of airplay. So, I mean, the only things you really knew was like jump around or, or crisscross. Remember crisscross, jump, jump? Oh, yeah. The kids wore jump, the clothes jump. backwards. Jump. Or Mark, yeah. what about Marky I, Mark? I, well, that one too. It's funny because I was actually just recently reading up on like uh, how much of a struggle hip hop was in Canada, even opposed to America, and how long it took to come around. And it's like basically you had. MC Hammer and House of Pain and Criss Cross Vanilla and maybe Ice. Marky Mark, Vanilla Ice, and that was it. Oh, look at all the all the classics of the early nineties. I always just get that confused with Mighty Ducks when they're doing their good vibrations when they're in that oh, hockey yeah. store and they're getting all the the equipment. So, um, so basically, Robin Williams has trashed this house. So, okay, like if I'm Sally Field, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. I like to keep things neat. So if I've come home and like. Are you going to clean this in four hours, Robin Williams? Like, you got horses and what does Sally feel like? You ate my pagolas! Uh, <laughs> the cop, I love this cop. Like, why have they got, like, a stereotypical New York cop in downtown San Francisco? You understand, ma'am, that the having a barnyard animal is illegal in the state of California? I can't do a New York accent, but, like, he's got a New York accent. <laughs> They've literally just cut. Christopher Columbus has gone, we need stereotypical old white cop. And they've just gone to like a Joe Pesci style. <laughs> like, did, 
Did he make it on third watch a few years later? Probably. Uh, I think I think this was uh, Sully. Uh, a few. He was one of the main characters. Um, so we we get sort of the, the the main fight between these two, which basically is Sally feels unhappy with Robin Williams. I want a divorce, and then we get the kids' looks on their faces, and they're all sad. Which again, props to the children here that they're they're good actors. They can do sad pretty well. Um, meanwhile, uh, we cut to Robin Williams, and this is kind of that one point where you said like he's sort of the only time where maybe you think there's a bit of a hope of the marriage because he's kind of like oh. We're not divorced. We're on hiatus. And we meet Harvey Fire. Is it Firestein? Is that how you say his name? Firestein. Firestein, who, like, between him on this and Independence Day, like, it's the same character, right? Like, yeah. I mean, he's been in lots of things. But, like, on Independence Day, isn't he on the phone to his mum or his therapist or something when he gets crushed? Ah, oh, crap, when he gets crushed yeah. by the car. I, I need love to call him. my lawyer. Oh, forget the lawyer. Yeah, yeah. I need to call my doctor. I need to call my lawyer. I need to call my lawyer. Oh, forget the lawyer. Uh, I mean, this guy's hanging out with Robin Williams. He's hanging out with Jeff Goldblum. I mean, what's not to love about him? I mean, anything positive to say, anything negative to say about Harvey Fierce? Because this guy's great, right? I, I don't know. Is he a stand-up comedian? No. So I guess he's he's primarily a writer and actor. But I mean, he's he's always doing comedies. Like you'll see him pop up in a ton of things, and he's always playing the exact same character. I remember him playing a character on Cheers. I think prior to this, I just recognized because he was on Cheers. There was like um, Christy Alley's character was basically in love with him and just had no clue this guy was gay. It was like, okay, how do you not realize this guy's gay? But uh, I guess the main thing he was known for was um, not the original movie, but uh, the musical Hairspray. So that would have been after this, but he originated that role that John Travolta plays in the movie. He was the Broadway uh, guy who actually did that. I can't imagine hearing this guy singing. <laughs> I don't know how that would go. But yeah, he's got one role and he does it well. I mean, he was also Easter Bunny in Elmo Saves Christmas. Uh, but also, <laughs> don't show, not, not sure how much this one holds up. He voiced Yao in Mulan. So, um, oh. <laughs> don't know about uh, <laughs> I'm kind of he's, he's a minority. He can get away with it. <laughs> well, I don't know if like, you know, just because you're a minority based on uh, sexuality, that translates to race. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's a little more forgivable than if you know white Robin Williams were doing it. <laughs> As a fat man minority, does that mean that I can put on brown face? I don't think so. <laughs> Probably Give it not. A try. Let's we'll see what happens. I think I've told the story about I nearly did on my twenty first birthday when I dressed as Michael Jackson. Ooh. I like legitimately like because I had an eightieth birthday, an birthday, an eighties. <laughs> my twenty first birthday was an eighties theme. <laughs> and I went as Michael Jackson and I literally bought like brown makeup and I started putting it on my face and I'm like, yeah, no, this doesn't look good. So I washed it off and I like never saw the light of day. So I thought I was smart. Otherwise I would have been Justin Trudeau on my 21st birthday. I know. Look, we, we've held the same prime minister for several years <laughs> after multiple brown face incidents. So Which, you, you could be, you could have been prime minister if you went brown face. Can you I have worked in the office? Can I just say, I love you, Justin, but seriously, mate, shut up about Taylor Swift. Don't you like create an international incident because Taylor Swift's <laughs> not coming to fucking Canada. Like get over it. Jesus. <laughs> like, Oh no, Taylor Swift won't come to Canada. I can't just drive an hour over the border to the next biggest U S city to see her. What a travesty. Like, I'm thinking of people in like Fiji or I don't give a shit about Taylor Swift, but I'm sure someone in New Zealand's a little bit, you know, shitty that they can't drive an hour over the border. Get over it. Um, He's looking out for all those people in Saskatchewan who have no hope. <laughs> all, the, all the people in like Labrador who were dreaming of a Taylor <laughs> Swift concert in their 4,000 seat local theater. Um, <laughs> I think I believe you have a place called Labrador. Uh, is, it a, is it legal that you have to own a Labrador in Labrador? Um. 
I, I've never been there, but I'm going to say yes. That is law. And <laughs> uh, if you don't own a Labrador, then they make you wear brown face. Good. That's where that's, Justin Trudeau that's comes Trudeau's from. law. Exactly. Um, so Harvey Feinstein is, uh, is Ron Williams' brother. We also meet Jack. I like, uh, I don't know who this guy is, Scott Capuro. Uncle but Jack. The, these guys like have, like, I love these two. I want a spinoff of these yeah. two. Like, they're just hilarious. Oh, yeah. And the one thing I'll say, again, this is the 90s. We're generally like, oh, they're gay. Like, let's like, oh, make a note of them being gay. They just pass off as a normal couple here. There's not even mentioned. It's just kind of like they're too, I mean, okay, they're very over-the-top flamboyantly gay. Um, but it's just kind of like, so what? His brothers, what do they say like, later on? Like, Art Jack, uh, which, uh, I don't know, was that a dig? But uh, Well, I, I guess that would be one of the only, but it, it's fun. Uh, you know, but, but sorry, I just, I have to interrupt for a second because, this guy here uh, has done one other film, and he was the voice. You remember the the pod race announcers, the mm-hmm. two-headed announcers? One was Greg Proops, who does the English language. This guy, Aunt Jack here, is the voice of the alien oh. uh, one. The, the, the other thing that uh, I, I couldn't help but notice about this guy is that uh, he, in 2002, he presented a lighthearted documentary on UK's Channel 4 called the truth about gay animals, which examined the subject of homosexuality. In well, that that was it. Wasn't that a big deal? Because that was a. I remember there was a period there where like the documentary. This, yeah, like this was a thing where like <laughs> they discovered homosexuality in animals. I know Ricky Gervais does a whole stand-up thing about it. Um, but I think I feel that was a big deal. I remember hearing the about the truth that. about gay animals. We got to cover this. I, I love the fact this. that he was in Star Wars though. Like he should do conventions. Yeah. I was the other head, and I was also Uncle J- Aunt Jack in Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, and we also, like, we, we meet... These guys are important because they're, like, makeup artists, right? I love the whole situation yeah. with, like, the mum on the phone. Like, he can come stay with me. God, no. He says he'll think about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, this is when he says, like, I'm not getting a divorce. This is a, this is a hiatus. I know, Miranda. This will blow over. Next minute, we're in the court. Now, this is where I've got um, a few issues, like, with this dick Timeline. Court. Not the time. Well, I oh, okay. didn't really think about that, but um, yeah, okay, probably a thing. Like, it's not going to be that quickly in court, I guess, with this. But this this judge is a dick, okay? And like, this goes. Is to- he? Yes, he is a dick. He's also a bigot later on in this film. <laughs> um, but like, so basically, they're all like, he's like, hey, so divorce, hey? Uh, well, we usually favor the women, but it's the '90s, so let's literally think about the men for five minutes, so you can see your children once a week. And I'm appointing a person to come make sure that you're living properly. Now, why? Why? Like, what is so bad about Robin Williams's character that he has to be put on these conditions? This is what I don't get. Like, so, like, okay, uh, he doesn't have a job. Okay, he doesn't have a house. But the job... That, those are the important but, things you need for visitation. No, but like, I'll say the job, his fault. We've seen he's a little bit difficult. The house is not his fault. He just got broken up with. He just got kicked out of his house. And now it's on him that he should find a house in five minutes. Like if but he's staying he, with, he won't un- be able to. He won't be able to find the house without a job, which I think is where but the dilemma comes from. If he's from. staying with his brother and his brother's partner, who are obviously very successful in Hollywood, if they've got a spare room, what's the harm in that? Like he can he can easily look after mm. his kids and have them hang out. Like if they're rich, they're living down in San Francisco, one of the most expensive cities in the U.S. So I remember that coming into this, I, I remembered that scene like, oh, how come he's not allowed to have visitation if he's with his brother? But then in the scene with the brother, he actually says, like Harvey Firestein actually says, uh, you know, you can stay with us as long as you want. He says, 
don't worry, it won't be necessary. I'll be out of here, you know, tomorrow. Yeah, I can't. So it. It's kind of, I, I think going into this court thing, he's already had to file, where are you living? And he's like, I'm staying at the Motel 6. But I just, uh, if he had said, I'm staying with my brother, who's a very successful Hollywood makeup artist, it might've been a different story. I, like I get that, but, and I understand that he says that line, but I just, I don't know, like maybe this was just the courts in America in the nineties. I just feel it's very harsh that like, in order to see your children who you've never abused, who you are a loving father, you've never hit your wife, you're not doing drugs, like you are an upstanding citizen, you just are a bit goofy. Goofy again. There's a ding <laughs> ticket off the list. Ooh, um, I'm goofy. Like, you are, like, the only thing wrong with you is that you don't have a job and that you're a bit, like, silly and you don't talk about serious things, right? Like, that's legitimately the only issue in this marriage. He's a bit slack. Like, but he's, a, he's an upstanding individual. We see him. He's a lovable guy. So why is he being forced that his entire life is being judged? Like, you've got to have somebody look at your house. Like, fucking Sally Field doesn't. Like, she's, mm-hmm. you know, like, that's that's my problem. That's where I'm thinking, like, this is a bit of a, like, and maybe this just was how it was in divorce in the 90s that the man always got the bad rap. I don't know. But, like, that's that's yeah. my criticism here. I feel like Robin Williams gets a pretty raw deal in this film about the, the conditions that are put upon him for somebody who's not an asshole to his wife. I think the fact that he doesn't have anywhere to live, like uh, this is one of the things I think Robin Williams brought on himself because may- maybe that scene with his brother is more important than we realize, which is you can stay with as long as you want. He, no, I'll do this myself. Like he's not quite thinking in terms of responsibility. You know, he's not thinking I need a place to live. I need a job. And they have obviously had court records of his work history. And this is a common thing where he's like, okay, you have a job for a week and a half and then you lose another one. So obviously, if, if if he's gone into the thing that we're not seeing is maybe what happens in between here, mm. where he's probably petitioning saying, I want shared, I want at least 50% custody. And he's like, well, realistically, you got no for them to sleep. You got no for yourself to sleep. How are you going to afford to feed them? Um, I, I think that the court liaison is where it goes too far. Because even when he says, oh, you can't do this to me, judge. He's like, oh, it's only for 90 days. Even Rob is like, oh, good. Because, but you'll have a court liaison. The court liaison is like, okay, but why? Like, he, this yeah. is where... You, he needs to say he's he's beaten his wife or beaten his kids or beaten off in front of his kids or something like that. Or a court liaison needs to be there. Columbus. Um, but the, the, I mean, <laughs> and there's two things like two things I'll touch on. One, which I think paints Sally Field's character as a as a bitch, but the other, which I think they do very well with the writing and the casting of this film. I think the fact that like th- there's no reason why Miranda should be advocating this because as we learn he's kind of been looking after the kids in the afternoon. Like, without him, yeah. that's why she has to hire Mrs. Doubtfire. So he's not a horrible father. He's he's a big goot. Like, the kids fucking love him because he's basically a child. So, mm-hmm. like, I don't get why she's, like, not here going, like, well, no, that's a bit too far. Like, like you know, let him, like, you may hate him, but you've at the end of the day, you've just fallen out of love with him. This is the thing. So you yeah. are being a bit of a cow by preventing him from seeing the children. So that makes her bad. But the one thing that I think they write and cast of this movie well, and I, I'm assuming this is a bit of a deliberate thing, but Sally Field and Robin Williams don't really have chemistry in the fact that you can see them as a couple. You can see that they've drifted apart to a point where you can understand, like, I don't know about you, but I don't picture these two being married. And I think mm-hmm. that's the point. Like, yeah. I've known people in the past where I've only known them, like, you know, relationships where, say, like, their parents are divorced. I've only known them as divorce. So I've never known them when they were together. And I literally pictured them going like, how the hell were you two together? Like, I just, I, I couldn't see it. But like, they were together for a very long time, produced children. So obviously there was happiness there for at least five minutes. So I think, I don't know about you, but like, I just think that's very, I think that's mm-hmm. deliberate because you never see Sally yeah. Field and Rob Williams as a couple. 
Yeah, like even uh, even the nice scene they have at the later in the movie, you're not being drawn back to, oh, you know, once upon a time we're happy. Every time they're even mentioning their history of being happy, mm. it's always with like a little bit, of, yeah, that was a different time. Like it, 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 it there's almost, uh, with Sa- the way Sally Field describes it, it's like, oh, he was uh, fun and energetic and so much more unpredictable than other people. And she's like, and then it just got old really quick. <laughs> but he's okay in the bedroom. That part was never a problem. Yeah, so. He was he was always okay. <laughs> there's so many things I think I picked up on this rewatch that I've never like. There's there's a lot of sex stuff in this film that I don't think I've ever really picked up on. Colin's like, oh, is there? I don't know. I didn't know <laughs> sex stuff. Um, so yes, he's got 90 days to get a job, get his life that together. We meet our court liaison for the first time. Maybe I keep talking about liar liar so much because we've got the great late Anne Haney here who, of course, was in, I think I know her best from Liar Liar. He's like, she's like Jim Carrey's like, secretary or legal aide, um, which she's, I think she's been gone for a long time, but she's been in lots of things, right? She's great. She was uh, in uh, the three things that Wikipedia says she's most well known for, Mrs. Delphire, Liar Liar, and uh, favorite television show of Johnny Weir, we found out, Mama's Family from the oh, 80s. There you go. All right. She was also in ER for an episode, The American President. Um, yeah, she's great. Uh, although I swear she's exactly the same character in this in Lyle. She's funnier in Lyle, Lyle, though. Again, Jim Carrey, Robin Williams, what's not to like about her? Uh, so she's a court liaison and she's basically going like, I'll come see you on Mondays and Fridays. You need to find a job. You need to find a place. And I just, I've got to imagine all of this was just ad-libbed by Robin Williams and you never see oh, like yeah. her reactions until like at the end. So she's obviously laughing her ass off. So it's like, oh yeah, so here's your local job agency. Uh, got to ask you, do you have any skills? I do voices. What do you mean you do voices? We go through all of these. Does a James Bond impersonation, which yeah. is fantastic. I have to tell you right now, Money Penny, I'm going to come across that desk <laughs> and rip your bow off and have my way with you. Um, and like all the references he does there, but my favorite still to this day. I do a great, I do a great impersonation of a hot dog. <laughs> you can't, nobody at home can see us do it. But is it just me or does he actually look like a hot dog? Yes. <laughs> Like, surely that's just Chris McColumbus going, Robin, go to town. Like, you do exactly yeah. what you need to do here. I mean, I, I kind of like the foreshadowing because, again, as you said, Pierce Brosnan wasn't James Bond at this point. So there's a, a clear James Bond reference in this movie two years out from Pierce Brosnan being James Bond. Um, we get a scene here when he leaves the the house with the kids. He's got, he has got doesn't have a lot of stuff in the back of his old uh, dad wagon mm-hmm. there. I love the, the mother-in-law there. Uh, thanks for the time, Warden. Uh, it's like, oh, she smells. She smells funny. Like that's formaldehyde. It keeps her preserved. <laughs> this is this is one of those like it's a sweet scene. I'm not taking away from this scene because again, he's a great dad. He's going to miss the children. The children love him. Um, this is one of those Maddie Wilson scenes where I'm just like, uh, not Maddie Wilson. She's a singer, Mara Wilson. Uh, where her speech annoys me. The but dad, we're in the middle of Charlotte's web. Who's going to finish it? Like, it's just, it's just the way she delivers her lines, which just cringes me. And like that's... Is it the lisp that bothers you? I think you? it is. Like Everything else she does is great, but there's like about four lines in this film, the way she delivers it, which is like, oh, like little child. Like, she's not this bad in Matilda. She's great in Matilda, but like, I don't know. Do you like Matilda? I, I saw, like, I didn't see it. That's a Jamie uh, movie, until, I can imagine. Well, it, I think it was Jamie who showed it to me years ago. And yeah, it, it was one of these things where people talk about it and you're like, oh, I bet you it's just nostalgia. And then you watch it like, well, this is like a really well-made movie and very clever. Yeah, I, I just, I could imagine that seemed like a Jamie film. They, didn't they remake it in the last year as a musical or something like that as well? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a sad little scene, but uh, we also get Robin Williams getting his job. So he meets, I love this uh, assistant guy. 
It's like, hey, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, the the actor. Follow me. All right. These are films. Oh, am I gonna voice these films? Uh, you know, before they go to air? No. So you see these? They need to be shipped every day. So you you get them, you pack them, you ship them, you stamp them, you send them on the way. Pack them, you ship them. And then I have any questions? Yeah. So after you pack them, what do you do? It's like you ship them. You wise ass. And he just like walks on. Rob Williams. I think I made a friend. Uh, <laughs> which is so funny and maybe i'll just cap it here uh I'll, I'll, I'll go to the end of the, the phone calls i feel we're going long here like we can cover a lot here so uh after that we're gonna meet our man here he is sexy piss oh. Stu brosnan so i should mention the reason why he was brought up before uh the character of Stu is like buying some elaborate place to turn into a 400 a night b&b and he wants to talk to miranda because miranda's a, an interior designer so here we've got the the meeting. Here he comes, old Devonair, Pierce Brosnan, looking sexy as fuck. Pre-James Bond days, you just want to rip his shirt off and lick ice off him. Um, and Sally Field's all like, oh, oh, it's Stu. And so they're sitting in a room and we find out that obviously they used to like do each other back in college or something like that because there's obviously yeah. a history here. He wants her to design this new project and he's not interested in getting any anything to do with the design here because she's all like going like, oh, drapes and we can do this and we can do that. He's all like, hey, so uh, you're looking pretty good there. <laughs> like, yes, well, then we can definitely put an upholstered couch here in the corner. Hey, so like you want to go get dinner? Oh, and absolutely we could put a lampshade here. Hey, so like let's have sex. And she's all just like, oh, I'm going now, to... Now, take me! <laughs> I'm going through a divorce. This is really hard for me. So props to you, Sally Field. You're doing the right thing, even though you're getting a little bit moist in the nether regions. Does this not remind you of Dante's Peak? Because there's that scene when <laughs> Colin Strayway's like, oh, <laughs> the volcano. Of all movies? <laughs> so, you know, when like he's flirting with Linda Hamilton all the time and they're like back and forth. And the scene when they finally hook up, like the scene with the sulfur in the tap, when she's all like going like, oh, I can make some coffee. And, and he's like, no, I think we coffee, should. Coffee, coffee, coffee. <laughs> I think we should fuck. And she's all like, I definitely want some coffee. And then Pierce Brosnan <laughs> just basically takes her and is like, I don't know how to tell you this, but I never even cared for your coffee. And then takes her and like they start like doing each other on the kitchen counter. I have really weird memories of so, weird scenes from Dante's Peak, all right? <laughs> I remember that scene, but the, you're basically imagining the flip side of the Sally Field scene with Linda Hamilton. I, I for some reason, just like, it, you know, it's, um, what's it called? Like the. This the, is the only way the man flirts. This is real. <laughs> this is how he met Keely. <laughs> it's, it's, man, it's the Mandela syndrome or whatever it's called, right? Like, I, for some yeah, reason. Mandela effect. A Mandela effect. Thank you. I, I pictured there's like a moment in this movie where Pierce Brosnan is like, I've never cared for your drapes and like takes her on the. <laughs> You only see them kiss, like, briefly leaving a car. Like, you never actually see yeah. these two, like, together, together. Um, so we established Pierce Brosnan, which I know we're meant to hate Pierce Brosnan, but, like, there's only really one scene in this film where he kind of is a bit of a dick moment. And even then, is it really a dick moment? He's justified. He's justified because if you were in a relationship with someone and you're hearing about someone's ex, like, you're getting a one... like. If I dated somebody tomorrow and I started talking about Mallory, they're not going to be like, oh, gosh, she seems like a great girl. I want to get yeah. to know her. <laughs> they're going to like me saying negative things about her, right? <laughs> so, like, of course, I'm. Well, they're going to have a formed opinion of her, right? So, like, he's one line later on when he's like, he sounds like a jerk or, a, you know, a whatever. Like, he's kind of justified. So, Pierce Brosnan, not a bad man, right? Yeah, great man. He's horny for Just Sally a man. Field. And if anything, he's clearly calmed down his ways. He sounds like a bit of a Lothario. We get that guy at the bar going like, hey, you're a Pierce Brosnan. You're fucking around. You don't want children. It's like, well, I'm different. I love these children. I want to settle down. I'm nearly 40. I'm Pierce Brosnan. So if anything, 
He's a nice guy. He's the James Marsden of this film. He's just trying to get yes. on with his life. Well, actually, no, he's not really the James Marsden because he ends up with a girl. So, uh, <laughs> But does he? We don't know. Surely he does. It's never. We never see him after he he cacks up uh, shrimp onto Sally Field. He becomes Daniel Craig in Tomb Raider. He just disappears. He's Vince Vaughn <laughs> yeah. in Lost World. He just disappears. Bring back Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> the sequel. <laughs> Whatever happened to him? They were meant to do a sequel. I did read there was like a script. I think yeah. a plan for them to do it. But anyway, a couple of them. Um, which again, this is a movie you do not need a sequel to. I'm glad we have never <laughs> seen a sequel to Mrs. Doubtfire. I'm not putting that out into the universe right now. Please do not make a sequel to this. Uh, so he's all like, yep, cool. I want to do you and I want to do your house. Um, Robin Williams, meanwhile, is, uh, we, we found out he's got a house cause he's gotten this job and this is like, does anyone ever complain about this film? Kind of like they do with friends. Like friends is always like, oh, how do they afford that house in downtown Manhattan and all this sort of stuff. And I've been to where they filmed friends and that is a very expensive district of Manhattan. So I'm questioning that now. Um, but San Francisco, I think, is actually more expensive of a city to live in than New York. Now, I don't know what it was like in 1993, but Robin Williams has his shitty little apartment above, like, a restaurant in downtown San Francisco. This is still costing him an arm and a leg. I'm sorry, but, like, he is not being able to afford this. But it was the 90s, all right? Everybody just did things that... So he's got this dinner. They've gotten Chinese. Um, they're having a little conversation. He wants uh, Sally Field to get anemic dysentery or something like that. Why would you want mummy to die? Oh, ugh. like just makes me cringe. <laughs> like just the way she delivers the line. I love how they deliver really that. Why would you want her to die? <laughs> um, I could I could give us some examples of why there. Um, but gotta say again, bitch Sally Field character here. She's dropped the kids off an hour late. Shows up mm-hmm. an hour early. Again, that's not redeemable. Like, screw you, Sally Field's character. Not Sally Field. I love you, Sally yeah. Field. Like, that's horrible. Um, but so she rocks up, just walks in. And I love kind of like how she's like, wow, Daniel, this is this is nice. <laughs> Ron Williams. Well, oh, I was just going for the refugee motif, you know, fleeing my homeland. <laughs> oh, I love it. They get into a bit of a fight. Like, hey, you were an hour early. You were an hour late. And it's like, oh, well, you know, shut up, Ron Williams. I've got to go to the newspaper. At like eight o'clock at night to, to deliver a classified hat. <laughs> What's going on there, Sally Field? Um, this is where we find out that she's placing an ad for a housekeeper, and the kids are all like, "Oh, well, let Dad do it." She's like, yeah, I'll come over. And he, she gives the famous mum line that we all know means no. We'll see. Like, oh, mum, I want. Wait, 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 wait. So no means no. Translate. We'll see. Yeah, you don't use that with your children. Don't, don't listen too closely to this. Any sexual predators out there? No means no. She really means we'll see. <laughs> can I have a lollipop? We'll see. Uh, <laughs> no means no. Wait. Can I? Can I? Can I go home now, Ben? We'll see. <laughs> can I loosen the ropes now? Um, so, meanwhile, Robin Williams sneakily changes the numbers on the classified ads because kids, if you're watching this. Back in the 90s, you didn't have a computer. You had to fill in a form in a newspaper. Do you remember that? We used to have like a, I think it was a Monday. I never had to do it myself. In, on a, in a Monday paper, you had like the $50 flea market or less, right? So like if I was selling something as a kid, hey, I want to sell my Mrs. Doubtfire DVD for $10. <laughs> you'd put it in the flea market and somebody would ring you. Here, have, have a DVD. Um, and this is where he's trying to, I guess, like, 
it's never really implied that is he just doing this to dick around or his is his intention to actually go into this and pretend to be I, a woman? Like, what do you think? I think he has the plan because he finishes one call and he's in the same position and she's in the same position. He says, now to move in for the kill. Yeah, okay. So I think this was his plan for the beginning. But this, this is a famously ad-lib scene and you can see there's a whole bunch of outtakes here on, on YouTube as well as I think it was on the DVD. Basically, Robin Williams is given free reign here. You do what you want to do here with the voices, which I've got to wonder, like, how, like, I know a lot of the times when it comes to, say, like, you've got two actors, like, Sally's in the car, Robin's, like, on set. Obviously, you'll have, like, an assistant director or the director reading the lines back to the actor so they yeah. can react to it. But, like, like it's not like Sally Field reacts completely, but there are definitely ad-lib ones here, which I'm assuming they just filmed, and then they've gone, okay, Sally... He's pretending to be in a band, um, like, or even just say, "Give us as many mortified looks as, as you can." Yeah, like it's it'd be so interesting to see how they do this. Um, but like, just some of the ones he does here, I was in a band. Uh, <laughs> what's the thing when he says like, "Oh, I can't even says like what the name of the band is," and she's like, "You're in a band," like judging this poor young kid because they were in a band. But it's like, "Oh yes, well, tell me about your children." It's like, "Oh well, I have like two girls and a boy." Oh, I don't do the males because I used to be one. <laughs> Which again, one of the ones that maybe doesn't hold up. There's a bit of the old judgmental in this film about like men being a different gender because straight away she's like, Ugh! <laughs> like throws down the phone. Um, I love that one of like, I do job. I am. I am job. I am job. It's like, Erga! Get out of your cage! I'm gonna go get the hose! <laughs> Some of these are so funny. But then, yes, he goes like, oh, I'm gonna go in for the kill. Puts on the Mrs. Doubtfire voice. It's like, hello! Lovely, all the wee little cherub. Which, gotta say, this is meant to be English, but I swear this is a Scottish accent. There's so many times in this where he sounds Scottish. Do you pick up on that? That's Well, that's why Pierce says accent's a little muddled. Yeah. Oh, well, he knew. <laughs> Good job. Oh, I've forgotten you, eh? <laughs> Well, he puts on a very English accent, the old Irish Pierce. Which I love it. Also, love in Pierce's old age, how he's just letting the Irish accent go. He sounded very yeah. Irish now, which is great. Um, so he he's put in the cell here. Uh, I'll come over on Monday for an interview. And essentially, so, oh, what's your name? Well, I thought I gave it to you, dear. So, no, no, you didn't. And he looks at the newspaper. Doubtfire. Mrs. <laughs> Doubtfire. Because it says, like, police. Doubtfire wasn't arson. Yeah. Um, Actually, maybe I'll just go here to the the transformation scene. So he goes to his uh goes to his brother. I need you to make me a woman. <laughs> oh, honey, I'm so happy. And we just get this whole great sequence of them basically trying on different face masks. We've got like the creepy lady. We've got him uh, being like the old Jewish lady being Barbara Streisand. <laughs> um, and then like, what's the bit when his brother's all going like, oh. I need you to make me older. Like, oh, Joan Crawford older or whatever older. Was it uh, Shelley Winters or Shirley MacLaine older? It's What's like, the difference? Some scotch tape and red hair dye. <laughs> is that when he says like, oh, make me Jones? Oh, I don't have the patience or something. I don't have the, I don't have the energy for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we, the soundtrack of this is very stereotypical. Let's find all the songs talking about women. So we got this yeah. luck be a lady tonight. Uh, we see him from behind and basically, we're going to see him in a moment for the first time as Mrs. Doubtfire. So a lot to unpack there. But uh, if I've missed over anything, uh, tell me. But that's basically a quarter of the movie done. Uh, yeah, I'm, first of all, on, on his getting fired on the cartoon, like this is where you do see that there's a change in him. That there, 
I, I feel like some of this movie is about him getting shafted and the other is like, well, he did need to grow up in a way because he didn't just simply say, listen, I'm not going to read this script. He decided I'm going to go in there. I'm going to completely mess around. And even with the guy, I love when the guy's like, you know, the the mouth isn't even matching up with what you're saying. He goes, well, it's an eternal monologue. Or better yet, it's the voice of God. Like, he just went in there Don't to mess smoke, with these guys. Don't smoke, Pudgy. Don't <laughs> smoke. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> but, like, th- this shows that, like, okay, there is some irresponsibility. Because he could have just simply said, I don't agree with this script. I'm walking out. And instead, he just decides to mess with them. And they even say, this recording session alone is costing us thousands of yeah. dollars. So, not the most responsible person in the world. Uh, I, I do love this cop, though, uh, not just the New, the New York accent, but he's in there talking to Miranda about, did you know it's illegal to possess animals in a residential area? Shouldn't she be like, go talk to the guy who rented them out to us and brought them here because th- there's like a van with decals that even says whatever petting zoo. He's the guy you should be talking to. This is the guy who should know about the regulations, everything. But I love her response. Like it's illegal to possess animals in a residential area. And she just very subtly says, what if you're married to one? Well, why? why? <laughs> I always forget that line. I, I love that line too. But the, 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 <laughs> she has an even funnier line later on. Shouldn't you, shouldn't leave the kids out of the room if you verbally, uh, before you verbally bash the father? If I did that, I'd never see them again. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> Why is that cop waiting outside? He's a shit cop. Knock yeah. on the, like, I guess he could be like, well, I've been knocking on the door for 10 minutes and no one's answering. Bust in. You're a cop. <laughs> the door's open. Kids are coming in and out. It's not hard. Lazy. But, but this is where it's like you get that. you. I, maybe it's there because so you kind of understand Sally Field's point of view where it's like it all falls on her because that's really what this is about. Like when she comes in and busts up the party. Uh, I also love the, the pony that's eating the birthday cake <laughs> <laughs> that she brought. But uh when when she's you know having the argument with him, she's basically saying, "This is what always happens. You get to be the fun parent, and then I have to come in and clean up the mess." She's literally having to come in and clean up the mess, and even the cop, she's the one who's having to deal with him and everything. Uh, you get this isn't the first time this has happened, and it, it would be one thing if you just made this scene. She's acting emotionally; she can't deal with this. I want a divorce because it still kind of comes across that way. It's like it's over. I want a divorce. He goes, "What? Because of this?" She's, no, it's not just this. And then she when she transitions into. It's been going on a long time. And he brings up something interesting that I don't think most people notice in this movie that there's a character arc for Sally Field as well. It's not just I misjudge my husband because she really didn't misjudge her husband. She judged him pretty accurately for the most part. But when he says, let's plan a vacation and go away as a family, you need to get away from this job. You're a different person with a job. And she just says, no, it's over. Later in the movie, she even says, I'm finding myself coming home earlier just to be with the kids. Now, I don't see any world where an interior decorator is working till seven o'clock at night. This is a woman who basically has tried to escape her husband and, and just the antics of, of having to be the, maybe just be, be the bad guy with the family for so long. that like, she's starting work, what, 9 a.m.? She's not working 10 hour days at this job. So there's something that I don't feel like gets noticed where she has kind of used this job to escape Robin Williams. Yeah, like you're not wrong. You're right, but I, I don't know how to phrase this without making it too personal, but you can talk to the other significant other to say that there might be an issue rather than just ignoring it. No, yeah, <laughs> complete, completely get the point of view of some people, but we also do hear her say, like, this this happens all the time, so you know this isn't the first yeah, but, time but, they've had this conversation. Look, it's, it's a, I, a complex, like, I get it. It's complex on that level where one person can easily say, well, tell me, rather than let it fester to a point where you explode and want a divorce, we could have been talking yeah. about this for a amount of time. But on the flip side, I also can see it from her perspective how it's also a case of, yeah, this is so hard, like, like, 
there's two sides and, to this. I've been on both, so yeah, I get it. And, well, and see, this is this is what's this is what's so great about this too, because he's not wrong when he says your job is what changed yeah, you. Exactly. But she also was sort of put in that position by him because he can't hold down a job, so she has to you know work at this job, and she's had to give up being the fun mom or whatever for this. This is something that Jamie and I both kind of have to go back and forth on this. Like we we have to very strategically pick. Who's going to be the good cop? Who's going to be the bad cop with the kids? Sure, because there the are definitely cop. times. Well, well, it's funny we we're uh, we we're watching home. They finally added Home Improvement to Disney Plus. Disney's owned Home Improvement since the '90s, and they haven't had it on there till now. But there's an episode of Home Improvement where uh, uh, Tim Allen's wife wants to have another baby, and he goes, "No, we've got all the kids we could stand right now." And Jamie's like, "That is a hundred percent you," because she's the one who's like. Oh, I'm not saying I ever would have kids again, but wouldn't it be fun to have a baby? I'm like, no, <laughs> no, not a chance. Never again. I'll have one with you, Jamie. I'll take it. <laughs> oh, you're going to think you're going to have one with me. <laughs> oh, and you? I'm... Well, maybe, maybe. You're maybe. my first preference, Colin, but I just think biologically it might not work. So <laughs> if you've got a vagina, let's go for it. I'm on, I'm on board. Good point. Uh, <laughs> I don't understand the basics of human anatomy I'll and, and uh, the, the birds and the bees. We'll do a that's, Patreon see, That's episode. why I need you. <laughs> this is our next Patreon. Colonialism. We could actually probably get somebody to subscribe to oh. Ben just calling the birds and the bees. And it's just me like, no, dear God, no. <laughs> Throwing my head down, running out of the room. I'll show you those dolls. You know, did you ever have like the dolls in um, primary school? Like, this is a boy doll. And as you can see, they're different. <laughs> and when they come together, like that's like they I we, yeah. we have those on double R seven. It's like, show me where Ben touched you. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's a long episode. <laughs> uh but but yeah like th this really works on so many levels that the movie doesn't and they are making this for families this is a pg movie you know they they don't want to go too deep into some of the things but the depth is still there in this movie it's there just enough that as you get older you pick up on you, these two have kind of both like you said grown apart but they're also just it's not a good match it was a good match once upon a time it's not a good match now they both have to they, they both kind of come the opposite direction robin williams learns to be more responsible and she learns to be a little bit less responsible, you know, or or just not hide so much. But uh, it, it's really great of uh, the subtleties with this. And the breakup scene they have is so powerful to watch. Yeah. And this is where having Robin Williams and Sally Field makes this. Because you read the dialogue in this just on its own. Or even if you're just watching the scene, imagine two random people performing this scene that are, you know, decent but not incredible actors who have been Oscar imagine well uh, tim allen's had a couple of moments there's a couple of moments on home program where like this guy's a better actor than he's given credit for but 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 yeah like anybody like that they take fran drescher and um uh, <laughs> i want a divorce ah. ray romano imagine this is fran drescher and ray romano it's not nearly as good but you put them in there especially with their personal connections to this story like, it is very powerful. You're trying to do Ray Romano or? <laughs> He's like, hey, hey, I'm Ray Romano. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, hey. You got it, with Ray Romano, you got to sound like you got a bit of frog, a very deep frog in the throat. Hey, 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 hey. So I want to. We can do the rest of this up with Ray Romano. Hey, hey, I'm Ray Romano. I, like, I like Ray Romano. I'm just, I'm just trying to picture his voice. I'm trying to picture Ice Age right now. Channel your Ice Age here. <laughs> uh, I never liked Ice Age. Um, oh, hey, hey, I'm Ray Romano. Hey, it's Jerry Seinfeld with a frog in the throat. Yeah, he's a bit. What was that movie we did with him? Uh, I don't think you were on the episode. There was it The Big Sick. I think I did a review on that a few years ago. Oh, just, yeah, I wasn't on that one. Yeah, hey, I'm in The Big Sick. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now you're starting to get your New York cop in there now. Hey, I'm Tony. <laughs> hey, I'm Ray Romano. What's the, the wife like, in um the wife in in Everybody Loves Raymond? I like oh, her. Patricia Heaton. I like her. Bring back Patricia Heaton. Uh, but like this scene, this could be like an Oscar clip. Like I, mm. this is where I yeah. started to visualize. Imagine this being the Oscar clip for either of them at the Oscars. Like it's so good. Um, the scene though with it, I'm gonna call a bit of a plot hole in this. Uh, or just something that maybe we need an explanation for. When his brother's on the phone with the mom, um, he's basically saying, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so you already knew about this. Now, Robin Williams did not call his mom to tell. Mm. Uh, Harvey Firestein didn't call the mom to tell. So was Miranda just like, I just wanted to call to let you know I kicked your son out because he's no good and he can't keep a job and he wrecked the house again. Could, like, could, how did the mom find out about this? I mean, it's a good point, but I mean, you could easily just explain that away of that weekend they were going to stay with grandma and she had to do the phone call and be like, hey, kids can't come out. We've kind of split up. Like, I don't know. Like, you could easily. How awkward for her to make that phone call too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, I do love, though, Aunt Jack here <laughs> when he's basically being all somber. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. No, he, he doesn't want to talk. He's yeah, he's a little bit depressed. And then Jack says, hi, Evelyn. Thanks for the jam. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. Great timing, Jack. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, the the part with the grandma, too, like this is one of those scenes where I'm like, I totally don't agree with you because what I love when she's like, she doesn't do it as good at you. She doesn't do the voices and she skips all the parts and she smells funny. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I like that scene. Cringy. Um, and, and even just the way I, who's going to finish Charlotte's Web, like she's the the kid that I, I can't I can't believe anybody didn't like her in this movie. Uh, but uh, yeah, all, all of these, uh, the transformation, or I guess before the transformation, let, let's talk really quickly about. The most irresponsible thing that Robin Williams does in this movie. So when he's loading his car up here, you don't notice it until he pulls away. When he pulls away, you see that he was parked not only directly in front of a stop sign, but directly in front of a fire hydrant in front of a stop sign. Oh, that now, bastard! I, I, I'm, I'm looking up here to see the, the picture of the real house. There is a stop sign and there is a fire hydrant, so that's a real thing. But did they intentionally have him pull in there? Because there's a driveway there. And he's not in the driveway. He's on the street blocking the stop sign of the fire hydrant. Maybe it was intentional. I, I, I Maybe it was. But I, I need to go back through my photos where I would have taken a picture of this house to see if, like, I'd never noticed the stop sign. Like, I've never noticed that before, Colin. Like, that's, um, yeah. Um, yeah, th so the montage stuff, like Robin Williams' improv montage stuff. So this one here with the, the court liaison and then later the Mrs. Delphire one. The court liaison one, I love the first thing he says, uh, uh, we came here searching for intelligent life. Oops, we made a mistake. And, and then I love when, when she finally finishes, she just looks so like straight-faced. Mr. Hiller, do you find yourself funny? <laughs> I did once upon a time. Consider myself to be humorous. You proved but you me have wrong. shown me the way. Thank you. <laughs> I think that was going to be my one of my opening lines, potentially. <laughs> That could be your closing line after this episode. <laughs> but uh, the, the one other important thing that... Uh, I didn't quite pick up on okay, until you're trying to analyze this relationship, this movie. So Sally Field asks for a divorce right after she finds out Pierce Brosnan's about to come back in my life again, right? And that kind of sets you off. You're like, oh, really? But that's why it's also important. I feel like they they made sure that the scene where she's medium the first time, hello, Miranda, look at my chest hair, lick it if you like. Uh, <laughs> Actual fantasies Colin and I have had in meeting Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> Uh, and we're usually Sally Field in those fantasies oh, too. So I wish I was <laughs> Sally Field. Who doesn't? 
double the pleasure. But oh, uh, oh. he's coming on strong to her. Oh. And it is important that she's kind of turning down and saying, listen, I'm going through a divorce right now. Because imagine this, without that scene, this becomes, like a, pe- people re-edited this trailer to be like the horror movie. Oh, this is one brilliant. of those things. Like, I love that. Yeah, it's amazing. But uh, w- you change the perspective of this movie by having her be like, Pierce Bros is coming back? Really? And then all of a sudden she goes, well, I want a divorce. Oh, yes, take me now, Pierce Bros. Let me lick your chest there. Uh, th- her saying, no, I'm just going through a divorce it saves her character because otherwise you're like, oh, this is like really convenient timing here, Sally Field. Like, yeah, yeah, but at the same time, she's still getting old, hot and flushed in the nether regions when she's still married and doesn't know that the house is trash. Yeah. So I'm still questioning that, Sally. Keep it in your pants. Yeah, but also this is where the timeline kind of doesn't make sense to me because she kicks him out. He says, oh, we'll be through this in no time. And then they have a court hearing, which court hearings take a long time to get yeah. through. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, it's a couple weeks, but... Where the timeline doesn't check out is that when Miranda's boss yeah. is calling and saying, listen, Pierce yeah. Brosnan wants to, I think he says, says he, he wants to come in tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. No, so this right. is within 24 hours. This hearing has happened. Yeah. And Pierce Brosnan's there. I mean, did she call him up and say, I'm going Very through a divorce right now? interior design. She designed the court. <laughs> exactly. I want it now. Well, you did design it. So come on in. Did you also notice like the reactions? I like the reaction of Robin Williams' lawyer. It's like, well, that wasn't so bad. He just like turns his back on him. But like Miranda's lawyer, that's one of like the actress who doesn't even have a line in this movie where it's like, watch her very closely. She's got some brilliant reactions. I, I think from memory, there's deleted scenes with them talking more. Um, well, because but- she even, the, the only line we get in this movie is where she's congratulations, like all excited. Yeah. Which again, this movie is viewed very differently if you don't have Sally Field playing this scene sad because the lawyer's like, we did it. We won. We beat the man, you know? <laughs> uh, and even at the, yeah, end of, at the end of the movie, <laughs> at the end of the movie, there's an even better reaction from her. Um, yeah. So uh, the, the scene where she comes in, this is one of the things that she does wrong in this movie. She shows up, uh, drops him off late, comes in late. Now you could, say this is her first time doing it she's managing the kids herself she has an excuse uh what i love about this is robin williams and her again playing it the way that these parents would play it like he had his moment where he kind of had the outburst and said i hope she gets amoebic dysentery uh but then afterwards they're sort of like insulting each other while playing it nice which is like a really nice touch like it's like oh okay so uh i love your ensemble there you know it looks like something from dance of the wolves what are you shops with a fist like they're basically <laughs> insulting each other but like they're doing it like the kids are watching let's let's play nice i'm sure this, like, you guys always have to fight people. we're not fighting your mom's singing yeah. sounds yeah. like fighting cats even <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh but like another small plot hole in this movie or let's just say this this woman has very quick reflexes on call forwarding. She has one phone number written mm. down on that thing. I'm glad you pointed that out. She takes the call with three separate phones throughout the course of this this next montage here. Yeah. Uh, with speaking about the improv, uh, so Chris Columbus basically designed this movie where he wanted to utilize Robin Williams' improv because he knew this is the only way the guy works. But he basically said, "Let's do a couple takes sticking directly to the script, and then I'll give you a couple takes doing it all on your own." And in most cases, they kind of use the improv for for this. Uh, but uh, like this is this is all Rob Williams is. I know that um, the TV show Mork and Mindy that he was on. I remember seeing like a little bit of that. Like my parents would watch it in reruns or whatever. Uh, but uh, that show, he was just a comedian. He hadn't done any acting. And famously, they he never wrote or read a script on that. They'd say, "Oh, this is the story." They, they were just write in the scripts and they got to the point where the writers would write in the script robin does his thing <laughs> instead of writing dialogue or scenes for him they just let him improvise almost everything he did in that show 
Uh, I can't imagine a movie where Robin Williams actually does that. Yeah, I'm sure even in Good Will Hunting, he's he's going off script. There, there, there's a famous line, one of his very famous lines in Good Will Hunting. It, it's like I've seen one of these top 10 like unscripted Robin Williams moments. It's seen when like him and Matt Damon are having like a real heart to heart and he says something oh, yeah. that is off script. But um, wasn't, was Morgan Mindy a spinoff of Happy Days? Like how do they get a show yeah. about aliens off that? Like, well, the hey, 70s here were we're, <laughs> two two episodes in a row we're talking about actors who benefited from spin-offs of happy days with laverne and shirley and work and mini that that was just a 70s thing because it's it's amazing how many shows when you look at like the history of like the biggest 70s shows were spin-offs like the jeffersons a spin-off of all in the family Maud, the arthur show a spin-off of all in the family uh then you get mork and mindy laverne and shirley spin i think i think what it was like mork and mindy and laverne and shirley were both characters on like one episode of happy days and then they said can you give them their own show, even though it wasn't like intended to be a spinoff? They just said, give us something else and put this person. Well, in. isn't it interesting how that was such a thing? Because obviously Frasier famously off Cheers, but like yeah. it was a thing that kind of died in the 2000s. Because I mean, the infamous example they always use is Joey. Joey. Which I will always say is not as bad as people say it is. But um, but then you kind of, that was then the 2000s trend was just the the spinoff, like the, the CSI extended universe where they were like the backdoor pilots, mm-hmm. right? Now they do it with that freaking um, Chicago med show whatever it is oh just yeah one quickly thing just on robin williams though did you ever see and i don't know if they've ever green lit it there was an actor who did a scene that was like trying to sell a biopic of robin williams and it was basically a um a recreation of when robin williams found out that uh jim belushi got killed um no it's oh it's amazing whoever this actor is he's a complete unknown but he i'll find it for you and send it to you he basically is the spitting fucking image of Robin Williams. And it's an amazing scene and how this hasn't made them green light a Robin Williams biopic. It's insane, but I'll find it too. And if people are listening, haven't seen it, see it. It's like, look it up. It's, it's an incredible clip. Test footage uh, called it, Robin it, test footage. James, Jamie Costa is the actor's name. I'll send it to you now and you can watch it after, but it's amazing. Cause like, I, I didn't watch a lot of Mork and Mindy, but um, the, 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 TV movie that they made about the making of Mork and Mindy. Like, you know how they used to do those, the unauthorized story of, yeah. uh, they would do that. The guy who played Robin Williams in that was actually uh, somebody that we're going to be talking about. I'm trying to remember how many seasons, how many seasons away are we from um, uh, 24 uh, season, season eight of 24, Chris Diamonopoulos or whatever his name is. Oh, um yep he was like the, the aide to the president or whatever oh uh, him read him in a top of the or whatever Reed. different guy yeah yeah uh um, weiss weiss thank you yes yeah he's canadian so he played he played robin williams on the mork and mindy movie which again i don't think of him as being funny but i remember even on that being like wow this guy's like a really good robin williams and yet you look at him you wouldn't expect him to do robin williams he's in nip tuck as well and third watch um who was he in nip tuck and third watch huh there you go. Was he Dick Stroker or whatever that <laughs> his name was? I'm just we're still we're still not found the the actor who's been in like all the shows we've covered. But I mean, if he had done Lost or Breaking Bad, he would have been uh, very up there. But Nip Tuck, <laughs> guy, who was in Third Watch? I don't remember him in Third. Maybe you watch. can get him on the 20th anniversary of Nip Tuck. Well, it's a bit of a uh, you know, he's <laughs> got a big deal. He he played Dick Pounder in. <laughs> uh. So yeah, or one other thing I, I forgot about the 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 Sally Field thing where she drops him off late. So so again, you could say she just hasn't had to manage the kids herself. She's doing this all herself, you know, while trying to work the job. It's obviously a little bit chaotic for her, but the the the, the solution is staring right in the face. She's like, listen, I really need to pick them up now because I still got to do this and I still got to do this. 
why does neither of them say, so go do it and then come back afterwards? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm watching the kids. Go do your errands. This is what I'm here for. Uh, but but yeah, this is also where where he he suggests watching them after school. So this is why I think it was always a plan of his. Uh, the, the other the only other line he didn't cover with the um, uh, the montage of like the phone calls is where uh, he says like, oh, uh, you, I, I pick him up and give him a few light slams every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, like the makeover scene, like this is obviously you had to have planned. These are the makeups we're going to do. But then the improv of like, what he's doing with that is like, especially when they do the musical number, like, don't rain on our parade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was that? Yeah, matchmaker, that joke- matchmaker, make me yeah. a match. <laughs> I mean, it's a lovely little thing where we're going on here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, that's pretty much where he ended here. Not the, not the first meeting where he shows up, right? Yeah, that's just, just cut it off just before okay, the yeah. first meeting. Yes. Um, I'm good. So they meet for the first time, funnily enough. Um, this is where we also get to see her for the first time, kind of like the door with the, the classic 90s, you know, harp. Actually, I might have a harp sound here. We can try this. So, like, he opens the door and you hear a... Uh, let's try that again. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> he's not Sally. He's Robin. Um, so I, I do love the way, like, she lines up the kids and it's kind of like, meet the woman. Uh, so she's all like, hello, I'm genius doubtful. What's her name? Uh, Jenny? Euphigenia. Euphigenia. There's a name that needs to come back. Colin, if you have another <laughs> child and have a daughter, Euphigenia Hilding. Um, I actually wondered whether that was a real name or not, because it sounds like it's a fake name. It's Euphigenia. I've got to say, like, the, I mean, did the makeup win an Oscar for this film? I don't think it did. It did, yeah. It did. Well, oh, it, it, did. Was, it was nominated, yeah. But, like... What was it up against? It did do a, like really does look like a woman like a woman oh yeah um I, this holds up today you do this in a movie now and people are going to be saying nominate for an oscar uh where are we best makeup yeah it did a beat philadelphia, philadelphia and Schindler's and Schindler's List. List. so a beat a guy with aids and the nazis <laughs> uh <laughs> wow the power of mrs D- doubtfire <laughs> it beat aids and the nazis in the holocaust <laughs> like holy crap can, it, can i pause for a second here no uh, I tried to look up Euphigenia, see what type of name it is, and it took me a page where it's, it's it's a poll saying what type of name is Euphigenia, boy's name, girl's name, boy's or girl's name, last name or family name, other, or I'm not sure. No. So I'm going to vote I'm not sure and see what the majority says it is. Got giant uh, oh, there's multiple questions of this. What is the most accurate origin of the name? <laughs> does literally nobody know? Colin I'm does English a quiz she, on air. She's English. Do you know the meaning of the name Euphigenia? No. <laughs> Thanks! <laughs> thanks! That's all you get? Three questions and just ends in thanks? That's that's a, that's a bit of a cock tease. Okay. <laughs> thanks for that. Website.com. Um, so anyway, Mrs. Doubtfire's meeting the children. It's another little annoying little Mara Wilson line here. Stuart Little. Oh, he's my favorite. Shut up. <laughs> Um, so annoying. Not that one, bad. One of the most numerous characters in all of literature. Uh, I remember seeing the film once, Michael J. Fox and Hugh, uh, what's his face? Hugh Laurie? Hugh Laurie? Was Hugh Laurie in that one? Isn't he it the dad? It was a kid from Jerry Maguire. I remember that. Wasn't he the dad? Wasn't Hugh Laurie the dad? And wasn't the mum famous as well? That's a pretty stacked cast from um, memory. I'm looking it up right now. Uh, Nathan Lane was in it. Nathan was Nathan Lane. Lane the dad? Chaz Palminteri, Steve Zahn. Um... Yeah, Gina Davis and Hugh Laurie. Oh, were the Gina, I, was, yeah. I was thinking Gina Davis. Oh, gee, what a what a national treasure she is. Do you know she uh, nearly made the Olympics in two thousand? Do you know that? 
What for what? She uh she gave up acting in, in like, 2000. Yeah, like she gave up acting. Canyon jumping? She gave up acting because she as a kid she was like a decent archer. So like she actually stopped acting in the late 90s to try and qualify for the US archery team for the Sydney Olympics and she was very close. She only wow. just missed out. Um I thought you knew that. Know that story. No. Uh, we get Gina Davidson off the podium. Yeah. But I'm sure that's something she'd probably say yes to. It's like when Fran Dresser said yes to a James Bond podcast. Well, this is different. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that. Um, but the kids are all very dismissive about like, oh, you know, can't dad do this? And uh, Mr. Dallas was like, oh, yes, shouldn't, shouldn't the father do this? Uh, again, back, that, back to that line. I love that. Shouldn't you ask the children to leave before you uh, verbally bash the father? Oh, if I did yeah. that, I'd never see them again. And I love Sally Field's reaction when she's like, <laughs> and everyone's sort of looking at her. <laughs> and she's like, I'm sorry. And like, Mr. Dallas, oh, it's okay. So um, we get sort of one of these scenes which... You know, it's like you would do if you and Jamie split up and you dress as a woman to see the kids, you'd be digging for information from the woman, wouldn't you? Like, oh, so how big is his dick? Uh, <laughs> but she's making tea. She offers him the position. And I love this scene when she's kind of like, it's funny. I, I know you. It's like I've known you for years. It's kind of like, oh, isn't that sweet? So Rob Williams is going back home. He's got to catch a bus. We've got old flirty McBus driver here. Um this guy's the best. <laughs> oh, it's a cold night, isn't it? It's one of those nights. I hope you've got something nice and warm to go home to. <laughs> and uh, there is a there was a deleted scene where he finds out that he's a a man. Like there's that's um, the one I remember. Yeah, yeah. Like I think there's like there's because we only get the two in the movie, don't we? Of them sort of like seeing each other, but there is definitely a scene when you he finds out that he's a man. Um, so Ron Williams gets home. Uh, we've got the court liaison here and we get one of the like the more famous scenes when he's kind of like having to kind of alternate between the two of them. So she's there on like a Friday night or whatever night this is. No, it's a Monday night, isn't it? So um, Friday. No, it's a Monday because doesn't when he say uh, I'll, when she offers the interview, she said come over on oh, Monday yeah. night. Yeah. Yeah. Because the two the, the other thing that's not explained in this movie, there, there's basically two appointments, which is Monday a conflict. Yeah, but but when she goes out for dinner, it's Friday night during that same time oh, yeah. slot where he should be getting his visit. That's an easy excuse to get out of the uh, the dinner. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's a solid point, Colin. Well, look at you. And that's a Colin fact. Ba, 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 ba. Uh, yeah, the McDonald's theme now apparently. Um, <laughs> so I love it, kind of when she's all like, "Oh, hello, I'm his sister, much older sister." There is a plot. I want to say a plot hole or something that kind of doesn't get overly explained, or I feel like they just removed it from the script later on when like sort of. Sally Field has that line when he's like, oh, it's weird. Like the court liaison said that there's like another woman living with him already and claim it's his sister, but she doesn't, he doesn't have a sister. Surely that's a problem for the court. Like if Sally Field has said that to the court liaison, like, what are you talking about? He doesn't have a sister. Like, wouldn't that be reported back to the court? So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, he's free to have somebody living there if he wants, but the fact that he's lying to the court is the problem. I don't think you need that line because like, we don't really establish the fact that Sally Field needs any interaction with the court liaison. So it's kind of like, like the only purpose of that line is to be thinking like, Oh, you know, Daniel's moving on, but like, I don't know. It goes nowhere. That's one weird complaint. Mm. But anyway, so this scene's great. He's sort of, he's like, Oh, as Mrs. Doubtfire is like, Oh, I'll, I'll just go get Danny. Danny. Danny boy, Mrs. Selner's here. Oh, Mrs. Selner, is that who's here? It's like, oh, he's just having a shower. So we get this scene when he's like quickly changing. Jamie had no reaction to shirtless uh, dad bod Robin Williams here. 
No, not discriminatory, <laughs> Jamie. Come on, old men look like she this. does. She she does love uh, chest hair, though. We of know course. that about her. Well, of course, who do doesn't? Uh, so he comes out there and he's kind of all like, "Oh, hey, how you doing?" So uh, as you see, I've got a job like sorting out films and cleaning houses. Ha <laughs> ha! Not mine. Uh, gotta <laughs> gotta ignore my sister living here. She's great, but she also makes a mean cup of English tea. Oh, English tea! I would love one, and I kind of love his reaction. Of course you would. I'll go. Get her, which I have to say, this mean cup of English tea, which I get it. It's part of the, like, he fucked up. But I love how he just literally gets, like, a Tetley tea bag and puts it in a cup. Like, that's that's mm-hmm. the mean cup of English tea. So then he's got to go back and get changed back into Mrs. Doubtfire. He loses his face on the street, so he's trying to sneak out to get it. He can't get it. Meanwhile, he sees his face get crushed. Uh, Mrs. Selner's about to walk into the kitchen, so he shoves his face in a cake and the famous scene of him lifting up from the fridge, hello, with, like, his face covered in cream. I do love these, like, dick kids basically, like, staring through the window while laughing. Again, another bit that maybe doesn't hold up too well is the fact that they see him dressed in, like, a woman's costume, and they're all like, oh, my God, mom! Like, yeah. So? They even say sick. They're like, sick. Yeah. Like, it's kind of, there's a, the only bits that don't hold up well 30 years later are the subtle digs at, like, men daring to be dressed yeah. as a woman. Like, that's kind of where it's been, mm, that doesn't age well. Um, but, of course, he's got his face covered in the, in the, what does he say? Like, my meringue face mask. Now, this was all ad-libbed because, basically, they weren't expecting this face mask to melt under, like, the studio lights. So all of this bit when the the cream is like dropping into the tea is all Robin Williams just reacting. And I think that's why you don't often see, again, you sort of do see the facial reactions of Anne Haney, but they also cut away a little bit. But like, I love how it's like plopping into the tea. Oh, one drop. You said you wanted two. Oh, there's your second one. Oh, um, (laughs) got to go. Uh, I'm melting like a, a snow cone in Phoenix. (laughs) or the Arizona Coyote. Um, And so he goes off. And I do love here, like, how she, like, gets a bit of the cream and puts it on her face. It's like, oh, this removes years from my face. Which, again, like, as somebody who's a bit, and you're, I think, a bit the same, you get a bit grossed out easily. Are you going to drink this tea now? (laughs) I know. Some random stranger's, like, face goop has gone into your tea? Yeah, if she just said, oh, I'm flaming with meringue, that's one thing. But, like, this came off of her face, and it melted off of her face. Yeah, that that's gross. Um, but, you know, sort of funny. Great scene. Very famous scene. He rushes back to get another face. What does he say? Like, oh, you know, I had a bit of a problem. It's like, be very careful with her. She's very old or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, we get a first of a few montages in this film. Is this the um, dude looks like a lady? No, it's not the dude looks like a lady montage. It's the... Um, the brief little moment where you see him get changed in the toilet. And again, oh, we've got to have a lol joke of him leaving a men's room dressed as a woman. And so a man's kind of all like, huh? Like, that's a bit unusual. The kids come home from school and they're getting ready for their first day of being looked after Mrs. Doubtfire. Can I just say one thing about Mara Wilson? She must have a pretty shit time at school because every single time Liddy asks her, what did you do at school? I painted a picture. Like, is that all she fucking does at school? Yeah. Paints pictures? I painted a picture? It's like... I wish I went to school and all I did was well, paint pictures. They do say she's five, though. So in kindergarten, would you be doing more than this? I don't know. I think I did more than paint pictures as a five-year-old. <laughs> I delve back into my memory. Um, so the kids are watching Dick Van Dyke. Because uh, he's all like, hey, do your homework. No, after Dick Van Dyke. No, do your homework. 
always after Dick Van Dyke. Like, you, you made a very good point there where you sort of said, like, you see the changes of both Robin Williams and Sally Field. Like, Sally Field's a bit of a stuck-up, you know, scruffy-looking nerf herder, uh, whereas Robin Williams is sort of, you know, the, the loosey-goosey type. So now mm. this is kind of the roles have changed. And so now this is where, you know, I guess Robin Williams has to be a bit more strict as Mrs. Doubtfire. He can't just be like, hey, kids, let's watch Dick Van Dyke. It's like, no, do your homework. I'm going to throw the, throw the remote in the pool. The only channel you're going to be watching is Deep CNN. Uh, great line. Um, so they all go force her to do do their homework where this is where he becomes a strict asshole. He's sitting back having a scotch while he's making them like. <laughs> it's like, oh, you wouldn't dare do that. And it's like, don't test me. Um, and I, I love like the, the chores he's getting to do, polishing the candle holder. Uh, using the soap on the skirting boards. <laughs> like, I, I don't... Would not the... Chi- like, does one dinner not make the children still complain to mum when they get home? And like, is, I know. This is a huge risk. Like, and there's also... Is Sally Field on board with this? Like, mum, mum, you'll never get what Mrs. Doubtfire made us do. He, she, she made us clean the skirting boards and polish... You know, like, wouldn't Sally Field be like, dude, you're a slaver? Or is he like, yes, I've been wanting that cleaned for yeah. years. <laughs> like, I don't know. But um, he then has his cooking scene, which first day is woman, and I'm already getting hot flashes. It's like, oh, like, oh, I'm on fire. He boom. I said, wasn't this, did I read somewhere that this was sort of ad-libbed? Like all of his lines from kind of this bit, like the reaction of like first day is woman, I'm already getting hot flashes. Like they're obviously not going to yeah. make him catch fire as an ad-lib because that's a bit of a risk. <laughs> You're on fire, Robin. Keep going. Use it. Well, use it. <laughs> plus, if you look closely, it is clearly a stuntman when he's on fire. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of... Uh, Billy Madison, you know the like the montage bit when they're doing all the like the high school equivalency tests, and um, Bradley Wilson's character like catches fire, and you got Adam Sandler just standing there laughing, going, "Hey!" It's they don't even hide the fact that it's a stunt man on fire. Like I think that's <laughs> part of the joke. Um, so he he has to like order up this food. So he calls um Valentinos or what is it called? Like Vincetti's or Valentinos, Valentinis, yeah. find gourmet and takeout. I always loved this scene as a kid. Like, I love this, like, guy showing up. Like, I love the dick waiter. He's all like, oh, 100 and whatever dollars. That's four dinners. Plus a $20 for a rush. <laughs> I love Robert Williams. Well, you could have been here a little bit faster. I've only got $140. You have change. No. Uh, <laughs> I love this guy. He's such a dick. He's wearing his little, like, bow tie. But I always, like, love this scene as a kid when he's, like, dishing up the food and he's got, like, this weird-looking sauce with the carrots. Like, I'm like... I want this dinner. I don't know what I it know. is. I've always wanted this. I, want I don't like, even know what that, what is that sauce? It's I, like a really watery hummus or something. I know, but like it always makes me, and like looking at the food, I don't think there's any meat. It's just like carrots and a bit of like greenery. There's some bread rolls. There's some potatoes. <laughs> don't know where the meat is, but like I always wanted this food. So mm-hmm. Christopher Columbus, if you're ever on the show, does Valentini's really exist? Because I'm going there. Um, I, I'd even settle for the burnt chicken with the basil all over yeah, it. Yeah, that looked quite good. Um, I love when he like hits a whole like the thing falls. That's that that used to be me cooking. Now I'm a good chef. Is that you cooking, Colin? Can you cook? Oh, I can cook. Yeah, oh, I, no, I, I don't make cook. messes like that. I've eaten your wife's food. It's delicious. When she made that mac and cheese that one time, that was yum. Oh, I tell her to make it tomorrow. Colin we had lasagna Ooh. tonight. Colin had a worried look on his face when I said I've eaten your wife's food. He sort of has this like, what have you been doing? <laughs> Um, actual. I was trying food. to remember what did we eat. Was it good? Bad? That was. That, I think that was that night when you like deliberately stood on the couch, like let's talk all night so we don't have to do die another day. Uh, <laughs> that was a good night. Um, so we get a nice little scene because apparently 
cooking a nice dinner is all it takes to forget the fact that I slaved away at the house. So Liddy comes out and sort of like, oh, I'm sorry for the way I acted. You know, we just miss our dad. Um, sad, Liddy. Uh, this is the bus scene where uh, <laughs> the bus driver sees the old uh, hairy leg. And I kind of like his reaction. I like that in a lady. Natural. Mm, the Mediterranean look. Mm. <laughs> then just, just the way God made you. <laughs> just the way God. <laughs> I like this guy. I want this guy and the snooty, the snooty kid driver to have a TV show together. Um, this is where we get the Dude Looks Like a Lady by Aerosmith montage. So uh, we've got them going for a bike ride. Robert Williams checking out. Uh, I, I don't know how I feel about Robin Williams being a bit pervy in this movie because he's always come across as the nice dad, like loves his wife. Yeah. But like he kind of like he pervs on this woman. Later on, he's trying to buy the blonde woman a drink. So it's a bit like weird, but I guess guy's got to move on, right? Um, we get him like dancing with the 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 vacuum cleaner, reading to the kids, learning to cook, sitting at home. Um, he's got the the broom, giving the finger to Pierce. Don't give the finger to Pierce Brosnan. He's James Bond, Robin Williams. Does this this I'm pretty sure was the trailer though. This is this montage is pretty much that very standard '90s like. Uh, meet Daniel Hillard. He loses his kids. You won't understand the lengths that he'll go to to see his family. Mrs. Doubtfire. Like it's that that montagey type scene that you just see like you know this summer one man's length to see his children. <laughs> I miss those trailers. Um. So he's got the montage. Oh, he also gets his bag. <laughs> when he gets his bag stolen. Broke my bag, the bastard. <laughs> I love that line. So funny. Uh, but he meets Stu for the first time, comes home, and he sees the Mercedes. Oh, lover boy is here. Pulls out the Mercedes. Oh, I hate it when that happened. I had a thing as a kid. I never did it. But whenever I saw a car on the street, like a Mercedes or like any of the Rolls Royce, like when they had the actual ones sticking out, I would always see them going like, mm, do I do a Mrs. Doubtfire here? Do I rip it out of the car? Um, but I love kind of just this whole, any Robin Williams and Pierce Brosnan scene is amazing. And again, I want to imagine these were ad-libbed because I just love the way he just basically is like introduces them and you know like what is this this isn't the scene when he's talking about like the vibrator is it like oh got a chipped tooth oh yeah oh no is this where he's talking about like the oh i saw this on the street is this oh that that's my mercedes oh that's your mercedes is it well you know what they say about men who have mercedes overcompensating <laughs> for small genitals <laughs> just like <laughs> pierce brosnan's facial expressions in this movie the way he kind of just says that like he's just kind of he's got like that i want to throttle this woman but, like, what the hell is happening right now? Um, it's just understated Pierce Brosnan facial acting, which I don't know if you notice much in this film. Oh, yeah. It's brilliant. Especially in, like, the, the last scene, the restaurant scene. You just see him biting his tongue more and more throughout the entire thing. And it's hard to take your attention off Robin Williams. Easier if you're as beautiful as Pierce Brosnan. Well, it's even the scene, the run by fruiter scene, when he kind of, like, you see him almost, like, biting his lip and he's like, mm. like, you yeah. know, and he just keeps walking. Uh, but this uh, so this is where, like, Sally feels kind of like, oh, like, oh, it just happened. And, oh, like, he wants to take me out for dinner. And can you watch the kids stay a little bit later? And he's just like, no, you shouldn't. Like, he's only after one thing, you know? Like, the corpse isn't even cold. Like, and this is where she's like, oh, can I ask you, like, after Winston, how long did it take for you to move on? Never. Never did. Once <laughs> the father of your children is dead, I took a vow of celibacy. Uh, Lifelong celibacy. Which, uh, the Sally feels got, like, a real way of, like, in this film, like, he always like has like 
Mrs. Doubtfire will do those like moments where clearly he's like doing like, no, like don't touch him. And she just kind of always just ignores it and goes like, okay, well, I'm going off to fuck Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. So <laughs> who wouldn't? Do-do-do-do-do. Uh, uh, but this is, again, maybe one of these other scenes, which it's a sweet scene. I'm not taking away, but there's definitely some elements in this scene that do not hold up well 30 years later. So Mrs. Doubtfire is helping Lydia read some uh, something. She loves U2, by the way. Which kid in 1993 didn't have a U2 poster on their wall? Were they ever well, a band know, that I teenagers was... liked? Yeah, like I, I was trying to think. She's like 14, and this is like 1993. I mean, it was probably Pearl Jam or Nirvana, not U2. I mean, U2, if this were 1991 or 1992, U2 makes a little bit more sense, but... I, I don't know if I don't know if anybody was listening to you. I mean I like you too, but I, I mean like you, you too, Colin. Sure. Thank you, uh, <laughs> but but like this is right in the middle of like the grunge era. It's got to be like Soundgarden or Stone Temple Pilots or something. Yeah, no disrespect to you two, but like I've never pictured them as a teenage heartthrob. Put them on the wall band. You know what I mean? Like yeah, well maybe in the eighties or something like that. But I mean when you're in the early nineties and these guys are already like. 35 years old (laughs) yeah and they're a little bit more serious like there's not a lot of fun for a 14 year old teenage girl i mean obviously there's no backstreet boys yet but boys to men why was it boys to men well she's white probably more new kids on the block Uh (laughs) (laughs) only 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 white or only black i didn't didn't mean that i meant it more of a case of she's this white almost proper girl from san francisco i don't see her listening to boys to men (laughs) Oh, I think all white girls listen to Boys to Men in 93, 94. Well, boys listen to white. I love Boys to Men. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, it's, I, I guess kind of it's more of like, they are a bit like, she doesn't seem like the grunge type. She's a bit like proper. Yeah. Like, so maybe that's where it is. She also doesn't seem like the Boys to Men type. <laughs> she's she's much more of a, a, a girls to woman type. What? No, that's a bit wrong. Uh, no, Mar- Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Mar- that's who it should have been. Mara Wilson's gay, not Lee. I mean, Lisa Jacob could be gay, I think. Is Mara Wilson gay? I think Mara Wilson's gay, isn't she? Well, I know she was like an advocate for gay rights. I don't know if she herself was. I thought she, I thought she came out. Um, did she? Bisexual. Well, she should be. Bisexual. Halfway there. Um, good for her. Uh, <laughs> I'm an ally of you, Mara Wilson. <laughs> be bisexual. You do women. Uh, <laughs> get me some too. I need to do some women as well. Um <laughs> Just shut up, Ben. There was an end point about two minutes ago. You could have ended it then. Uh, so Mrs. Doubtfire has got to go pee, um, which got to say, um, dear old uh, Matthew Lawrence needs to learn how to knock. Uh, <laughs> so like the door, like I thought like, okay, you can make sense the doors maybe a bit open, but you see the door like click shut. So good old like Chris is like, ah, oh, I'm peeing in my house. I'm a man. I'm the only man in this house. So he walks in and we see old Mrs. Doubtfire standing up tinkling so what's chris's reaction ah liddy liddy call the police call the police and gets a tennis racket what's wrong with it he's got a he's got balls and i kind of love how liddy's like and and he's got both of them it's like yeah he's got everything down there she's kind of like got everything yeah i was like what do they look like (laughs) she's a bit (laughs) curious but then basically he's like oh get out of here you bastard it's like what you watch your mouth young man it's like dad is that you? And so it's a sweet little scene where kind of we, we find out that like he's doing this. And the, I feel like as sweet as this is, it doesn't really go anywhere. Do, do you need to have them know that this is dad? I mean, it's sweet, I guess. So. Uh, well, for me, I think it's because when Pierce Brosnan comes into the picture, the kids aren't on the dad's side. Like, especially during the dress trying out scene where uh, Lydia's saying, it's like, no, no, definitely go with the black dress. 
you get like these kids are okay with their parents moving on with their lives. Yeah. Okay. But I, I just like the sort of the reactions and she hugs him. And then I kind of like the bit where Chris is kind of like, Oh, it's a hug. Oh, I get it. You know, uh, yeah. it's a, it's a guy thing. That that would be weird. Like this is not a thing about somebody being homophobic, transphobic or anything like that. But like, if you just found out that you've spent the last at least two months being babysat by a six-year-old woman and that six-year-old woman took some makeoff and it's your dad. Yeah. Like you're gonna be like, I, you know what? It, maybe if you're out of the costume, I'll hug you, but not right now. This that's, is a little weird. That's not the bit where I think doesn't hold up because like, again, it's also, in all fairness, it is a bit of a guy thing where we're, we're wired wrongly. You know, we've always yeah. been like, whereas like, uh, you know, you kind of have girls all the time. Like, oh, my girlfriend, like they refer to them as their girlfriend and they're hanging out and they're a bit, you know, like, hey, let's <laughs> try and close together. And like, it's just, it's just a, like girls are much more open with each other. And without that stupid fear of, oh, I might be considered gay. Well, that's a guy thing. It's a, it's a dumb thing that society has. Colin and I are hanging out. We're hugging each other, trying on bras. We should be allowed to. Like, it's not gay. No homo, right? Like, that's the song. Um, but that, that, that's, that's, that's a common thing. Jamie will always be like, oh, I was talking to my girlfriend. Or she's like, oh, I was talking to my Instagram girlfriend. I was talking to my girlfriend from this place. Like, oh, sure. But if I have an Instagram girlfriend, not allowed. Yeah, well, exactly. Double, Double standard, standard, Jamie. Again, we're, this is the men's right film. We're, we're saying that. But, like, in all seriousness, like, it is, it is a weird thing that guys kind of have. Like, I think we've become a lot more open in this show by wanting to lick ice off Pierce Brosnan and not be considered gay. That's fine with that. That's natural. But, like, I think it's still a thing. So, yeah, but I think the bit that, like, I, I get it to a point, like, yeah, if you kind of had somebody in your house that wasn't somebody that, like, yeah, you might be like, oh, I should call the cops. But, like, just because she's a man, like, I mean, like, I mean, it's a bit like... But, like, he even says as lines, like, you don't like wearing that stuff, do you? That's where it's a little bit weird, you know? Like, and, and I get him asking that question. Like, are you going to be questioning, okay, are you doing this because you like it? Like, or what's the reason? But the way you don't like wearing that stuff, do you? Yeah, and what is he like, don't worry, I didn't have any surgery done. So, uh, you know, there's that. Um, so we've established that. I might sort of go here. <laughs> we've got this. Who is this dinosaur guy? And why has he been on the air for 24 <laughs> years? Like, I love this guy. But, like, this whole sequence where sort of Robin Williams meets Mr. Lundy here, who he's off, what, the last action hero and a bunch of other movies, this actor guy. Um, yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but you are a terrible TV owner if you've kept him on the air for 24 years. Because even Robin Williams is saying, like, this guy used to put me to sleep as a kid. So why is he all of a sudden going like, oh, yeah, the ratings are down. We're going to cancel this guy. After 24 years. Yeah. Like, that's on you, my friend. But I love this guy. He's and like, then it, he still doesn't do it. Yeah, exactly. What is he like? The Tyrannosaurus is a carnivore. And he's like, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, and then the other one was it like the, the Brachiosaurus is a herbivorous dinosaur. <laughs> so this guy is, um, who is this guy? Mr. Mr. Sprinkles. William Newman. Who, like, is this, was this guy an actual, like, a, a TV person or cause it's saying here he's best known for Mrs. Doubtfire. So, but like, he actually made this show in real life. 24 years spent in the role of dinosaur man. I just like love the fact dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> what is this show? <laughs> There's an even funnier line later on when it comes to like this TV set, which we've, to, we've covered what we have not covered a Robin Williams for now, but we have covered a movie from this guy, William Newman. We did Santa with muscles. Oh, this is our second, our second William Newman movie. <laughs> William Newman, man, coming soon to the odds now. Was he going like, I'm Hulk Hogan with muscles. <laughs> this is Hulk Hogan. He has muscles. 
Um, but I do. <laughs> my favorite little bits here is when like uh, Robin Williams is bagging this guy out. Like I was like, oh, this guy put me to sleep late. You know how stupid are kids? Like blah blah blah. Like what sort of idiot puts him on the air? It's like I would, William Lundy, <laughs> and it's like oh, uh, yeah, Daniel Hillard, former employee. <laughs> <laughs> and even even Lundy's wrong. Maybe. Yeah, 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 maybe. But he's basically like, you know, like, but it's kind of their first little meeting where it's kind of like, you know, what you need to do, like, don't condescend to the kids, like, you know, educate them, inform them. Uh, and then you've got the um, the, the assistant guys like, hey, Hillard, get back to work. And it's like, hey, this is Mr. Lundy. I know who he is. <laughs> and it's just like, what? The, the Lundy, I think it's Lundy who's like, he knows who I am. Yeah. <laughs> but like, this is just like, I don't know if you've ever had a job where like you don't realize who you're meeting. I've had jobs like oh, that. The, uh, all right, so I, I've I, not myself, but I have. Um, uh, he's still still a good friend of mine. He was one of the groomsmen in my wedding, but uh, the job that I met him at that we worked at. So uh, he was one time in the photocopy room complaining about the company to the guy that he didn't realize was like the operation manager for our division. So me and another guy we're working with, like what's Carlo doing in there talking to the ops manager? And then, and then we asked him afterwards, so we talking? Oh yeah. I was just telling him, I was like, yeah, I, I really think that the company's going downhill and I wasn't very happy with this. And uh, yeah, I uh, uh, told him that I, I, I thought this place, uh, you know, needed somebody to shake it up. And all those complaints with the company. And we're like, yeah, so that was our ops manager. And he's like <laughs> smiling. He's like, really? <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> did he keep his job? He did keep his job, thankfully. The, the same guy one day, we, we, he, he just was notorious for like not knowing who people were. Uh, we were basically, we, we started doing it just sort of a side thing, like uh, uh, in, it was second half of training. And we sort of evolved it ourselves. And it got to the point where the company was willing to recognize us and even model what we did to other like uh, centers around the world. And so they had brought us in for like the tra- the annual training meeting. And we're for the first time being recognized as trainers in this company, even though we just sort of created our own position. And we all knew about this and we're waiting for him to show up and, and I'm texting him. I'm like, okay, this, this meeting is starting. And he's replying back and forth, what meeting? And we're like, we're in the training room. And he walks in late to this wearing a shirt from Stewie from uh, family guy. (laughs) That's in a diaper bending over saying, you know, you want me. (laughs) And then the the lead training lady turns like, Carlo, you joined us. (laughs) And you're wearing a diaper. (laughs) He just sits in the back. Me and the other guy, we made this speech at his wedding, <laughs> telling that story, and we actually had the shirt. And he said, "We are burning this shirt." Wow. Yeah, I've um had plenty of uh, I think I've, I've told all the fun ones on air before, but um, it's just, I, lo- I love this interaction between them. It's so funny. Um, this is the scene I was talking before, where kind of like Sally Field basically is like, "I've heard that there's a woman at his house." It's like Mrs. Doubtfire. And you think, "Oh, he's about to call her out." Um, but he's just basically like Sally feels just basically talking about like Winston and what happened and uh, all that kind of stuff and and moving on and how long it takes. <laughs> I love this whole sequence about like, oh, um, Winston. They would say like, tell me about Miss Mr. Doubtfire, Winston. Yes, oh, we were together for a a long time. We had some issues, but uh, yes, uh, he he loved to drink. Uh, yes, that's what killed him. Oh, it was, it was, was the drink that killed him. It was the drink that killed him. Oh, so he was an alcoholic. No, he was hit by a Guinness truck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the worst, um, the only worst bit of trivia on IMDb was actually saying, it's like the line where he says you were hit by a Guinness truck. Pierce Brosnan, who is in this film, is actually Irish. <laughs> and that was the trivia bit on IMDb. 
So sorry, the trivia on IMDb consists of Pierce Brosnan is actually Irish. And Christopher Columbus said lots of women wanted Pierce Brosnan to walk into their lives. Wow. Can we just, I, we need, we're missing a trick here. We always just need to, every time on IMDb, add a stat. Like, yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire is a name that was popular in the 1990s after this film. Yuvichinaya, <laughs> real or not? Yes or no? The necklace worn by Sally Field in this movie was put in a drawer afterwards and not seen for thirty-two years. <laughs> like the Titanic, the, the the necklace worn by Sally Field is also a necklace similar to what was in the Titanic, which was also a necklace. Um, so this is kind of like another Robin Williams probes for information from which again we'd all do this. I would totally do this. She's like basically like, oh, so was he good in bed? Oh, that part was never a problem. That was that was okay. I love him. Just okay. <laughs> Which, again, I'd be saying the same thing. But this is sort of like a, a nice... A, a, you need this scene. This is a good dramatic scene as well where it kind of really just comes down to like what was the issue in the marriage? Like, you know, why why did you not stay with him? And I think you need this for context to to mm-hmm. make Sally Field's character a little bit better because she's basically yeah. saying like, like, yeah, like at the start he was charming, he was funny, like it was so great, but... Then, like, we grew up and he really didn't. And then he was always funny mm-hmm. and, and all that kind of stuff. And kind of going back to He can to my, never be serious. He can never be serious. And this kind of, like, almost contradicts my point before. Where I'm complaining about Sally Field about the fact of, like, well, you could have talked to him. But this is kind of when he says, like, well, could you have not have told him this? And she's like, well, he could never be serious. He didn't do serious. Yeah. Which, again, like, I, I get both sides of the, t- the coin here. Because, yeah, mm-hmm. okay, somebody can't do serious. But still, you can still try um, but also at the same time, try. It, you don't, you don't know emotion. Like you, you have no idea. <laughs> I can't imagine what a fight between you and Jamie is like, like a real fight, not like a get Casper off the kitchen with a knife fight. Um, like a, a, a real, fight, a real couple's fight. Um, but it's a nice scene between the two of these. And again, you just the reactions from Rob, like he does a way of doing these facial actions in makeup as well, which is really, really good. Like you see the emotion through this mask. Which is just, it's really well done. Yeah. Um, we get the uh, the pool scene here. I might sort of just, I'm, I'm going here. There's a lot I'm covering, but um, I'll, I'll get to the the pool scene here. Actually, no, we'll, we'll go to the, the setup for the dinner. I think there's enough there to cover mm-hmm. that we can kind of go over that. So we've got the famous pool scene where there's old Pierce Brosnan Shellers. Woo! As we would <laughs> I'm Jamie. Uh, and I love it kind of when they walk in there and what is like Mr. Doubtfire say like, Oh, look, Maddie, not a single piece of real human flesh here or something <laughs> like that. Not seen in real life bodies or whatever it was. Like, oh, look, there's Stu. Oh, look at him on the diving board there. That's called liposuction. <laughs> <laughs> Pierce Brosnan does a swan dive here. No wonder he was practicing for jumping off a dam in Goldeneye in a couple of years. Yeah. Um, and I love it here when he's just like flirting with Mrs. Doubtfire. Like, oh, come on, Mrs. Doubtfire, get in your swimsuit. Oh, you wicked, wicked man. Like, oh, no, you have to call Greenpeace. The beach whale brigade would come here. <laughs> um, so he goes swimming. Um, Mrs. Doubtfire is, like, getting drunk at the bar, and he's all, like, going, like, oh, what am I doing here? This is beyond obsession. Like, that would be hard. Like, again, imagine if you were doing this to, like, see your kids and Jamie was off fucking Keanu Reeves and you are just having to watch him there moving on your family. What, is, what does he even say? Like, that's it, moving on my family, you bastard. Mm-hmm. Don't touch me again or I'll drown you. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's getting drunk. He's trying to pick up a blonde-like woman. It's like, it's on me. Just like, no thanks. It's like, uh, what does he even wink at her or something like that? Uh, so he then has, this is, again, the one scene where maybe you're meant to think Pierce Brosnan's a dick, but he's not really a dick because he's like, 
speaking to Gerald here, it's like, hey, Pierce, who are the, who's the, the old squeeze you're with here? The old bowl and chain. Oh, Miranda Heller. She's Hillard. Hillard is not 24. Miranda Hillard. Uh, that Miranda Heller, she's a hell of a fella. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen to our 24 coverage. You'll get it. Uh, it's like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, this is the woman I'm doing and she's got kids. Hey, but you're a Lothario. You're nearly James Bond. Lol. You don't like kids. Oh, except for these kids. I'm crazy for them. See? Uh, oh, what about the what about the husband? Oh, he's a real slime bowel. Uh, whatever. And then that's the loser. only loser. That's the only point you meant to think what a dick. But again, from his perspective, from his point of view, yeah. he is an evil. <laughs> from my point of view, Robert <laughs> Williams is evil. Well, then you are lost. <laughs> oh, only a man moving in on Sally Field deals in absolutes. Uh, then I must. <laughs> I will do what I must. <laughs> you will try. Ah, I loved you, Pierce. You were a brother to me, Pierce. This is where you actually needed Robin Williams standing up as Mr. Brother. You turned her against me. <laughs> you have done that yourself. Uh, you will not take her from me. I still can never just not think of that this scene and think of the Jimmy Fallon skin. You got barbecue <laughs> sauce on my robe. You have done that yourself, Anakin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that that meme. There's so many memes with the Star Wars though, but like the the one that's like that scene where it's like it's because of Obi Wan, right? You're in love with him, and then it's like she's like, no, I swear I'm not, and then you cut to Obi Wan the ramp. It's like, but how could you not be? He's so dashing and handsome. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually I watched it was like random Instagram reel where it was like a behind the scenes one of you and McGregor talking about Star Wars. And he was talking about like how, you know, they would film a scene then they would go and like, you know, do all the special effects and they'd come back and watch it to see if they match up. And the, the sequence when uh, they're escaping Naboo and they've got like when, you know, uh, R2-D2 is like out in the ship repairing the ship and all the droids are getting destroyed. They showed the original sequence of them like in the cockpit and there's no emotion. Like the captain guy is just basically like, oh, we're getting hit. Oh no, we've lost the droid. So like you and McGregor's like, yeah, we had to go back and refilm that scene because there was no emotion and it did not fit with the action of that sequence. Which yeah. I don't know if you ever saw that. But um, so at the pool, so Robert Williams gets angry, throws a what is it, a lime in his head or something like that. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I saw it. It was a run by Frutera terrorist activity. Run that way. And this is where we get that great like Pierce Brosnan face where he's like, mm. like just oh, want to throttle this woman. Um. But and I love it when he sits down and he's like, huh, loser, like doing it in like his Robin Williams voice. Yeah. And Gerald yeah, yeah. here at the bar sees like, what are you looking at? Like, <laughs> wouldn't he tell Pierce Brosnan? Yeah. Like, that's a bit of a plot hole. Like, he knows him. Like, as they're leaving, like, hey, Pierce, like, that woman, I think it's a man. <laughs> 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 like, I saw him trying to pick up this hot blonde chick at the bar and then he's called like, a loser. I saw him throw the fruit. Like, if anything, like, I mean, you know, a bit of a plot hole there. Uh, this is where we get Robin Williams now doing his audition to be the dino host with the uh, I eat wood. Da, 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 da. I'm a raptor, gonna do what I can. <laughs> uh, it's it's funny. It's like can't go on. It's the king. Da, 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 da. <laughs> can't go on. Can't go on. I need to lay down. <laughs> Uh, so Mr. Lundy sees him and he's like, that's very good. That's very funny. Uh, how about you have a meeting with me next Friday at seven o'clock at my favorite restaurant, Bridges. Now is Bridges a real restaurant? Cause I want to eat here too. Um, look it up for me, Colin. Um, so it's kind of like, oh, okay, that's a good thing. He's in with the shot. He's going to be on TV. Meanwhile, uh, Robin Williams. Oh, we do have the, the, I guess a, another scene of them being at home. Don't we? 
uh, sort of he's been cooking for them. He's got uh, spaghetti bolognese um, and he's cleaned his house. I love the line what Sally Field says is like, oh, got yourself a cleaner, did you? He's like, no, I did this myself. Men can clean too, Sally Field. <laughs> Sexist. Um, my, my apartment, I cleaned it yesterday, spotless. I don't have, I've not had a woman in this house in seven months. So <laughs> <laughs> clearly that is the case for me. Um, but this is sort of, uh, where Robin Williams again, is trying to be all like, Hey, like, you know, I've gotten better at life. So how about I look after the kids? And she's like, I can't find Mrs. Doubtfire. I come home every day from school. Chris is doing well in school. Screw you, Robin Williams. Uh, so then she leaves. And this is sort of setting up the big final part of the movie because we've got a scene with Sally Field being all like, oh, Pierce Brosnan's taking me out for my birthday. Uh, you know, I'm so happy. Which dress should I wear? The slutty red one or the slutty black one? And Rob Williams like, no, you look like a slut. Wear this instead. I wore that to my aunt's funeral. Well, then you should wear the black one. 1976. <laughs> Which I'm trying to work I that out. Well, well, what? Like whether he would have known her in 70s or why no, she well, still has it? No, they've been together for 14 years. So like I worked that out that they would have met like well, when 15. they would... They would have been known, you know, they would have known each other because what Pierce Brosnan says he's pushing 40. You've got to imagine yeah. Robin Williams and Sally Field are late 30s. So 14 years, they got together early 20s. So then she wore this dress as like a 21-year-old, a 22-year-old, I guess. Like, I was just thinking, like, <laughs> oh, was she a funeral. child when she wore this? Like, that's what I was trying to think of. It's a pop- oh, even for the ages. Yeah. Um, but uh, this is where we find out that Oh, I'm going out for my birthday. And you have to come, Robin Williams, even though I don't know you're Robin Williams, to Bridges, my favourite restaurant, on Friday night at 7.30pm. Oh, I can't do that, dear. I've, I've got to go to Bingo. It's my night at the rectory. Oh, you simply have to... And this is another Mara Wilson line. You simply have to come, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. That one's bad. Oh, it just makes me cringe. So then he's all like, oh, okay, I'll come. To which he's all of a sudden goes into um, Mr. Lundy's secretary... Oh, I have to postpone. Oh, he's booked solid for two months. Want my advice? Don't cancel. So that's going to set up the ending of this movie. Covered a lot there. But is Bridges a real restaurant, Colin? It is. So you and I could go to Bridges in Danville, California and eat there where they do have a, uh, not a poke salmon uh, (laughs) on the menu, (laughs) but they do, they do have salmon on the menu. Uh, and the most exciting one is stir-fried Mexican prawns with Thai red curry sauce. What about jambalaya? Uh, you can tell Not them jambalaya. The pe- <laughs> Not jambalaya, but they do have prawns, and you can tell them to hold the pepper. Uh, it's actually quite affordable. I mean, their their main courses, uh, the most expensive one here is like 35 bucks. There's a 49 here, which is grilled ribeye steak with truffle butter. Oh, yeah. Uh, here we go. The roast roasted Atlantic salmon is only $31. Comes with... Garbanzos, English peas, local corn, and other dried tomatoes. I'm guessing that's what Mrs. Doubtfire is eating. A kid's uh, fried chicken tenders meal for only 11 bucks. Wow. Um, it actually looks pretty good here. So, yes, let's go. Um, yeah, uh, first of all, the uh, the first meeting with the, the court liaison. Uh, now, this one he totally did forget because she does say, oh, it's Monday or whatever. And, like, it's obviously slipped his mind. But I love when he's going in here and... Uh, He's he's in the other room talking, like you know, pretending that he's well when he's getting changed. And he says, uh, "I I uh, need to keep you abreast of the changes in my career. They have been two very big changes, in fact. Uh, all all this the lines while he's taking he's his top off. It's like I'm a new, like I don't even feel like a man anymore. Or a totally new man, yeah, yeah. Uh, but like these pervy kids, so <laughs> it's not the fact they're looking at him like sick mom." 
Uh, now, to be honest, if I saw this, I'd probably get a little bit freaked out too. I'd get freaked out now. It has nothing to do with being judgmental. It's just, oh, I didn't expect to see that. But it's the fact that they're looking and laughing when from their point of view at first, all they're seeing is a guy take off his clothes. Why are you still looking? Like if I'm looking across the window and I see my neighbor with the very hairy ch everything taking his clothes off, I'm not gonna be like, hey, come check this out. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, that's where I would be like sick. Like, I don't want to look at this. I'm not huge on friends. Maybe they guy. Know, like The naked guy, across, well, that that's why they get grossed out when they think it's a woman. But like, yeah, the naked guy on friends, like, isn't that a oh, thing too? Like, you see, um, like, ugly naked guy. Yeah. Yeah. The, you see, you see hairy naked neighbor taking his clothes off before you even see the woman's suit. You're probably still going to be like, oh, look away. But these pervy kids are just disgusting. <laughs> Perverts. He's so <laughs> speechless. Calling it, ugh, disgusting. Oh, just grossing me out. They're disgusting. Uh, uh yeah, the um the the whole sequence here with the the court liaison is just this has to be Robin Williams doing a lot of improv here. Like not just with the the lights melting. <laughs> that 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 hello, that's the first time we hear it, which is like everybody knows the hello, hello, right? I bet you even that was improv uh for Robin Williams part. But yeah, like this lady where she's drinking it or or you know, putting still drinking the tea when it's in here. It's like that. that it was her sweat that was melting that off. Yeah. She said it was melting, so this sweat makes. It, uh, but then I love where she rubs it on her eye, like. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, that's the last time we see the, her, isn't it? We don't see her again from that point. Uh, Julie, I'm trying to think. I don't think we. No, do. you're right. It is the last time. Yeah, yeah. I think. But Although, again, I, wonder... I think there's a deleted scene. I'm pretty sure I remember there being another, like on the DVD, that there was another Mrs. Selner Robin Williams scene. I'm pretty sure. That there, there is no clue as to who the court liaison is that has to supervise him later on, who's judging him. Yeah, I doubt it would be Mrs. Selner, but who knows? Maybe. Um, yeah, like the first day where he's watching the kids here and everything, where uh, he, he tells uh, the, the upstairs, my little nose miners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many great like Mrs. Delphire lines. The greatest thing about Robin Williams' performance in this movie is that you forget it's Robin Williams half the time. Yeah, and some of these jokes play because you're like, oh, that's Robin Williams as a guy pretending to be a woman. And then there's other jokes that just play like little nose minors where you're like, oh, that would be like, you know, funny, kind of funny, old, proper English lady where this movie is just about a funny, proper, like it's it's uh, Mary Poppins with, you know, an older English lady. And then the humor still works, but like you, you, you forget which ones are, it's funny because it's Robin Williams as a man dressing as a woman. And then the ones where it's like, it's funny because this is Mrs. Doubtfire. It's just, it's so effortless the way that he knows without changing his performance, how the audience is supposed to be perceiving it, whether perceiving it as him as a man dressed as a woman or him as a woman. And just those are those great movies. I think we talked about it back during Face Off, but like, it's sort of, it's those movies where clearly somebody's playing somebody else, but you are picturing them as a different character. And I think like, I, like I talked about in Face Off, I love those movies where kind of people swap bodies, like Freaky Friday and those sort of movies. But like, even again, like in, it's I don't know how much of a Freaky Friday fan you are, but like the fact that I love like in that movie, you legitimately see Lindsay Lohan as Jamie Lee Curtis and Jamie Lee Curtis as Lindsay Lohan. Like you, yeah. you get to that point in the movie where you're not seeing them. You know that it's just an actor pretending, but it's like it's Face Off is a classic example of that. We're seeing Nicolas Cage as John Travolta and John Travolta, and we just believe they're each oh. other. So I think you're right. Or Mention it again, Tim Allen, the shaggy dog. You believe the dog is Tim Allen? You believe I've Tim Allen's the dog? I've seen the shaggy dog. <laughs> I will put it on my list. I've been dying to see the shaggy dog. 
It is not the worst movie Tim Allen ever made, but it's definitely not the what best. What is the worst movie uh, he ever made? And it better not be um, For Richer or Poorer. That's a good well, movie. Well, I'm not a huge fan of For Richer or Poorer. Um, you know, it might actually be For Richer or Poorer. You leave Kirstie Alley alone. Her body's not even cold. And again, like, I, I don't even mind For Richer or Poorer that much. There, There is one. This is not a bad movie, but a lot of people said it was. Um, it, it was, uh, I probably mentioned when we did the Santa Claus recaps. It was, it was, uh, was it El Camino? It was also called El Camino. Uh, but El Camino Christmas, no connection with the other El Camino, but it's like this ensemble movie that takes place on Christmas. And Tim Allen just plays like a drunk who's estranged from his son. And like, you could just imagine that this was like the alternate universe of the Santa Claus where, you know, he didn't become Santa Claus. Uh, I'm trying to find here. So the six wives of Henry LaFay, that one wasn't too good. Um, Wild Hogs is one of his best movies. There we go. Uh, Christmas of the Cranks is decent. Shaggy Dog, uh, Big Trouble's great. Joe Somebody's great. Yeah, a, it might be for Richard Poor. Did they make a second Wild Hogs? They did, didn't they? No, no, they didn't. That that was one of those movies that was in development for a long time, and there's no reason why it was ever canceled because the first Wild Hogs was like enormous, Huge. like it was like hundreds of millions of dollars. Bad reviews, but it was it did well. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that. like the public loved it, and you had four guys in that movie that. We're not quite at the height of it. It was like expendables for comedy, you know? So these guys, it wasn't like we're going to have to pay them each $20 million to do this movie. So it's always been a mystery why Wild Hogs 2 was canceled by Disney. Um, but yeah, I'm going to say that for Richard Poor might be the worst movie too. Tim have you seen, do you do you know about the Morgans, the the modern uptake version of uh, for, for oh, Richard I, for Poorer? I tried to watch that one and I couldn't even finish it. It was so bad. I think, it, like it's, I think for Richard Poor is better, but I still think again, it's, it's, Hugh Jackman, uh, Hugh Grant in a horse. Like, it's not bad. <laughs> hey, you may, I haven't seen For Richard Poor since the 90s, so I might actually love it if I watch it now. When we do Christy Alley Month, I'm sure we'll get there. Oh. Um, yeah, but, like, the, the way that he so effortlessly slips in and out of this character, like, apparently even his wife said when he would be on set as Mrs. Delphire, he would stay in character. And it's one thing to say you're staying in character as a joke, like, oh, this is going to be really funny. But like he would stay in character and actually have conversations with people as Mrs. Delphire. And she would be talking to Mrs. Delphire and be like, I have to remember this is my husband at times. Cause it's like, he was so into this character. Uh, the one trivia thing, which uh, I think most people have heard about now that he wanted to find out that this makeup was going to be convincing. So he went into a porn shop as uh, Mrs. Delphire. I think to I read see that if recognize him. Yeah. Yeah. Which somehow fits with the Mrs. Delphire in this movie. Like she'd totally be a porn hound, right? And he didn't get recognized, uh, did he? You didn't know. And that's when he's like, okay, this makeup works. Uh, and it really does. Like the makeup is, I, I'm not even joking when I say you release this movie now and it probably still wins the Oscar for best makeup. Mm. Uh, you know, the dude looks like a lady. Are you a big Aerosmith fan? They're fine. I like, I don't want to miss a thing. Good song. I, I actually became a huge Aerosmith fan in nineties, mostly because of two movies, because of Ace Ventura and Mrs. Doubtfire, because there's that uh, song, what is it, Line Up in Ace Ventura yeah. 1, is it? Yeah, where he's tackling the, the guys in the track. Yeah. Uh, and then this song was like the same year, basically, when I saw these. And I'm like, oh, it's the same band. And then I started like listening to a bunch of Aerosmith Jamie's stuff on the radio. has got a gun. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was all the ones with Alicia Silverstone, all those videos. Yeah. Um, well, Janie's got a gun. has got um, Liv Tyler. In it. Well, that, he's daughter. No, that, no, that was crazy. Crazy oh, was crazy. the one with Liv Tyler and, and then, Alicia Silverstone. And then the, the freaky bit of uh, Don't Want to Miss a Thing where they like they recut Steve Tyler into the scenes when Liv Tyler's like stroking Ben Affleck or Bruce Willis' oh. face. <laughs> it's like, that's your father, Liv Tyler, <laughs> who's not in the Matrix. Not in the Matrix. Definitely not in the Matrix. But she's coming back, uh, or is she already back in this Marvel, um, oh. the Captain, new Captain America movie that Harrison Ford's 
Harrison Ford is recast William Hurt's role from the Hulk. Oh. And Liv Tyler is coming back as the same character from the Hulk. Oh, that's right, because she, oh, I forgot that she was in that movie. I was about to say, yeah. what happened to her? But that's, you're right, yeah, the underrated Hulk movie that everybody forgets about. Yeah, exactly. Good um, for her. Yeah, is so Edward first, Norton coming back? No, not him. Although I, I heard that he was actually close uh, recently. I don't know if it was for... It, one of these days, they're going to have Eric Banner and him. They'll yeah, they'll they'll do a an alternate. I mean, breaking and, news: Jennifer Garner's coming back. Yeah, Electra. <laughs> and actually, I, I, apparently, there was because I that makes sense because there were rumors that Ben Affleck was spotted on set uh, to reprise Daredevil. So yeah. th- that I, makes sense if they've got Electra, if they've got Jennifer Garner. Yeah, and we already know that like that's going to be like the Spider-Man No Way Home, but it's going to be for all the forgotten marvel thing all of the the fox marvel characters so eric ben is coming back be. basically we'll probably get eric banner well i think was Femke that jansen it's Femke jansen it's Femke jansen coming back she already came back um uh I'm, I'm trying to remember was it the end of one of the x-men movies and then it was also in one of the wolverine movies so i mean they've they've used her several times but like that- she She's technically dead, but then they brought her back to life. Like, it's very confusing with her character. But that would be awesome. Like, I'm just thinking, like, because, again, half of them are trash. But does that mean, like, they're surely going to, like, poke fun at DC and have him as, like, Green Lantern somehow, like, doing some little yeah. silly thing <laughs> with that? But, like, um, can, does that mean that we get, like, Jessica Alba and freaking uh, oh, yeah. Chris Pine coming Chris back? Chris Evans. Chris Evans. Wrong, Chris. Coming back as what his face, and then did we get Kate Maron, like, ripping into that terrible Fantastic yeah. Four? That's funny. Oh, does man. Julie we- McMahon? Michael B. Well, Michael B. Jordan, we already know like he, he's come back as this one Marvel character, but we got to see some type of play on that where he mm. shows up and he's not Killmonger, but he's the Human Torch in the same scene with Chris Evans as Human Torch. I, I want to see Julian McMahon back as Doctor Doom. Like, come on. Oh, he was so good in that movie. He was, I, wasn't he? Wasn't excited for anything about that movie until I saw it. That movie's underrated. Anyways, yeah, Mrs. Delphire. So, yes, Aerosmith, uh, good band in the 90s. Uh, good band in the 70s, 80s, 90s, still today, I'm Not sure. too much in the 2000s. Uh, yeah, well, I think they're doing, like, the retirement tour now or something. I think it's Kiss. They're all the same. Well, Kiss's annual retirement tour for Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely the last time. And the for tour. the last time, our last time tour. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the first meeting with Pierce Brosnan where, uh, where what is it? He says, oh, the accent's kind of muddled. Goes, oh, well, so's your tan. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, then the whole lifelong celibacy thing, the way she's looking, like, really? Uh, and, and I think this is uh, where the, the kids come in. It's like, well, who did this to you? It was Uncle Frank and Aunt Jack. Like, that scene's great. But this is, so this is one of the plot holes in the movie. So when... Matthew Lawrence walks in and sees him in the bathroom, standing up, going. And he even comes out, and you see him kind of like zipping himself up and putting the, the dress down. Every other time we see him change in and out of the suit, it is a full body suit that he has to take off from the neck down. And point. the one time at the end of the movie where he unzips, he unzips at the back, but again, he still has to pull it down from the top. Though, So there's no way he's going unless he like a- slit a hole in there or I was something. Say, there could be a pay flap. That you don't maybe see. maybe they have that built in, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's just a minor thing. Matthew Lawrence, so it, it actually remember I, I said I'm not sure it was a movie or he was in the media, so he is in the media for two things uh recently with him. What did he one, do? <laughs> one, he 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 just started dating Chili, the C from TLC. Uh so good for you, Matthew Lawrence. Dating I was the like, C from TLC. The restaurant chain? Uh. <laughs> Wow. Well, who you see nowadays? C. What do you mean? The C from TLC. <laughs> well, that why hasn't that made the news? 
Mrs. Doubtfire's <laughs> Matthew Lawrence and the C from TLC. <laughs> but the second thing, this was very recent. This is what it, what the news story was with him. Uh, he basically revealed on a podcast that he was sexually harassed by a director from a Marvel production, oh. and he was fired by his agency. Uh, so basically, there's a whole situation where he was sexually harassed by somebody who directed a Marvel. I'm sure it was James Gunn. It must be James Gunn because he's DC now, not Marvel. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the agency basically fired. I don't know if this is saying Matthew Lawrence was fired by his agency or that he got the director fired because he said this guy's sexually harassing. Matthew Lawrence was me too uh, Let's just take a guess. It, it, it's it's got to be Joss Whedon, right? <laughs> it's going to be a Marvel oh, director, he's, Joss he's, Whedon. His name's already in the toilet, right? John Favreau. I mean, you know. Uh, Taika Waititi? Yeah, well, you know what he's like with Rita Ora. But he would have married um, him, though, because at least like, he's yeah. he had a threesome, had a threesome. and got married. <laughs> but now it's a foursome. He's got Tessa Thompson, Rita Ora, and Matthew Lawrence in there. Oh. He was the fourth guy. He just walked out, and that's why it became a threesome. <laughs> God, what a, what a man. Uh, but actually, this is the one scene where I actually really like Matthew Lawrence in it. And there's something that isn't quite... Um, probably a reason why they don't keep in the movie because it would have made a lot darker but when you were mentioning like some of the deleted scenes i was flipping through there's 32 minutes of deleted scenes you can find on youtube from this movie there's a lot of material to cut out a lot of that alternate takes but one deleted scene on the end of the movie which we'll talk about which uh does bring it back to this a little bit but this movie doesn't really get too in depth into how messed up these kids are going to be in the future uh now they're messed up for one matthew lawrence especially like his mom just asked for a divorce and his parents split up on his birthday. And I know he has that line, which the line bothers you. It's all my fault. And right there, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I get it. This kid would be messed up by this. But he says, I should have never had a birthday. Like, you should have never been born or you should have just sworn off birthdays. Like which one? That? But that idea of this all happened on my birthday, this would scar the kid for life. And then you find out that your dad has been posing as a 60-year-old woman and, and and even Sally Field's reaction where it's like, you were lying to me and you made me disclose personal things. All of these kids are going to be a little bit messed up from this. Yeah. Uh, but there is a, a, the deleted scene, which actually takes place uh, very late in the movie, uh, would have gotten into this a lot more about how this impacted the kids. We don't get a lot of it, but Matthew Lawrence, you get a little bit of it here. Not where he's like, uh, oh, he's got everything. Uh, but the scene where he's like, no, I don't want to hug you. Just not right now. Like, this is a kid who needs to take it all in. So uh, that that's pretty good. Uh, but these are the two forgettable kids for me in the movie. I mean, uh, there's nothing wrong with them, but they're just there, you know? Like, I, I don't think I ever Lydia. hated them. She's okay. Well, you liked her for a different reason. But uh, they're, they're just, they, they're there. They serve their purpose. They're not annoying. She's they're Canadian, Colin. Is she actually Canadian? Yeah, she's from Toronto. Well, then there you go. She's great. I love her in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and you want to go to her no website? C- her website is hellolisajacob.com. <laughs> she, she's no C from TLC, but she'll do. Uh, <laughs> she's the L in TLC. <laughs> the L is dead. So there you go. Oh, she's I the new L. I'm sorry. <laughs> keep up with my no, TLC. She's the new news. L. There you go. The L, the L is uh, an open position right now. Oh. We're recruiting a new L. Lisa, so just, you'll do. So they're just TC. They're just terms and they're conditions. Technically t- they're technically TC now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, keeping the L for um, marketing reasons. Uh, yeah. But I mean, that, that scene's still really good with the kids. Like, like you, you feel for all of them. You actually feel really beautician and the beast. Sorry. Lisa Jack. Yeah, was in, that's right. Remember she was in something. Else. <laughs> Timothy <laughs> Dalton's beautician and the beast. <laughs> she had three movies. So she was, oh, she's two James Bonds. She's well, there you go. She's, she's doing, well, she's the daughter of Sally Field and Robin Williams. 
Well, her stepdad will be Future Pierce stepdaughter. Brosnan. Uh, her dad is Timothy Dalton, and her dad in Independence Day is Randy Quaid. I mean, yeah, can't complain. Good, good father. Might as well have been James Bond. Yeah, <laughs> uh, she played yeah, Princess this- Leia. Oh, the inspiration for Princess Leia in the short film George Lucas in Love. There you go. How is she the inspiration for Princess Leia in a short film? No, <laughs> George I, Lucas in Love. I, I think I think it was like they obviously made a film about George Lucas. Oh, that was that short film, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it and was she, like a short film. She played the character that obviously George Lucas was inspired to. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, because I remember that. I, that was like a short film, but like a lot of people talked about because like this is a fictional thing about what what could have like a love story involving George Lucas been if a love story drove him to write Star Wars or something like that. Maybe we'll cover it one day. Oh, and uh, she, yeah, this, this, oh she was in, sorry. She was in a movie with Al Borland. She was in a, oh. a picture. I thought this was, a, wasn't there a Jennifer Aniston movie called Picture Perfect? But this is a made for TV movie called Picture Perfect 1995 starring Richard Kahn. So. Wow. <laughs> she's she the everyone. luckiest woman in Hollywood. She's she's the, the teenage Wendy Crewson. Oh. She's had them all. And Canadian. <laughs> this is a Canadian thing. And all Canadian. the Canadian women get everyone. There we go. She's a new hero. We got to get her on the show. We could probably get one of these kids on the show, right? Oh, I don't Maybe not Matthew Lawrence now. Lisa, I mean, according to our book, you've got a website about books, events, podcast, yoga, veterans, blog, contact. There we go. We could say, hey, we can be one more thing for you to put on your podcast section of your website. Sid charge. <laughs> she's definitely charged. She's not doing anything. She's in charge. No, she's got her own podcast. <laughs> she's got her own podcast called Embrace Your Weird. There you go. So Matthew Lawrence and her and Mar Wilson, all three of them have their own podcast now. Well, she hasn't actually done an episode since 2021, but come on, Lisa <laughs> Jacob, get on board you. Embrace your weird. Uh yeah, this Mr. Sprinkles guy is so good. Uh, not just because of the herbivorous and carnivore, but then there's one part which I think is just sort of in the background where he's mentioning two dinosaur names. Uh, let's just come up with it. Uh, Sukumimus and Baryonyx, right? So he's like, Sukumimus, Baryonyx. Sukumimus, <laughs> Baryonyx. <laughs> he goes back and forth like that. Um, the the boss here, Rob Prosky, I remember he played um character on The Practice, which is one of my favorite, made my top 50 favorite TV shows. We played like um, uh, th- this priest. He was like a pretty recurring character on that. But yeah, this is one of those guys who's been in everything. But this is always the thing I remember him from too. Um, and last action uh, the- hero. He's the, uh, the the cinema attendee, the one who gives the ticket to a uh, little Austin. Austin. Uh, oh yeah, he's yeah. he's the golden ticket uh, usher. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't know if I have anything else to add here. The scene uh, with um, uh, the, the she finds out like oh, and he had an older woman living there. The part where Sally Field says, apparently she was older and very unattractive. That's the part where Robin Williams gets like insulted. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was beautiful. Um, There's a bus and, driver and then, who would disagree. And, and then the, uh, the, the part where she starts telling the story about uh, uh, God rest the soul for Winston, which says, holding this cold di- meat reminds me of my dead Winston. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> and even it refers to him as being what is like like a limp noodle in the the sack or yeah. something like that. What was that? Something like Can't that. Can't remember a metaphor for how bad Winston was in bed. Uh, yeah, the the pool scene is is iconic. I mean, this is probably the most famous scene in the movie. The the entire pool sequence, but especially that that run by fruiting, like that is the scene that everybody remembers from this movie. And it was my mom's favorite scene for different reasons. <laughs> she she would always talk up this scene and, and never complain if we were watching the movie for the 10th time. That's how you get She'd Pierce Brosnan's attention, by the way. That's how uh, the broccoli's got him. Like, Pierce, will you be James Bond? 
<laughs> it was a run by fruity. <laughs> oh, I'd be delighted, Barbara. <laughs> but yeah, I thought the same thing. Like uh, this scene, you're meant to think he's a jerk. And I, I could see them turn this around. But I remember even watching this. I don't remember watching this movie the first time. The only thing I really do remember is when this scene was playing where he's like, oh, oh, who's this? And you see Mrs. Doubtfire kind of listening in. Even as a kid thinking, oh, I know where this is going. He's going to say something and you're going to realize he's bad. But then it doesn't go that direction. And to me, that's what saves the movie. So I'm glad that they, this being the original idea, they changed it back later on because this is, it feels realistic. It feels like even he, he gives his motive here. I'm pushing 40 and it's not saying like, ah, you know, I got, he's saying I got to grow up sometime. And in a way, this is why she's falling for Pierce Brosnan because where she's been complaining that Robin Williams was the guy who never wanted to grow up. Pierce Brosnan has obviously changed and he's a guy who's wanting to grow up. So you actually get, you understand her falling for Pierce Brosnan for more than just his beautiful physique and beautiful face and beautiful everything else. Uh, because he is basically epitomizing everything that her husband isn't. Other than the fact that like, they both really like the kids. And I, I always remember even as a kid being like, wow, I didn't see that coming. Like that's different. And I like that. And if the studio had gotten their way and they made this your cliched movie, even as a kid, I don't think I like this movie as much. Like it's it's so good the way they do that. Uh, and then yeah, the dress scene uh, where is <laughs> definitely with I wore it to my aunt's funeral in 1976. <laughs> this is why it's important though that you had the the older two Lydia and um, uh, Matthew Lawrence find out that uh, it was the dad because they know why he's asking. Oh, don't you think that this would be better? And she's like, no, definitely the black dress. Because, like, the kids are accepting now this and moving on. So that's really the only reason I could think about why you would need this. Um, but I do love, though, when she's walking away in that scene. It's like, fine. Uh, you ask my <laughs> opinion, you don't take it. I know what I'm not wanted. <laughs> she does, she's a bit snarky and bitchy, Mrs. Doubtfire, sometimes. Which, again, Sally Field just lets her get away with. Yeah. Well, it's a, that's kind of the way you would assume it would be. Like, you have... And that's why this character is so multidimensional. Because you could just have this be... The proper Mary Poppins, but even like Mary Poppins is like Mary Poppins has got a dark side. Like she's she's a little bit weird at times and a little bit disturbing. She flies but... into a house on an umbrella. <laughs> I think there's a bit more to weirdness around. That was a man <laughs> get shot. But and it's like get away from the children. <laughs> this is like a, that uh, classic movie trope where Willy Wonka. People are like, oh, Willy Wonka is like, well, no, Willy Wonka has always been weird. Okay, kid murder. Uh, but Mrs. Delphire has that thing where it's like it's realistic that you would meet somebody like this. And Sally feels not caught off guard where she starts asking her sex questions. She just accepts this old lady has a dirty side to her. And I'm going to accept that. And that's one of the things that's so great about this movie. And it's also that going back to my point about the chemistry and like this being a different character, even though it's the same man, there is chemistry yeah. between Sally Field and Mrs. Doubtfire. It's great chemistry. Yeah. Like, whereas, you know, again, it's the same actor. It's just, it's just done so well. But again, I think you, you sell it so well just with those points about it not being a cliche because at the end of the day, like, yeah, I can hate on Sally Phil, but everybody is likable in this film almost and redeemable and they're all just trying their best. And this is where I think it fits into that level of this should have been an Oscar-nominated movie. Like, it, it's weird how I brought up that I always got confused between this and Beethoven. Like, David Duchovny's in one and Piers Brosnan's in the other. And, like, mm. it's been a long time since I've seen Beethoven. I used to love it, though. But I do remember, like, David Duchovny is very villainous and cartoony because he wants to, like, steal the dog or something. And there's a sequence with him and the woman getting dragged around a lawn on a chair because you are meant to hate them. It's a kid's film and fuck David Duchovny. I would. Um, but it's... he's just, uh, We've established he's a singer as well, right? He's got music and he writes books. So he does more than act. You like David Duchovny already. Um, 
But like everybody in this film, like they're not really unlikable with those cliches, and well, it just it would fit. Like it, I almost sell this as more as a drama than a comedy. Like it's it's. I think if you would have percentage this, it's like fifty five percent drama, forty five percent comedy. Yeah, well, I, I think it's uh, it's Robin Williams' performance that makes this this with Tim Allen, I think, or anybody else would probably be more comedy. But the way that he plays Mrs. Doubtfire is so sincere that like you laugh, but you don't laugh the same way you laugh when Robin Williams is doing the voices or the impressions or dancing on a table. Uh, he it's it's so bizarre that in a movie where he is playing a six year old woman, this might be the most subdued performance of Robin Williams' career. Yeah, and I think that's where it comes across a little bit more of a drama. Uh, than just a flat-out comedy because there are funny scenes in this movie that you take a little bit more seriously because you're looking at a very serious older lady. And I think it's actually kind of convenient that we're doing this followed by The Truman Show because yeah. similar, but like I, I would argue that Truman Show is 80% drama, 20% comedy. And this is where you're not going to shut me up next week defending Jim Carrey in that film and the robbed nature that he was of not even getting a nomination for Best Actor at the Oscars because... I think that's a similar thing what you say, like Jim Carrey is Jim Carrey. And that was peak Jim Carrey in the 90s when he was crazy, crazy Jim Carrey, like hilarious, can't keep the guy controlled. He is so controlled in that film. And you think of the funny scenes in the Truman Show, they're not like hilarious Jim Carrey moments. They're just subtle little Jim Carrey moments that make it funny because it's Jim Carrey. Yeah. Um, and just, what's, oh. diff- what's-, what's different though, where Robin Williams, even in 1987, coming off of the same type of career as Jim Carrey, not an actor, just a comedian, very outlandish, very over the top. His early roles were nothing you would take seriously. Robin Williams gets nominated for an Oscar for Good Morning Vietnam. Two years later, he gets nominated again for um, Dead Poet Society. Two years later, he gets nominated again for The Fisher King. He's got three Oscar nominations doing dramas, all of which have that little bit of comedy and yet Jim Carrey can't I, do it. I think, yeah, we'll talk about that next week. But, I mean, there's always been controversy around that. I think the key difference is, is that Jim Carrey was so, like, I don't think he ever done anything dramatic until Man on the Moon. And even then, that was a bit silly. And Truman Show was kind of his real first one. So a lot of people were like, the Oscars were snub, snobs. Because, yeah. you know, like, they, they, like, he famously, I think, on his Golden Globe speech said, like, oh, I'm so glad I got this without talking out of my ass for once or something like that. And I think... <laughs> And they will always say that even his Golden Globe speech was like a bit like silly and just Jim Carrey. So I think people a lot of say they snobbed him for that. And I think kind of, I I think that was a real kicker for Jim Carrey that from that point on, when he got snubbed, he changed a lot of his direction into the 2000s. And until like Sonic, he kind of went into obscurity and was doing like shitty little independent films that no one even realized existed. his comedies weren't up to par and his dramas weren't up to par because it was like he was trying too hard to maintain two audiences for a long time. And I, I will I will argue to the death that this guy is owed an Oscar. Um, and we'll get to that next week. Anyway, but like, yeah, you're right. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a good comparison. I just, I also don't know if maybe Robin Williams was always loved and like as loved as Jim Carrey is, he does have haters, whereas I don't really know if there are Robin Williams haters. I've never mm. really heard of Robin Williams haters before. I mean, before. He, he, he made... A success for himself in the 70s where Mork and Mindy was far from the most ridiculous thing on TV, you know? Yeah. And everybody was stoned out of their mind in the 70s. Yeah. I think that's probably another difference. People were more sober in the 90s. Yeah, whereas Jim Carrey what got famous because he was the token white guy in a, you know, a very forward-thinking yeah. uh, black show. And who was the most famous out of that? The white guy. Racist. The white guy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like, we will not nominate Jim Carrey for an Oscar until one of the Wayans has gotten an Oscar. Oh, don't get me sad on the Wayans. Come on, white chicks. Um... <laughs> So we're at Bridges Restaurant. 
Um, the, the big climax here. Climax. Um, I just always love this. was always like my favorite sequence of the entire movie as a kid. Uh, so they show up to the restaurant. I love kind of how you hear Mrs. Doubtfire even still saying to like, like slut shaming Sally Field, like, no, should you cover your shoulders? <laughs> <laughs> but wouldn't this just be like a 60 year old woman just in general? Yeah, true. That's why I think it works. Uh, and then Mrs. Like we see Mr. Lundy shows up in front of them. And it's like, I love the maitre d'. And the maitre d' is maybe my favorite, most random character in this movie. I love the 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 bus driver. I love the uh, the waiter kid. But I love this guy. It's like, snooty little maitre d'. It's like, hello, welcome to Bridges. So, Mr. Lundy, we've got your table for you all ready to go. Uh, smoking or no smoking? Which, why does he have his table ready for him if he asks smoking or no smoking? I know. Does he well, have what two if, what tables if one reserved? Fills up. Yeah. And like, is he like, if he's a regular, they know who he is. Smoking or no smoking? Oh, I started smoking this week, actually, that you asked me. Thanks, Frank. <laughs> puff away. Very 90s that you had to ask smoking or no smoking. Um, so, but you're right. They have a reservation. So yeah. do you reserve two tables? He knows who he is. <laughs> Santa. Welcome. No, it's Mr. Lundy. We often get confused. Uh, so when they go then to the uh, reservation for for Pierce and the gang, oh, smoking or no smoking? Oh, no smoking. Smoking! Smoking. This is a doubtfire. You don't smoke. It's like, oh, but I used to. I used to, dear. And oh, I just, I need to, I need to sell the nicotine to stay. Right. And I love this matter of day. It's looking at his watch, going, oh, here we go. Family drama again. And as they go to walk off to like sit down, I love it when she's like, she says, Mrs. Doubtfire's like, oh, thank you for keeping an old lady entertained. <laughs> like, oh, yes. All right. Thank when you. He said, what does she say to Pierce Brosnan? It's like, oh, you're putting your health at risk for me. Thank you. <laughs> really appreciate Put yourself in harm's way <laughs> but i love it there's so like they're sitting down and then uh you got this like waitress is like oh let me take you no no i've got the kettle all right then gets to go get the bag drop it it's like oh <laughs> oh sorry i haven't taken my medication oh let me go to the take my medication <laughs> so she rings up like the the major team is like oh yes hello it's uh daniel hillard here is mr lundy there can you please tell him that i'm running a bit late i'm in traffic <laughs> he's major D. i'll deliver the message personally sir <laughs> love him. Uh, he's such a little brown nose i love the rich people <laughs> oh i love this guy so much um so this is where we get the scene when the the birthday present is delivered it's a big fancy bracelet. Uh, so she's going to go to the bathroom with a uh, little, little Mara Wilson. I want to go to the bathroom. Take Mrs. Doubtfire. No, I go myself. And then uh, Mrs. Doubtfire is basically like, hey, Liddy and Matthew Lawrence, go look at the dessert tray. <laughs> Love this sequence. So the, the round table I watched with Pierce Brosnan and the children, basically he's like talking about the fact that this was like the first thing they filmed, like this whole restaurant sequence. And that they essentially had to kick the children off set for this scene because Pierce Brosnan, like, in his very, like, charming old man voice, is like, oh, and Robin was such a little charmer. And we don't think he realized how dirty this character was. <laughs> so we had to kick the children off the set that day because they couldn't be around this quite obscure and dirty scene. <laughs> such a Pierce Brosnan man. This guy played James Bond. And he's, like, blushing at the fact that they talked about sex. Um, but Christmas only came once a year. <laughs> a woman. I know, not the right James Bond. <laughs> but I just love this whole sequence about like, basically, I'll explain this to Colin because he doesn't get it. So he's like, she's basically going like, oh, a woman, a man giving that doesn't exactly want to just like, you know, take her out for dinner. Oh, you've got competition though. You know, <laughs> a power tool in the top drawer. Yeah. Surprised she hasn't chipped a tooth. 
And just the facial reaction of Pierce Brosnan is so oh, good. so good. And then basically he's like, oh, well, better go to the bathroom, lol. Uh, <laughs> Pierce Brosnan's like, okay. <laughs> um, so Mrs. Doubtfire goes to get changed just as Sally Field's coming out of the bathroom and it's all like, oh, you're about to go in the men's room. Oh, silly me. Oh, the glasses. Oh. Um, and then we get this cool like back and forth sequence where obviously he's like, dressed up into a suit. He shows up to Mr. Lundy, starts getting some scotches into them. Um, and then I do also love the fact that you cut to like Pierce Brosnan and Sally Field. Oh, I wonder where Mrs. Doubtfire is. <laughs> like, it's very like mm-hmm. bit cliche of like, Oh no, golly gee, where have they gone? Um, Pierce, uh, Pierce Brosnan's getting a Pierce Brosnan doesn't get <laughs> drunk. That man doesn't, doesn't consume alcohol like a normal man. He sweats it out and just sucks it up because <laughs> he's Pierce Brosnan. He's never been drunk in his life. He's drunk on attractiveness. <laughs> he walks into a room and everyone gets drunk and he's rugged good look. Drunk on masculinity. <laughs> Six appeal. <laughs> I just walked into a bookstore. There's a picture of Pierce Brosnan on the front cover. Drunk in masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> it's him like this. Like, and, and on his like, you know, like rested palms. Pierce. That's <laughs> a scent Drunk in masculinity The new scent by Pierce Brosnan Either that or like Ice cubes and chest hair <laughs> The autobiography of Pierce Brosnan That's a TLC a song cu- isn't it Ice cubes and chest hair Ice <laughs> cubes and masculinity Pierce Brosnan <laughs> is the man for you That was it wasn't it Was that TLC Was that Chasing Waterfalls yeah, well, that's what you were singing. <laughs> the tunes. <laughs> I used to always think that song was called Jason Waterfalls. I think we talked about this for you. And I, every, once, every time that song comes on, I'll always be like, don't go Jason Waterfall. <laughs> so I'm just thinking of a boys to men song. I'll put masculinity on you when I want you to. I'm Pierce Brosnan. That's the only voice to men song. All their songs sound the same. They all sound like I'll make love to you, don't they? Eat some ice off of me. <laughs> What's that one he did what they did with Mariah Carey? Oh, uh, one sweet day. One sweet Brosnan. Masculinity. <laughs> Oh. Man's oozing it, just dripping from it. He just walks into a that swimming pool was Pierce Brosnan masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> that was empty on the day they filmed that. Like Pierce standing in the pool. <laughs> you know that Boxing Day tsunami? Pierce Brosnan went for a swim in the Indian Ocean that day. <laughs> since then, he hasn't gone swimming in the ocean since. <laughs> They're trying to put out the wildfires in Alberta. They just need to rip Pierce Brosnan up here. Just exude masculinity. <laughs> they squeeze him like a sponge. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Done. You're <laughs> saved, New York. <laughs> you know, deep impact when the tidal wave like comes. It wasn't. Oh, it, yeah. it wasn't a meteorite. Pierce Brosnan <laughs> <laughs> just mopped his brow of some masculinity. Man, <laughs> <laughs> he's so attractive. <laughs> He's just so good-looking. <laughs> Literally never seen any like in my life. I, I I I questioned my sexuality just by even thinking of him. <laughs> There's no such thing as gay with Pierce Brosnan in this world. It's just human nature. 
like little fish like piss. Like it's it's bestiality is okay. Like it's. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I wonder what Marley Wilson <laughs> thought of Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> oh, my God. Even I go there. <laughs> Can we just take a moment to pause and li- reflect that we live in a world where a man that beautiful <laughs> exists? <laughs> you know how Bo Derek was a perfect 10? Yeah. It's a perfect 11, Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm sweating. <laughs> Me too. He's on my wall. There he is. <laughs> I'm over here. Every, every James Bond actor is looking at him. <laughs> this Look is. At the... You're right. This is like the 70s. Every guy had Farrah Fawcett or Bo <laughs> Derek on the wall. We flash forward to 2023. Every guy's got Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> Can you please, I want you for a Christmas present for you and I, go back to Tee Public or whatever the shirt store was. I just want you to find a picture of Pierce Brosnan. Just any picture that's on a T-shirt. I want us wearing Pierce Brosnan T-shirts at some point this year. That's, I'll pay for the shipping. I just, I just, I just. Photoshop a Santa hat on him and a bow (laughs) on his chest, bow right in his chest there. I get the Bo Derek famous 10 poster and put his face and chest there. I don't want Bo Derek's body. It's got boobs and a vagina. Oh my Lord. Oh, what a man. Stop recording and masturbate. We, <laughs> we grew up and became our moms. <laughs> oh, our moms would be so proud of us right now, Colin. Oh, mom's looking down right now. That's my boy. <laughs> oh, I never wanted my son to be gay until he met Pierce Brosnan, Terry. <laughs> if we ever, for whatever reason, it's never going to happen, get Pierce Brosnan on this show, we are playing that clip for him. Like, you are just so attractive. <laughs> well, it's breathtaking. If Natalie Portman and Pierce Brosnan walked into my house right now, I'm telling you who I'm going to bed with, and it's not the one who played Padme. <laughs> it's the song you want to tell me. <laughs> I want Pierce Brosnan in the white outfit from Attack of the Clones. <laughs> I call it aggressive negotiations. <laughs> I want Pierce Brosnan as the L in GLC. You just want it to be called PPP. TPC. TLP. PLC. So Robin Williams has gone to the toilet. Um, (laughs) looking at him now getting like the Heimlich maneuver. And I'm just thinking about what I could do in that position. (laughs) I would be a bottom for Pierce. (laughs) He's not a top. Well, I'm not a top for Pierce. Being a bottom for Pierce, the Ben Waterworth story. Um, Basically, this whole sequence is Robin Williams going between both. He's getting it significantly <laughs> drunker. <laughs> what? <laughs> between both? What? 
<laughs> I can't choose Sally Field Pierce Bronson. Now that I'm here, can I have both? It's like that uh, that meme of the old El Paso out of that little girl. Why not both? <laughs> um, so I love it when he's like drunk Mrs. Doubtfire and he like sits down on the chair and it's like doink. And oh. it's like full of it. And he's, oh, that's maybe the hardest I laugh in the movie every time. <laughs> and when his teeth falls out, it's like, oh, like a pincer. Let's go to but that's what you I, get. apparently that was that was planned but none of the other actors knew it so their reactions are actually like what am i watching is this a mistake there's actually there's a sally field moment when she's like she does like she gets her tongue and she goes out onto her teeth like she's almost like Ooh, like teeth have fallen out but this is like the, the only time i think in the film you ever see sally field almost like annoyed with mrs doubtfire because like yeah. when she keeps like getting up and going around and you eat, like because they eventually they're waiting to order for mrs doubtfire and it's like oh should we start eating oh should we wait for mrs doubtfire like oh no like here she goes um, so I love it then when basically, uh, Robin Williams comes back when he's like one of the times when he's like dressed up as Daniel Hillard and <laughs> Mr. Lundy, Daniel, are you wearing women's perfume? Yes. Yes, I am. Are you wearing women's lipstick? Uh-huh. I am. <laughs> Why in the hell are you are? Oh, my ex, uh, his waitress here, she pulled me in and couldn't keep her hands off me. And then old creepy Mr. Lundy here. Oh, I've got a limo. Does your waiter have another girlfriend? Like, what's that, like a group well, orgy in a limo? Well, it's the 90s. Yeah. No, does your girlfriend have a girlfriend? Well, it is the 90s. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he basically goes off and checks. And eventually he's going to come back accidentally dressed as Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, I was like, why the hell are you dressed as a woman? And I like, it's so, like, I love just the quick thinking that he has. Well... Meet Mrs. Doubtfire, your new um, TV host. Yeah. I'm a hip old granny who knows how to bebop and deed up and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. Um, I should have also mentioned the, the important scene when they're ordering the food. The scene that Ben Waterworth took inspiration from because what a beautiful man says that he's allergic to pepper. My Most of my teenage life was spent me saying I was allergic to pepper because of this scene. So he says, I'm allergic to pepper. I'll have the jambalaya. Uh, one of the times that he's dressed as Mrs. Doubtfire, he sneaks in there and puts some pepper. Not just some. Like, Cayenne. I think anybody would be dying at that point. Um, and it, again, it's not exactly like it's not hidden. You can see it all. Like, why doesn't Pierce Brosnan literally look at it and go, um, I'm that beautiful, I can't eat that pepper. Um, <laughs> basically, he's so attractive, it would melt the pepper off. Let's be honest. <laughs> but um, he exudes pepper sweat, like pepper <laughs> antidote. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Like, protects everyone from pepper. <laughs> Um, Peppa Pig. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, deserve one of them. Uh, so that food's going to come out. And then this is where he sees from a distance that he's eating his uh, bloody jambalaya and he starts choking, which like I get like when you're allergic to something, to, but to me, like this scene is kind of done. Like he's like, <clears throat> like pepper. And then he clearly is choking on like the shrimp or whatever the jambalaya yeah. is bit. So He's not allergic to the pepper as such. It's more like, well, he is, but like he's reacting to it before he chokes on it. So I used mm-hmm. to always literally like no pepper because otherwise I'd be like, oh, 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 it's got pepper in it. I can't eat this. Um, salt and pepper, TLC's biggest rivals, right? No? Salt and pepper. <laughs> you saw that clip, the Patrick's <laughs> <Yeah>. salt <laughs> and pepper. <laughs> he was surprised that pepper finally showed up. Um <laughs> So he comes and gives him the Heimlich maneuver, and this, of course, is a big reveal. Oh no, he's actually secretly a man in a woman's body. Uh, and then, sort of the reactions. I love Sally Field, like the whole time, the whole time, the whole time. The whole time. 
Um, I always like, for some reason, again, this reminds me of another movie. I think this is a Santa Claus where I think she's going to be like, never in my wildest dreams. Well, maybe in my wildest yeah. dreams. <laughs> what are you dreaming of, Wendy Crewson? <laughs> um, so everyone's shocked. Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> I, I love the little moment where though, when like Pierce Brosnan and Rob Williams shake hands. It's like, oh, yep, yep, yep. Good to meet you. I'm like, oh, yep. And then they kind of leave. <laughs> it's the last time we see Pierce Brosnan in this movie, which I, I'm assuming they're still together. There's, there's nothing here that would... I guess, prevent them from being together unless Pierce Brosnan is like, no, yeah. don't let Robert Williams see the children after school. Like he seems like a decent guy. Like, you know, I think the whole point of the movie is that he's a great guy. Yeah. So like, I'm sure they bury the hatchet eventually. Um, hey, Pierce, sorry. I threw a fruit at your head. Sorry. I said, you had a little dick. Sorry. I ripped the thing off your Mercedes. I'll pay for damages, but you're a beautiful man. You'll recover. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll go to the end of the movie here. So we've got another court scene. You talk about the dramatic scenes in this movie. Again, a great scene here when Rob Williams sort of stands up and he's kind of like, you know, in the, in the last three months, you said that I had to get a job, I had to get a house, I've, I've done that, I've gotten two jobs. And I think this is even meant to be less than three months, right? This is meant to be like only two months or something. They've, they've done this early because he's like, I've done this ahead of time. And like, mm-hmm. you're like, I love my children. Like, they are my life. You know, they are my oxygen. If I don't have them, I won't breathe. Like, I just, I did what I did because I had to go out of the way to see them. You know, you took away my oxygen. Like, it's such a sweet scene. You see Sally Field even, like, she's starting to, you know, lose it there. Like, she's getting a bit emotional. But then we've got Dick Judge here. Judgmental, bigoted judge. Like, well, I've got to question your lifestyle over the last few months. You've been charading as a woman. And that sort of stuff doesn't sit well with me. So you are getting supervised visits uh, and you are not to see your children. Which, okay, I see it. He's like done something a bit like against the court to see it. So I understand the logic of where the legalities of this are being. But again, it's not like he dressed as a woman to molest the children or take them out for like sinister activities or like do this or do that. Like I get it. But it, it would it be similar to like spying on somebody, you know, you, you, if, if you're looking through, the windows with binoculars. Is it really different than going in under a false identity? Well, considering the amount of times I've been charged for that, Colin, I'll talk to you about that off air. <laughs> but like, no, but like, yeah, but like, yeah, no. Like, I it just, I just, I just hate this judge. The way he's just like, oh, your lifestyle over the last few months. Like, this is something that doesn't hold up well. That he's just judging him for dressing as a woman. Um. So, yep, sure. But, I mean, and even that the bit when he says like, you know, that is a very passionate speech. But you're also a great actor, so I don't believe you. The the, yeah. the biggest dick in this movie, and not Pierce Brosnan on that level. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> only Pierce Brosnan can get a double effect. That's just meant to be a three. That's meant to be a But you talk about Pierce Brosnan's penis. We're in dreamland. Now this guy's the biggest dick in the movie. And so yeah, he's gonna have supervised visits. They're off. Trying to get new um, house kids. I love this woman. I don't do laundry. I don't do this. I don't do that. Shut up. It's a man. That's a man. Uh, I, I don't change diapers. Well, my children have been potty trained for some time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love Sally Field going that as like she walks off. And then they kind of have this whole speech of like, I miss her cooking. I miss her jokes. I miss this. And even Sally Field gets caught out. Like, well, I do miss the way that she's not even real. She doesn't even <laughs> exist. What are you talking about? Stupid children. Grr. But then all of a sudden we hear a hello. <laughs> and then all of a sudden she's on TV. So obviously she got the gig uh, as Mrs. Doubtfire with this like puppet monkey who I fucking love this. Kovacs. 
I love Kovacs because like one of my favorite bits in this entire movie is when they're going like, oh, and on the next show, we're going to go to uh, England. They've got a queen. They've got a dad. Some of them don't even live at home anymore. And you know what lingui- language they speak in England? Pakistani. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then even I love the way that like Mrs. Doubtfly just goes, well, in some convenience stores they do. Like, I want to think that that was all ad lib because I just love the way oh, yeah. he just goes, Pakistani. <laughs> <laughs> It's not even funny. And it's like, you're going to get two kisses from me. One here and a monkey bite. Oh, oh, wicked, wicked monkey. Wicked monkey. Uh, it's just so funny. Um, I want to see this show. I'd watch this show. Yeah. Um, but then Sally Field, and we get this like a massively emotional ending. Again, for anybody who doesn't think this is a drama or could be an Oscar winning film, like watch this last scene alone. Holy fuck, it hits in the feels. So Sally Field shows up on set. They sort of get into a bit of a fight, you know, like, you know, because he's basically going like, you know how horrible it is to have somebody watch you stare at the kids. If I hug my children, they kind of judge me. Like it's it's terrible, you know. And you took my children away. You broke my heart. And then basically, Sally Field is like, well, look, yep, I fucked up. You know, all I know is our life was better with Mrs. Doubtfire in it. Uh, so you know, let's let's fix that. And I remember, I think we all remember watching this the first time, thinking like, oh, Mrs. Doubtfire is going to come back and be like the the maid. But then it's done in such a way where it's like. It's such a more redemption ending. Like you could have mm-hmm. easily just gone, "Here's Mrs. Doubtfire," and then you play off with, "Dude looks like a lady." Like <laughs> easily, like that's that's your standard nineties yeah. like comedy ending. Like you would expect that, but instead, because like these kids don't even know who it is, they're kind of like, "Oh, I don't want to be this," but it's Dad. There he is. There's Daniel Hillard back, and it's like, "Oh, like this is so sweet." And then what just cats these off? Like <laughs> so good as you hear in the background. Where good old Mr. Squiggles or whatever his name is, he's back here. Sprinkles. Mr. Sprinkles. Uh, Did you notice he he mixes up her name? Hello, no. Mrs. Delt Flyer. Oh, I didn't he was just drunk on set because he actually got fired from the <laughs> film as well. Um, so he shows up with a letter here from like Lucy Goosey or something about, oh, my mummy and daddy are broken up. Is it my fault? Can I get them together? And just this speech. Holy fuck. Like, you mm-hmm. know. Sometimes you live with your mummy. Sometimes you live with your daddy. Sometimes they get back together again. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes you live with your aunt, your uncle. One thing that I'll say they would add in this nowadays is they say sometimes you live with two daddies. Sometimes you live with two mummies. Like, that's probably a line you would add now. Not saying it's bad that they sometimes didn't add that. Sometimes you live with Pierce Brosnan and oh. that's all you need. Just don't don't give me a dream, Colin. Um, <laughs> but it's just like just this impassioned, emotional speech at the end. We just like, holy fuck, with the music at the end as well. And you sort of got Sally Field just kind of like, oh, like, I'm a nice person. Um, just everything about it just ends. And even the way it's kind of like, until tomorrow, bye-bye. And it's like, who, who does the score for this film? Howard Shore, who would go on to win the Oscar for Lord of the Rings. Of course he did. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just an amazing ending to an amazing film. And, again, robbed of an Oscar outside of makeup for this film. Uh just going back to one of the things I said earlier, I think one of the most important things about this movie is that you don't really have Robin Williams ever thinking he's going to get back together with Miranda. Um, even when Pierce Brosnan is moving in, he's not trying, he's just trying to disrupt. It's almost, it's almost completely immature on his part because nobody's, he doesn't want his wife anymore. You've kind of got the impression he's very much moved on from her. He's flirting with blondes at the pool and everything. Uh, but it's just the idea of somebody else coming in and taking his family. It's it's the fact that everybody likes this guy that's the issue. 
Uh, and again, if this had been a movie where he he even says he wants a second chance just to take care of the kids. It's not like give me a when he's telling her, give me a second chance. Like, oh, but what about Mrs. Delphire, right? Uh, but yeah, everything about this movie, especially the restaurant sequence, you have to keep that in mind that like he doesn't care if Sally Field bangs Pierce Brosnan other than the fact that this is just it's too recent for him. It's like an open wound still, you know, uh, it's not that he wants to win her back. It's just like, yeah, but it's just it's weird because he's right in the middle of it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, all right. Uh, and that's it. That's what you're gonna say at the end of the film. No, no, no. It's a box office. I was, uh. <laughs> well, I, I one thing you did miss when she goes to take her medication and they keep saying, Oh, Mrs. Delphire, uh, we have water here at the oh. table. It cannot be taken orally. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about that. And all those scenes are slipping in and out of the bathroom and then goes in as a woman and comes out as a guy in the middle of the woman's room and stuff. That's great. Uh Lundy's so good here. I love when they're just getting more and more loaded, and he's like or did you another one? You go, bully, you scallywag. <laughs> yeah, I love that scallywag. Bully. Uh, yeah, yeah, Wendy was like, my God, why are you dressed as a woman? Because <laughs> he knew host. I do wonder, though, like, he sold this guy on energetic and this audition of, uh, you know, I eat wood. I'm like, Mrs. Delphire is not doing that. So is this a little too tame? For what Lundy was looking for, obviously he says later on it's like the number one show in the time slot. But how he doesn't obviously air all his dirty laundry to Lundy later on and be like, oh, so the real reason I was dressed a woman is yeah, yeah, but I think you're on to something. He's still expecting something energetic, and this show isn't exactly. I, I just it works out, but I don't see how he would sell Lundy on Mrs. Doubtfire as the host. scripts change, Colin. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, maybe the original script did have him going, uh, I eat wood. Do, 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 do. Mrs. Delphire dancing. I eat wood. It tastes good. <laughs> because Roger Moore is, Mrs. Delphire is basically Roger Moore is an old lady. Have you noticed? <laughs> Hello. I eat wood. <laughs> it tastes good. It can't be taken orally. <laughs> I am a woman. <laughs> Bastard broke my bag. It was a That's run by he- Frutera. <laughs> a genuine run by fruiting <laughs> one that's why so excited appears brosnan he's like oh young guy coming in and trying to move in on my territory <laughs> now nah, roger Moore would join in move over pierce <laughs> well this pierce brosnan the man's too beautiful even for somebody like me to deny <laughs> oh, that's it that's a hollywood k-couple right there Woo. <laughs> Woo. Uh, but yeah, all the restaurant stuff's like, it's so high energy. And this is where the movie, like it is, it is a long sequence where this is like your, your classic, like mistaken identity. And, oh, I got to do 16 things at once. And we got to pull this off, you know, absolutely perfect. I just don't know how he ever wrapped his head around. He was going to pull this off. I don't want to cancel on Lundy. So let me just show up half an hour late and (laughs) frequently excuse myself to the men's room to either snort Coke or have sex or do something. Like, how did he know this was ever going to work? What was the scenario you were thinking about where this was going to work? Uh, you mentioned like the, the Dead Poets Society reference in this movie where you can't get the, the dead shit. Seize the teeth. Carpe dentum. Yeah. Seize, carpe dentum. Seize that. the yeah. teeth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and one thing that I found just in the background. So every time Mrs. Delphire leaves the table, when she walks past, you hear Pierce Brosnan talking about France. The first, the kid's like, Oh, uh, did you like France? Yes, I liked France very much. They had some good beaches there. And then like 10 minutes later, when she's walking past the table again, he's like, and they had very good food in France. This <laughs> is the only conversation filler he has. So kids, who wants to hear more about France? Yeah, I think the background conversation is like, 
hastily because I noticed that too. And that's just also like, the, oh, I wonder where Mrs. Doubtfire is. Like, it's very just like basic yeah. Ben Waterworth, Kill Phil style of script writing there. It's it's the exact same conversation over and over again. Uh, and I noticed the same thing as you, like the, the allergic reaction that Piers Brosnan has is not an allergic reaction. Like he starts coughing and something gets caught in his throat. And then when he spits up the, the prawn, he should still have that allergic reaction. You still ingested this. You should be breaking out like Casey. We don't know what Casey's allergic to, but like he gets allergic reactions just at random where all of a sudden he's got like hives all over his body and it'll usually last like five or 10 minutes. He'll be scratching nonstop. But like that's an allergic reaction. Maybe I could say his throat closing up, and that's what he was choking on. Because like he, sometimes a person's throat will like literally close up where you can't swallow. But after that, he's just sort of like <clears throat> he just clears his throat, right? It's, it's clearly uh, so, I'm taking inspiration from Pierce Brosnan because he's not actually allergic to pepper. He's faking it, and he's just he's choking. He's faking it. There you go. He he was inspired by you. All oh, this this oh. kid in Hobart who just doesn't like pepper, and I wish I could be more like him. Um. I'll leave it there. Uh, <laughs> so we had to take a, mo- a moment to reflect gonna... on what you just said. Yes. Uh, just imagining Pierce Brosnan saying those words. Uh, but that, that that moment where his face is coming off, like it should be played for laughs. He's giving him the behind. Like he's literally face off. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, he's, to, he's literally, like, he's suplexing the man and his face is peeling off. But then it just sort of goes a different direction. It starts looking funny. And then when you start to see everybody else's reaction around the table, then it becomes like, uh-oh. And then it suddenly becomes very sad. Like, it, it plays on every single emotion in one scene. So I'm mm. not something you got to credit Chris Columbus for. Uh, I don't know why uh, Lydia and... Um, uh, what's Matthew Lawrence's character's Chris. name? Chris. Lydia and Chris, why they're like, Dad? Like, are they faking it? Like, they uh, knew the whole time. I think there's a bit where, like, you almost get like a... It's almost like, a, oh, no, he's been found out type reaction. I don't know if it's one of them says, like, oh, no, you see them say it. Like, you actually... Oh, okay. To me, it's more like, yeah, you see them going, like, oh, shit, he's been discovered. Yeah, I want to see the scene where the kids find... Or the mom finds out that the kids knew about this. But I do love, like, the most guy thing ever. He even says, sorry about the whole trying to kill you thing. And Pierce was like, oh, yeah, and they shake hands. And he's he just sort of does this, yeah... <laughs> Man, I'm, over it. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm a man. I, I, I just masculinity it out. <laughs> that's that's how it peeled off him. It's like he's such a man that if a man dresses as a woman, it melts. Because it's like it be a man. Right <laughs> he he got first physical contact with Pierce Brosnan, and all the femininity just fell off of him. Exactly. Uh, but uh, the deleted scene I was mentioning that I actually I'm like, oh, I don't remember this deleted scene, or I had forgotten about it. It, it comes right after the restaurant scene where. After Sally Field storms off, like, I have to go. We have to go. We have to leave. Uh, he shows up at the house. And he's still, he's not wearing the wig or anything, but he's still got the dress on. And he shows up at the door saying, can we please talk about this? And she's like, I can't talk to you looking like this. He goes, fine, I'll change. And they have a quite, quite a big heated argument, which it was a fantastic scene. Like, just looking at the, the, listening to the dialogue for this, not even paying full attention to it. I'm like, wow, like, this is up there with their breakup scene. And even the, the scene later on where she comes to the studio later on. But you could see why they cut it out of the movie because you're going to repeat a lot of this stuff in the, the scene where she comes to the, the TV studio later on. But the important part about it is that the kids are listening in and the kids actually both speak up and say, hey, listen, you guys are both the problem. And the kids basically tell off the parents with tears in their eyes and they realize same thing from earlier on, like, oh, I don't want her to get amoebic dysentery. Like it's said, like, okay, we're messing up these kids for life, so let's get a hold of ourselves. But then for you to have the courtroom scene after that, I think you would have had to have removed the courtroom scene because it doesn't work with 
her being like, oh, my, I just ruined my kid's life. Now I'm going to go in there and take their father away more. Mm. Uh, but I do love the courtroom scene. I, 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 I kind of view it like, yes, the judge definitely is. From the judge's point of view, <laughs> I think he's got reason. It, it, this is the one thing that Sally Field makes as a mistake in the movie. Because when she comes to the studio and apologizes later on, he's saying, oh, you know, I, I understand we both did wrong. But, like, you knew that judge was wrong with what he was saying and you didn't say one thing. It's the fact that the judge believes this isn't about loving your children. When the audience knows this guy just loves his children that much that he's willing to go to these lengths to see them, uh, the judge's perspective is this guy is obsessed with ruining his ex-wife's life because that's the story that's being told by her lawyer. He he he, you know, started talking down my boyfriend, assaulted him, tried to kill him. That's what this looks like on the surface. So I would kind of see that from the judge's point of view why he'd be like, this was never really about your kids, was it? Uh, but it's Sally Field not speaking up which is the important part here. And that's what the only thing Robin Williams drills on at the end is where he says, you knew what that judge was saying wasn't right. And you didn't say one thing to correct him. And she even says, well, I was angry at the time. Can you blame me? But it is that, that this is where that reaction from the lady, when the judge starts giving the ruling, the, the lawyer starts smiling and she has this look at her. I have you now. <laughs> it's very much gotcha suckers. <laughs> um, she's great. She barely says a line in this movie and she's fantastic. Uh, but yeah, the, the scene at the studio is so good uh, between them both. Like, I, I'm not an emotional person, but like, I get emotional watching that scene. Like, it, it's really strong, and you feel for both of them. Uh, and this is another one of those clips. Like, you you could show this as an Oscar clip, and you hold it up with Goodwill Hunting or Good Morning Vietnam or anything else that Robin Williams ever did, and it's right up there. And just like you, I can remember not seeing the movie for the first time, but I can remember my reaction of when you hear that doorbell ring. You're like, oh, it's gonna be Mrs. Doubtfire. But like, but then. That would have been the obvious comedy ending to this. This is one of the things Chris Columbus is so good at is that he could do these outrageous comedy movies that kind of have this nice sweet ending where it, you don't have to laugh at it. You know, Nine Months had something very similar, if you remember that. Uh, which, by the way, Julianne Moore apparently was uh, one of the other actors they thought about if Sally Field wasn't going to do this movie. He obviously used her in the next one. Julianne Moore could have worked in this. That would have been an interesting Miranda. Younger. Uh, but uh uh, oh, yeah, she would have been, they would have had to go quite a bit younger, I think. Uh, but I don't know if they would have been looking to use Tim Allen at that point as opposed to Robin Williams or something, younger kids. Uh, but uh, but yeah, like the, the ending of Nine Months is very similar to this. It's like, oh, it's kind of a nice ending. And Home Alone would be the best example. We have this outrageous comedy movie and it just sort of ends with this old man seeing his son for the first time in years and Kevin waving from the window and everything. Uh, but uh, it, it's, it's done so well. And I when you said that, uh, you cut to dude looks like a lady. I I don't think I ever expected that you could have ended this movie with I'm Mrs. Doubtfire, kids. I'm going to pose as a woman for the rest of your lives. But if you were to have ended this movie and then cut to dude looks like a lady, you're like, oh, a different comedy probably would have ended it like this. Yeah. Uh, so it's not even that far off to say that you might have uh, expected that. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, everything here is so good. This is where the, the last act of the movie is very little comedy. I mean, from the from the point that uh, Pierce Brosnan starts choking. There's not really any laughs in here at all, uh, other than the the TV stuff like Kovacs the puppet. I do love where it's like, oh, doesn't that make you mad, Kovac? It makes me very mad. <laughs> <laughs> Kovacs is fantastic when they're going on about uh, you know other apes in Hollywood. It's like, oh, they do Planet of the Apes. You know, they cast Roddy McDowell. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was um, uh, not not that one specifically, but that was one of the things that they found was a, a challenge with the improv in this movie, was that. Uh, Robin Williams would drop all these different pop culture references, you know, from, from everything. I'm, I'm sure, you know, uh, half of the things he says in this movie 
they were like, oh, I don't know if we can include that because then you got to go through legal. And even when he's referencing other movies, like the Sunset Boulevard scene was one of them, right? It's like, okay, but do we have the rights to that movie? Are we going to have to pay them? So they basically had to put together multiple cuts of this movie. There were, you know, apparently like four or five cuts of this. One, of course, that was like R-rated and then the one that was PG, not they intended to release it, but like we want to put this movie together in as many different ways as possible. And then you would have to have multiple cuts just be like, here's a version where we have all the references we want. Now, if legal can't clear us mentioning these people's names, these other movies, these other pop culture references, now I've got to have that. That's just the craziness of filming with Robin Williams. And he'll give you something that is so funny. And you'd watch this movie for life thinking that line was always in the movie. And meanwhile, it's like, oh, no, no. He just brought that up on the spot. And then we had to go through 16 lawyers to have one line in a movie. Um, I didn't realize this actually won the Golden Globe for best, best actor. Best actor in a musical or comedy, comedy and one, right? also yeah. for best motion picture, musical or comedy. So um, I'll give a bit of credit that he get, also won best picture. Get, yeah, that's a, yeah, best motion picture. So it, it it did get some love there in Oscars Junior, I guess. Um, but it wasn't actually super well received at its time of release. Um, it's got a seventy percent of Rotten Tomatoes right now. But I remember this getting a lot of negative reaction back in the day as well. Cause a lot of people what compared to like some like it hot, which is another movie we didn't really mention of like men dressed mm-hmm. as a woman, 53 on Metacritic. Um, and then, yeah, you've got here one, the critical consensus, Mrs. Doubtfire might seem excessively broad or sentimental, but Robin Williams shines so brightly that the end result is difficult to resist. So it was kind of mixed reviews at the time. It was never, it wasn't as beloved as it is now. So I think now people just look back at this as like, you know, an iconic film of the 90s. They did make a, a broad a Broadway show of it, which I could have seen when I was in New York, but I just, there's just something about the idea of Mrs. Doubtfire and Broadway. Does, about Robin Williams? Yeah, like it, it is one of those roles where you you connected so much to one actor. But even then, like, I just don't get how you turn this into a musical. Dude looks like a lady, lady, lady. <laughs> <laughs> He's a beautiful man. He's he would. <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't know. But, I mean, having said that, you go and see these things and they turn into great things. Um, I'll get to the box office in a second. But, yeah, sequels, they wanted to make this about 500 times with sequels. Yeah. Apparently, Bonnie Hunt. Uh, bring back Bonnie Hunt. Where's Bonnie Hunt? She was developing Mrs. Doubtfire 2. Um, and then, yeah, Robin Williams kept saying that, oh, it's happening, but the script was terrible. Apparently, one of the scripts was he was going to move to, like, Lydia's college to keep an eye on her as Mrs. Doubtfire. I just, but then I, he wouldn't have been Mrs. It was something where it's like he started as Mrs. Doubtfire and then it was basically he was a completely different female character. Yeah, and I just, like, even Robin Williams has, like, said so many times over the years that I couldn't see it. Christopher Columbus was like, yeah, we're talking about it. But, like, and I, I'm, like, I applaud Robin Williams. Like, I, I can't see a scenario where there's a sequel to this film. I just, yeah. there's nothing to me on paper that and works for a sequel. He was a producer on the movie too. I mean, that's something we didn't even mention. Yeah. I just really quickly wanted to say that they're winning best picture for, okay, I know Golden Globes has two categories, but the year this was up for best picture for the musical and comedy, its competition was Dave. That movie's considered a classic. Much Ado About Nothing, Sleepless in Seattle, and Strictly Ballroom. They've had stiff competition and it won. Australia's Strictly Ballroom. Baz Luhrmann's Strictly Ballroom. There you go. Um... Yeah, could you have seen a sequel to this movie? I could not have seen this. No, it, I. there's no way for it to work. Like, I think Robin Williams is right. Like, it, well, there's two things. One, he is this character. So you would love to watch this character, but it, the premise only works if he's doing this in secret and everybody knows at the end of this movie. I think that was one of the points that he brought up. He's like, 
you can't really do much when everybody knows he was Mrs. Doubtfire. The end. Now he's a TV star and all that. Like the only way to do this was that that terrible idea about he goes to spy on Lydia at college. But in order to do that, they're still like, well, he has to become somebody other than Mrs. Doubtfire. So now it's just Robin Williams wearing a different dress and it's not the same movie. There's no way that you could have ever done a sequel. I, I can't think of any scenario where this is done justice. Another, this this made the AFI uh, 100 Years, 100 Last list at number 67. Another movie, which uh, disappointing that we couldn't fit in to do this year, same year, Groundhog Day. That also made my top 50 oh, yeah. movies all time. This was like, I'd always rent these two like back to back basically when I go to Video City. Um, and I just don't know why I thought about that one because I, I think Groundhog Day at the time too was similar to Mr. Doubtfire, wasn't that loved at the time, but mm-hmm. over time has gone on to be considered one of the greatest comedy movies of all time. Um, it's like the Shawshank Redemption of comedies. It's this movie that people saw it when it came out. They're like, oh, that's okay. And then every year that passes, people are like, maybe the greatest movie ever made. And Groundhog Day again would be a movie that you would argue today would probably get nominated for Best Picture. And that is more of a comedy yeah. than drama. Like it's got some dark yeah. stuff in Groundhog Day, but that is way more comedy than Mrs. Doubtfire is. Um, box office wise though, this was a pretty big success. $219,195,243 <laughs> overall domestically. It was the fifth biggest film of the year. Uh, and this is a year, of course, of Jurassic Park. Nope. nope. So, well, well, you're looking at calendar. Oh, I always look at calendar. Just by the end of the year. Sorry. Yeah. In, in year, what is it? In year releases. Second. In year, yeah. You're right. Sorry. Yeah. Apologies. So only behind Jurassic Park. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, there's Highest a, grossing film in history. There's a trivia part for you. What film finished behind Jurassic Park in the box office? You'd be thinking like, what? The Fugitive, Indecent Proposal. Like... Even you'd probably think like Schindler's List, you know, but I mean, looking at that year, 93, great year for film. We could, we could easily do, we did that with 2002 last year, but I mean, Mrs. Doubtfire, Jurassic Park, The Fugitive, The Firm, Sleepers in Seattle, Indecent Proposal, In the Line of Fire, Pelican Brief, Schindler's List, Cliffhanger, Free Willy, Philadelphia, Groundhog Day, Grumpy Old Men, Cool Runnings, Dave, Demolition Man. Oh God, it keeps going on. Beethoven second, Dennis and Menace. So many good We're films. back a dinosaur story. Oh, the Steven Spielberg one. They always forget about that he did, right? Um, so this opened on Thanksgiving to $20 million. Uh, also out that weekend, we're back a dinosaur story. <laughs> uh, also released that weekend. The big one was a perfect world. But at the cinemas that week, we could have seen Adam's Family Values, The Three Musketeers, Carlito's Way, My Life, The Nightmare Before Christmas, The Piano, Cool Runnings, Jurassic Park in week 25. You could have finally seen it, Colin. Your brother might have allowed you to see it. Um, you know, I do. Uh, I, I do you're know. Probably what. not going to go through all of this, but if you just look at what its position was week after week, uh, this was in the top two at the box office for eleven weeks straight. It was number wow. one on its tenth week of release. It just would always flip flop between number one, number two, number one, number two. Something else that I don't think has really happened uh, outside of maybe just a handful of movies since then, but like. Three months in before this thing drops out of the top two at the box office? Wow. We um, use the reviews. It's easily one-star reviews of this one because it's so beloved now. Yeah. Uh, with all respect to Mr. Williams and his talent, I hated this movie. Um, suspension of belief. Ridiculous and unfunny. This one's a short one. This sentimental nonsense isn't realistic. Its attempt at humor are pathetically lame. The plot is preposterous. Preposterous. That word. A divorced father. A divorced father pretends to be a woman in order to be employed as a housekeeper in the house of his ex-wife and their children, as if none of them would notice that it's him. Okay. Um, my kids liked it. I thought it was kind of stupid. Probably the worst film I have ever seen. 
When I wrote, probably the worst film I've ever seen, I lied. The film was so bad that I walked out of the cinema before the film finished. It wasn't funny, had no story, and the vision of Robin Williams in a dress plus full makeup made me feel physically sick. (laughs) That that was one of the kids. Oh, Oh, sick mom. Oh, here we go. A horrible transphobic movie by Remington. Uh, Well, Remington still. He likes his men. (laughs) Remington underscore seven. This is one of my all-time hated movies. I watched this when I was seven and found it okay, but now rewatching it, I find it transphobic. When Mrs. Doubtfire urinates standing up and the boy sees, he immediately runs to his sister to say, call the police. This is implying cross-dressing or being a transsexual is against the law. I mean, okay, I, I commented on that, but I don't think that makes it transphobic. I uh, think it's also implying one kid who's 12 years old is kind of weirded out by this. It isn't implying that it's discriminating amongst people that are transgendered. Many parents probably would not see this movie, but it's the exact opposite. Okay, you wrote this in 2012. Now, again, I'm not defending being transphobic, but in 1993, we weren't as educated or as progressive mm. as even we were in 2012. Right, we covered Nip Tuck on this show. They tackled a lot of things around transgender individuals in that show. Some don't age very well, but some were very ahead of its time and you could easily release that today and still have the same conversation. So again, I'm not defending anything that is slightly transphobic, but in 1990, that's like going back to like a 1940s TV show and goes, they were racist. Like, yeah, exactly. That's unfortunately the time we lived in at that point, not defending it, but we've moved on and adapted and Mm -hmm. had education. So shut up, Remington underscore seven. (laughs) You're transphobic. That's my comeback. I know you are, but what am I? (laughs) (laughs) Plot keywords number one is transvestism. (laughs) Surely number one's going to be Rocky Horror Picture Show. I mean, sweet transvestite from Transylvania. No, Victor Victoria. Salo or the 120 Days of Soap. When are we doing that film, Colin? You know about that film? No. That is a very uh, infamous film for like graphic depiction of sex and sexual assault. Apparently there's like scenes where they force people to have sex and eat their own poo. Um, It's a very controversial film. Uh, Sounds right up my alley. Psycho and the Birdcage are there as transvitism. Transvitism? The lowest on this list is Lime. Uh, We could do Lime (laughs) Month featuring... The great movies that are the Darjeeling Limited, oh, Natalie Portman movie, uh, Project X, Mrs. Doubtfire, or HUD. HUD. Uh, I like uh, Two Daughters and One Son or One Boy, Two Girls Month or Begonia Month. Okay, here we go. Begonia. Oh, okay. We've got to watch this one because number one is Anna Armas is Ghosted, uh, followed by Mrs. Doubtfire, followed by The Houseplant, a four-minute long short film. We actually picked... Dead Duck Month, which will have the longest, one of the longest movies in existence. We could actually pick Begonia Month and do the shortest movie in existence. Four minutes, a houseplant becomes a killer. Oh. Uh, and then the only other thing on here is Beautiful Excursions episode titled Martinique L'Aventure and Partage. I watched it the other day. Very good film. Yeah, I'm um, sure you did. Gay Brother Month. Uh, <laughs> I've been waiting for this. Shameless, Animal Kingdom, The Umbrella Academy, and The Witcher, Blood Origin. Is that the new one without Henry Cavill in it? Uh, that's the one with Michelle Yeoh, I think, yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm bidding. Terrible movie. Uh, obviously, it's, it's a buy. It's transphobic. Transphobic. <laughs> Transformers? Transformers <laughs> is transphobic. It says trans in the title. I'm offended. <laughs> um, I mean, spoiler alert, my rankings are... My, this is the easiest I've ever ranked this month because a movie that I've never seen is going to be at the bottom. 
A movie that I ranked 15th overall will be number one. A movie that I ranked like 47th will be number three. And a movie that I ranked number 20 will be number two. So this will be number two on my overall list. So it's number one right now. Um, but I mean, God, what, what else can we say? We've, we've gone nearly four hours talking about Mrs. Doubtfire, nearly twice the movie's length, because this movie is incredible. It holds up very well. And I kind of seriously want to watch it again because I love this movie so much. Uh, my rankings, I mean, American Graffiti made my top 50. This one didn't, but I'm like, oh, should I have made it? I, I'm not going to put it as high as American Graffiti because I absolutely love that movie. But to me, the competition will be between this and next week's movie because both of those were ones where like, oh, why didn't I include that in my top 50? Or maybe that was just outside of mine. I mean, who knows? Maybe Rush will surprise me. But uh, yeah, this movie is incredible. It, it holds up so well. Uh, Robin Williams' performance is iconic, beyond iconic. And um, it is not transphobic in any way. It is done. not. Well done. And Colin has spoken. Um, in the meantime, next week, Truman Show. Uh, we've talked it up already in this episode, but I, I mean, I saw this, this is the only... Oh, no, I saw Rush at the cinemas. So one of 50% of these movies that I did see at the cinema, I had to beg and plead to go see this movie because, again, my dad, not a Jim Carrey fan, hated Jim Carrey, hated the fact that I loved Jim Carrey growing up. So he would never go to a Jim Carrey movie with me at the cinema. So I think I went and saw this with my grandma from, from memory. Um, but... Oh, this movie. Just what can I say? Directed by an Australian. So I think we need to talk about Peter Weir. And we studied this. I remember in English, we actually did a big unit studying The Truman Show because it's it's held up ridiculously well because of when this was released, right on the bubble of a little thing called reality TV, which, mm-hmm. you know, watching this now, you think, oh, yeah, it's just reality TV. But this wasn't a thing. And this wasn't the first to do it. Ed TV, I think, came out a year before this, didn't it? Um, After. I didn't come after. TV was Ed TV was based on a Canadian movie that came out before this. Oh, I always thought Ed TV came before the Truman Show. Um, but I mean, just the thing too about this film, outside of Jim Carrey's amazing performance, the things that it was robbed for, and all that kind of stuff, it's such a like a I don't know what you say about it. Like, um, metaphor is not the word, but just just for life. Like, I've used this movie so many times, like in life, as like a, am I living in the Truman Show right now? Like, is this like a a thing like I like legitimately I've never had a movie in my life that I've connected to with a point where I legitimately think this could be my life. I'm like, I'm in the Truman show. Everyone's an actor. Like this is, this is fake. Uh, they made a movie called the Truman show to make it seem like this is so far fetched and impossible that this couldn't be a thing. Um, but Oh God, I just, Ben, ben the last thing I would ever do is lie to you. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Are we just going to do ads halfway through? Cup. <laughs> it holds your water and your coffee and now available for only $3.99. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I just don't have a poster in the background going, flying, this could happen to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, there, there is more humor in it than I do remember. But like, it is such a great movie. Oh, my God. Like, I, I, I'm sad I didn't put this in my top 10. 15, though. Still high enough on my list that it's a brilliant film. Yeah. Um- I mean, I love Jim Carrey. I remember when this movie came out, just being so excited for it, knowing that it was a drama. Um, and also, there's two outside of Jim Carrey. There's two people who made this movie: the writer and director, who also had movies in my top fifty. And that might be one of the things that uh, maybe bumped this out because the screenwriter made a movie just before this uh, that is in my close to top ten, and the director Peter Weir made a movie after this that is close to my top ten. Uh, but, uh, I mean, the movie's incredible. It is one of those clever, you, you think even now, okay, it's just reality TV, but like it's done in such a incredibly 
fantastical way where it, it's so elaborate and it's the idea that this guy doesn't know and it's it's basically they create a world they create this world that looks artificial and real at the same time it's just amazing ed harris is incredible in this movie noah emmerich's amazing in this movie laura linney um this movie has an incredible cast uh peter krauss is in this movie peter krauss was who he's like a very small part but you'll, you'll recognize him oh okay um, yeah, I mean, it's been several years since I've seen it, but, uh, th this whole week I'm keeping like, oh, do I want to pay the $30 to get the 4k? I think Truman show might be one that's worth it. So, uh, spoiler alert. I will buy this movie before next week. Did get nominated for three Oscars. So got an original yeah. screenplay, a supporting actor and best director. Peter, we did get nominated for best director for this film, but, uh, we will talk about the other parts that it was robbed for. And I'm saying there's going to be two weeks of Ben talking about robbed Oscar nominations because when we get to rush Daniel Brühl. Just saying, robbed. Um, yeah. Also, during the week, though, as always, we've got our 24 coverage. Uh, some great episodes of that coming up. Mission Impossible is out this week, so there'll be a review of that somewhere. And the best of the Mission Impossibles, which Colin has been slaving around with, um, I'm guessing Oppenheimer and Barbie reviews in, upcoming as well. And American, uh, American, uh, amazing, Am American Race Canada. Amazing, amazing Race Canada. Is that happening? Is Rocky and Jared being productive or you don't know? Or... Uh, I wasn't available this week and they just said they weren't able to record. So I guess they're <laughs> waiting on me. So <laughs> I love having people like this who work for this esteemed show. <laughs> ah, we'll do it when we can. Sure. All right. Not like we have a schedule or anything. Uh, thanks <laughs> for tuning in, but we'll be back next week. And my name is Ben and... In the words of Porky Pig, piss off, Colin. And my name is Colin, and I have to go. We have to leave now. I have to leave. We have to leave now. I have to go. We're going. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes, yes sir. sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. Wow! For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. <laughs>